the Jewel of the Nile soundtrack. Remember that movie? The bad sequel to Romancing the Stone, which was a good movie. Billy Ocean's When the Going Gets Tough, The Tough Get Going. And uh, fortunately for me, what got going was my cold from last week. Not completely gone, but mostly gone. I'm in a lot better shape today than I was six days ago when I did this show. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Before I get to anything, because we started late tonight, uh, free roll starting in four minutes. Four minutes, an $80 free roll, which is No Limit Hold'em. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You need a free account there. No play chips required. No chips of any kind required. Just enter the tournament. Sit down, but no late registration, so you have four minutes to get in there. $80 free roll. The prize is 40 for first, 20 for second, 13 for third, 7 for fourth. 40, 20, 13, and 7 are the four prizes tonight in the free roll. And these were donated by our users, as usual. That's always who donates to our free rolls, and I appreciate that very much. Whenever people donate, I actually thank them, even though I'm not getting the money, because I like seeing our community be generous to one another. The three donors this week, Charham donated 50 Hot Like Sauce, who's a newer user on the site, donated $20. And Dirty Ernie, who's donated many times, including last week, donated $10. Thank you to all three of you for our $80 free roll, which starts in three minutes. Remember, no late registration and not really much time to do this, but if you do not have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum by June 1st, 2013, then you need to email me. Dandruff at PokerFraudAlert.com Dandruff at PokerFraudAlert.com And convince me That you have been around listening to this show For at least the last three weeks Or reading the forum For at least the last three weeks Convince me of this by telling me some things That you've heard on this show That are not listed in the show descriptions Or just some details about the forum That prove to me you've been reading Because I don't want to give free roll money away Donated by our users To people who are just here to win the free roll And not participate at all or listen at all to this show. So that's the requirement. But if you have a registered account here before June 1st, you're in. You're in no matter what unless you have a banned account. So good luck to everybody playing the free roll tonight. Sorry for the late start to this show. I had something come up at the last minute and I tweeted about it. Not exactly what it was, but I tweeted about how the show will be starting late and indeed it did. But here we are and uh, we have a Pretty full agenda tonight Maybe a co-host Eric Ryland said he'll co-host But he always says that And then he hasn't co-hosted ever At least not for a full show So we'll see If he does not show up I will do it myself As I always do But at least I will not be coughing And sneezing throughout the show Oh, he says he's here well, Let's get him on I, I'm afraid to like delay this Because if I delay this for even a few minutes He'll disappear again So i got to capture Ryland Right now Before he can run away Eric Ryland, hello. Right now, before he can run Uh-oh. away. Hello, not, sir. I'm that's here. not a good start. That's not. Eric Ryland, hello. Right now, before he can run away. Oops, oh, that's bad. Hold yeah, on. that's a <laughs> terrible start. That's <laughs> bad. That's a terrible start hello. to your uh, your hosting career here on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. The oh, the feedback. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Shit, I can't hear you. Ah, oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. I mean, I can hear you. You can't hear me at all. Hold on, let me put in my. This is a mess. First we start late, and then he can't hear me. I knew it would Hello. be this simple to just call Ryland and everything Ruff? works. Yeah, can you hear me? Hold on. Call me back. It's, oh, it's not boy. working. 
Oh boy. All right, Ryland, you need to test this with somebody else, like make a phone call or something. Call like an 800 number. Make sure it can hear you. I don't want to test this on the radio. See, he's calling me back here, but it's not going to work again. Let's try one more time. Ryland, are Jeff? you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Why can't I hear you? This is awful. Okay. So uh, Ryland uh, needs to figure this out. And uh, I'm telling him to figure this out and call me back. I, I can't test his microphone on this show. That's just something we can't do. Let me give you the agenda for tonight. We have a pretty full agenda. As I said, uh, we shouldn't have a lot of the problems we had last week. It always bothers me. Always bothers me when this show is not as good as it can be or when it has problems or when I have problems. And last week, I was sick, as a lot of you heard, and I was having to stop the show to blow my nose and to cough and put it on mute to cough and... Uh, even had to take a break for about four minutes when I was really feeling lousy, and I also was kind of out of it. And I think some of you could tell that. But I tried my best. I had to get through a long show of like four and a half hours, or maybe five hours. It was a long show, a lot of stuff to discuss last week. And uh, when it was all over, I wasn't very satisfied with it. Like, I was satisfied with myself for powering through it, but not how the show went off. So I'm hoping this week will be substantially better since I feel substantially better than last week. So here's what we got this week. And maybe we'll have Ryland, maybe we won't. The top story. Even though some of you might not think this is a top story, I do. It's been the thing that's been talked about the most in the poker world for the last week. Remember last week during our show, someone came out with breaking news about a tip theft that occurred at Foxwoods, and it turned out the thief, or the alleged thief, was poker reporter and blogger J. Who Jedi Noonan, guy who's been around for like a decade reporting on poker, very, very, very well liked in the community, and someone on the union page for the union of uh, poker dealers over there on the East Coast reported that he was caught stealing in December. He was caught stealing $700 out of the tip jar from dealers. And I wasn't sure what to believe. I wasn't sure if it was a true story because there were no other records of this. There were no records in the Connecticut court system if you search their webpage. You couldn't find anything, but then again, it was on the union webpage, and unless that page was hacked, it would be hard to believe that story would have been up there if it was not true. Well, a lot has happened since then. This just came out as we did the show last week while we were doing the show. Uh, Six days later, a lot has come out since then. It turns out, yes, it was true. It was 100% true. Jay, who Jedi Noonan, is indeed a tip thief. Uh, It's it's on your end if you can't hear me, because I just did test runs with people, and it works. (laughs) I cannot hear you, sir, so it's on your end. It's not on my end. (laughs) Let me me check this here. I'm going to check this here. Um... Oh, you know what? I think Rylan was right. I think it was my fault. Rylan, can can you hear me now? This is such a mess. Rylan, hello. <sighs> what is wrong? I think he's right, though. I think I screwed up something on my end. No- nothing on this show can ever work properly. It's so frustrating. I have to restart Skype. 
I think he's right, though. I blamed him for nothing. I mean, at least you guys can hear me. It's so weird, because you could hear the... I think it's a Skype problem I end, because you guys could hear the music I played at the beginning. You can hear me. Ryland can't hear me over Skype. It's the weirdest thing. I just restarted Skype. I apologize to everybody listening as I'm trying to get this right. I really want to co-host tonight. I don't want to just give up on this. I just don't. Um. Hmm. See if this works. Now he's not answering. That's a good start to the show. It's asking if I want to leave a video message. <laughs> uh oh. Wait, you can hear me, but but now now you're coming through my computer in a really weird way. <laughs> Hold on. I don't understand what's happening. This is this is crazy. Um, okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear. Uh, you. I think we're. I think I fixed it. I think it's done. I think we're in good shape. We're good. Okay. Embarrassing cool. start to the show. But I did think you, did you blame it on me? At I, I did. I blamed. <laughs> I was totally. I was convinced it was you. I, I just was. Druff, I have to mention something right away. You're not going to believe this. Go ahead. The timing. The timing is just so strange. So I get a phone call, and it's uh, it's a collections agency, <laughs> and they said a check bounced or a, a bank wire bounced from my bank account to wsop.fucking.com. So of course I go into their their uh, support form on 2 plus 2 and people are already complaining about this like <laughs> WSOP has this huge fuck up now and I am so So wait a pissed. minute, were they like, wiring something to you or you were wiring to them? I I sent the money to them, it cleared my bank account and now they now they send it to collections and say it never went through. Isn't that a fucking mess? So, so they took your money and then they said they never received it? Yep, I just sent you a, the thread link right there. Now, for now wait a minute. Too. Wait a minute. Um if they were to, if you were to deposit by wire, wouldn't they wait to credit you the money until they That's what I it? said. So you're saying they actually said the wire it, went through in some way, gave you the money, and then it did. It and, did and, go through, and then I it went at, through on your end. Bank, I'm looking at my bank statement from December. They said, "No, I believe you. I believe yeah. you. No, this, they've had nothing but failure over there. Like I, oh yeah." Like some, I'm so pissed. Like it, I'm almost sh- shaking. I'm so mad. Well, you'll you'll enjoy the segment on this show where we talk uh, about the New Jersey online poker and uh, and and also about where we talk about a lobbyist who is claiming that the current legalized online poker rooms are ill-equipped to deal with cheating and with uh, money laundering. And this is someone who's trying to fight online poker being legalized, which obviously I don't support. Yeah. But yeah, but I, mean, I, I just I just got back from New Jersey. I played over there. Yeah, and I, I said, look, I think this person, even though they're fighting against our interests, I think they have a few good points. I don't think the current sites are really equipped to do this because they're not even equipped to run their own sites properly. Oh, I agree, and 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 just it just goes to show that they they hired a a poker scammer as the. Uh, the verification, you know that. There's, we were talking about that for months. Yeah, how yeah, they, yeah. Uh, yeah the, verify. Uh, what, what was it called? Yeah, when they had uh, iOvation. So, so anyway, yeah. here's here's the agenda for tonight. Uh, in addition to the tip stealing uh, and more discussion of that, what happened with uh, Jay Hu Jedi Noonan, 
Major fallout over that situation. This situation has grown a lot bigger since last week, not just in that the allegations were true against Jay Noonan, but that this has created a war between internet forum posters, who are also poker players, and the poker media. There really is a war going on right now on 2 Plus 2 and Twitter and elsewhere, where people are being blocked from Twitter. Um, people are fighting back and forth on 2 Plus 2, calling each other scumbags. Uh, I mean, this is between the poker media and a lot of forum users, who are mostly poker players, as I said. And this involves people who previously had not been involved in much or any controversy. People like BJ Nemeth, Jess Wellman, people who were generally liked in the poker media and now are under fire. Even poor Kivmath, going to listen to this show, is under fire. Now, I'm not saying I agree with everything being said about them, but the poker media is under fire this week over how they have handled the Jay Noonan tip-stealing situation. Now, I'll talk about that, and I'll give my opinion, you can give yours too, Ryland, as to whether the poker media is at any fault in this whole thing. Uh, Lock Poker. Every week we have something to talk about with them. Uh, this week we have two things to talk about with Lock Poker. First of all, they've dropped all their pros except for three. There's only three pros remaining on Lock Poker. They used to have this gigantic list of people, most of whom you didn't even know. Uh, now they're down to three for unknown reasons, and the traffic on the site is extremely, extremely low. Sometimes with like 45 people online, it's if it wasn't circling the drain before, boy, is it in trouble now. And also, someone found a connection, a possible connection between Lock Poker and a Vancouver. British Columbia real estate company that appears to be run by a relative of Lock Poker CEO Jennifer Larson. So we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about uh, how likely it is that Lock and this real estate company are one and the same. Well, here's some bad news. Lee Jones of Poker Stars has confirmed that despite the fact that laptops were stolen out of rooms of the Barcelona Arts Hotel and spyware was installed on them to try to cheat poker players, despite the fact that this happened, despite the fact that security obviously helped the perpetrators do it, the security of the hotel, despite the fact that the hotel tried to cover it up after it was discovered by several players, after all that, Poker Stars has decided... They're going to return to the Barcelona Arts in 2014. What a disaster. What a disaster. I mean, what kind of decision is that? I saw it coming. I knew this was going to happen. I mean, the way PokerStars has been acting the whole time has been leading up to this, breaking this news to people. So the news has been broken. PokerStars is coming back to the same hotel in 2014, so the same thing can happen all over again. Very can, nice. you, can you believe the greed, Todd? Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah, terrible. <laughs> so, uh, as I was saying just a second ago, lobbyist or a lobbyist has uh, taken to Twitter to bash the safety of the existing legalized online poker sites. Basically, uh, this is a woman who was hired by unknown entities, maybe Sheldon Adelson, maybe not, but someone who did not want to see online poker become any more legalized in the U.S. than it already is, has hired this woman, who usually works for the Republican Party, uh, but she's not acting on behalf of the Republican Party. She's just a lobbyist against online poker right now. 
she has been taking to Twitter to bash the existing legalized rooms, saying that it's very easy to cheat on them and that it's very easy to launder money through them and that the FBI agrees. Now, you would think I would be bashing this woman, and in a way, I, I kind of will. I, I don't like what she's doing. Obviously, I want to see online poker legalized in the U.S. as much as possible, and I, I, I hate anyone who tries to fight that, but I think she actually hit on a few good points, and, and we'll talk about that. Cantor Gaming. Cantor Gaming, a very big company, and uh, yeah, they exist. They have a presence in Las Vegas. Uh, they're at the M and elsewhere in Las Vegas. Uh, remember the, the director of their sports book got in trouble last year for booking illegal sports bets through Cantor Gaming. I guess kind of through the pinnacle online sports site. He was taking bets and placing them on there. And uh, all, all, type of, all, all types of bad stuff was happening surrounding that. It was uh, a big sports betting scandal of illegal sports bets being taken through Cantor Gaming. Uh, they've agreed to pay out a $5.5 million fine to settle those allegations. Don't have that much information on that, but uh, we've talked about it before on this show. It hasn't been discussed very much in the gambling world. I wanted to get that out. Well, on Poker Fraud Alert, I always want to give fraud alerts about any kind of scammers within our community. And we have another one. Brandon Barnes, also known as Complete Donk. Uh, he's not really a complete donk, that's his screen name, but uh, he seems to be a complete scammer. He has scammed people, and he did so in a pretty nasty and sneaky way. Worse than just the typical, hey, loan me some money, and then the person doesn't pay back. I mean, that's the way it most commonly happens in poker. But uh, th- this was a premeditated, pretty nasty scam he did in December, and uh, we'll talk about what happened there. Resorts World Casino in New, New York City. Uh, have you been there, Ryland? Uh, I have not. Okay, no. I haven't either. I did, I did, you know, I asked some people if it's even worth going to that area, and they said, absolutely, don't do it. Yeah, so I, that's, I what I, that's what I heard, too. That's, it's pretty much junk. But anyway, uh, the Resorts World Casino in New York City has laid off 175 employees after their union negotiated a pay raise. So they, they got the raise they wanted, but then 175 people saw their pay go down to zero as they are unemployed. <laughs> so that, that kind of backfired on them. A lot of people are angry about this, saying that uh, this was done on purpose by the casino. But I read the story about it, and I have an alternate view. I think the casino may actually be in the right on this one, believe it or not. So uh, uh, we'll discuss that. New Jersey has released their numbers for online gaming for 2013. Now, keep in mind, they didn't get to start online gaming until November 21st, so this is only for 41 days, these numbers. But it ranges from November 21st to December 31st. Uh, Our very own Eric Ryland here played there. He actually went to New Jersey and did play, so we'll definitely get his take on uh, what those sites are like. I have not played them because I have not uh, been in New Jersey since last year, or since actually 2012. And... I will read the numbers as far as how much they've made both from online poker and from non-online poker. When I say non-online poker, I don't mean the brick-and-mortar casinos. I mean the casino games you can play online, such as Blackjack. David Williams. uh, He's back in the gossip news, but uh, not quite as exciting for the reason he was in the news uh, about ten years ago when he was in a porn. Uh, David Williams has joined the cult-like Choice Center in Las Vegas. 
Choice Center, which is very, very much promoted by Daniel Negreanu. He's kind of uh, he's kind of to Choice Center what Tom Cruise is to Scientology. But uh, he's recruited David Williams apparently, and I'll read an article about David Williams and his life in Choice Center, and I'll give you my opinion again about Choice Center. Is it a cult? Is it harmful? Or might it actually be good for people who have no direction? There's been several poker players who have joined it, including some with shady pasts, such as Sorel Mizzy. Finally, in case, you know, well, finally, unless something else comes up. Steve Dannenman. Haven't heard about him in a while. Uh, He popped up on a Facebook feed of mine. He's not a Facebook friend. But uh, Steve Dannenman popped up on... uh, my Facebook on Eric Froelich's newsfeed, and Eric Froelich is my Facebook friend. For those of you that don't remember, eight years ago, actually almost nine years ago now, Eric Froelich knocked me out of the, the first World Series event I ever played. I finished third. Eric finished first. He was only 21 then. This was in 2005. Uh, Eric is now near 30, and... Uh, He's a friend of mine on Facebook. He's not a close friend of mine by any means, but I, I've always liked him, so he's on my Facebook. He's he's, he's mentioned in your uh, your your Wikipedia. Uh, he is. You know that, right? You're right. You're right. Yeah. I can't believe Eric Ryland has memorized my Wikipedia. It's impressive. Uh, my girlfriend just Wikipedia'd you. She's listening. <laughs> okay. And she she also said you sound like you're recovering from a cold. <laughs> well, I, I am. She's right. I mean, it's, it's I true. I know. I know. I told her wow. that. She couldn't believe it. His girlfriend's pretty right on. So, uh, anyway, Steve Daneman. Uh, 2005 World Series of Poker runner-up to Joe Hotcham. He has apparently entered a new career of house flipping and is trying to get others involved through Facebook. And I'll talk about the conversation I witnessed and even got involved in regarding the house flipping and whether I believe that Steve Daneman is a real estate genius or if this is a lot of hype. So that's the agenda for tonight. Uh, We have Eric Ryland, my co-host. We have his girlfriend listening in who's somehow figured out I have a cold. Now, what will hurt my feelings is if next week I come back and I'm completely better and she still says I have a cold. But Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I didn't think you sounded like you have a cold, but no, that's pretty no, funny. I mean, that, it is uh, true. It is true. It's the very, very end stages of the cold. Before I got on the air here tonight, I did blow my nose. I'll, I'll give out that full disclosure here. But but maybe and, I, hey, so, I'm, I'm recovering from a cold, too, so I have to, like, cough over in the... I know how you oh, I, I, I feel your that. pain from your last show you did. Well, do you have like a, a mute button? Uh, let's see. You know, my mute button is yep, not strong. Yeah, I do. I do. Yep. My, my mute button is not strong enough. It, it's, uh, here, I'll show you. I'm going to give an example. I actually have to cough. Can I test it real quick? Yeah, go ahead. See, that's a good Did you hear button. that? No, that's a good mute button. Now, listen to this. I'm on mute now. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. See, it's a crappy mute. Like, how can mute not work? Mute's got to be like the easiest thing to implement in a microphone. Just just cut the sound. But but no, it doesn't work. So yeah, I've actually I... muted myself before, and then people can still hear me, and people are like, hey, Druff, what happened to your volume? I can barely hear you. And like they don't realize I'm muted, and I don't realize I'm muted, because mute isn't really mute. Anyway. Uh, it was all good until you started reading that segment about William Reynolds, and you were on mute the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of many mistakes last week. So... Uh, Let's see here. I'm reading the chat. If you want to uh, communicate with me, there's a few ways. There's a few ways to do it, as always. 
you can go in the chat room, just click on the big chat button near the top of the screen. You need an account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum to do so. Uh, we also have some phone numbers, and we're going to try something a little bit different this week. I'm going to try to have the texting thing work. I, I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, I hope it will. Um, if you want to text me or call me, there's, it's the same phone number. 775-FRAUD-55. 775-372-8355. You have to text that if you want to text me. 775-372-8355 is the text number. You can also call that number if you want to get through to the show. Also, if you want to call into the show, there's an alternate number. We have our Mount Charleston line, which is an old 70s telephone, old 1970s rotary telephone sitting on top of Mount Charleston, which is near Las Vegas. It's a mountain near Las Vegas. You can call that number, 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808, and either number. Regardless of what you call, make sure to unblock your caller ID. If you don't, you will not get through. And uh, this week is the first week you're going to be able to text me. Last week I tried it and it didn't work out because uh, it messed up the phone number. This week I think I have it right. But if for some reason you call the main phone number and it doesn't work, then call the Mount Charleston line because that will definitely work. The Mount Charleston line is always doing well. Uh, PLOL telling me in the chat room, by the way, the chat room I will be monitoring throughout the show as much as I can. I may miss some things, but I'll try. PLOL telling me that he PM'd me something. Uh, I see that. He's PM'd me something. And I'll talk about that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got a, got an interesting update from PLOL about one of our topics, so thank you to him. PLOL, who has dealt with very cold temperatures in Chicago, where he moved to recently. He moved from Florida to Chicago. That's a pretty tough move, especially this winter when they had uh, that big cold spell there. So let's get right over to our first topic this week. First topic is about Who Jedi? Who Jedi? Also, I see I'm getting these. Te- you hear those little beeps? Beep beep. <laughs> okay, here's the first text I got. I'm not going to say the phone number. In fact, I, I better turn off the sound so I don't get bothered by that. But uh, Eric Ryland is a cash pig. What does that mean? <laughs> Eric oh, Ryland is a cash pick. Guess I got a lot of fans out there, huh? <laughs> so, uh, how do I turn off the... Uh, I'm trying to see how I turn off the sound when I get the... Uh, here we go. None. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear the tone every time someone texts me. But yeah, Eric Ryland is a cash pig was the first text <laughs> we got tonight. All right. So, uh, moving along. Who Jedi? Jay Noonan. Last week, I got the breaking news from the Facebook page of Local 2121, UAW Local 2121, which claims to be exclusively for the assistant supervisors and dealers whom are part of our UAW Local 2121 is for the East Coast. Uh, Maybe just for Connecticut, maybe for something else. I can't believe the text I'm getting here. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll read some of those later. Here is what came through, and I read this last week, but it's important I read this again, it's not that long. Attention all poker dealers, what I'm about to inform you is highly disturbing and very upsetting to me and all who have been involved with this process. First off, I would like to thank George, Eric, and Angela for their hard and diligent work in taking care of the poker dealers concerning this issue. We have had a theft in the poker room of tournament tip money by Jay Noonan. 
He was hired by Foxwood sometime back as a live video blogger to cover daily poker tournaments. He was caught just before Christmas after video coverage was reviewed and subsequently arrested and charged with a crime of theft after he confessed to the crime. After meeting with a lead investigator at Foxwoods, it was determined that Mr. Newnham on both December 9th and 14th was observed with similar behavior on those dates, consistent to the behavior on the day he was caught. Last week, he was presented in court and applied for accelerated rehabilitation, also known as AR, for the theft of $700 dealer toke money. In the state of Connecticut, you were given one free pass in regards to crimes such as this, where if you have no prior criminal history, you are eligible for the AR program. We have requested a review of the film to see if the toke box on both the 19th and 14th, the 9th and 14th, is visible on camera to see if indeed money was in the box and either disturbed or taken by Mr. Noonan. If we can find evidence of this behavior, we will proceed to contact the state police again and ask for this case to be again reviewed for the possibility for him being rearrested for this crime. This individual has been barred by both the Connecticut State and Massachusetts Police. I can assure you that this person will never again set foot on Foxwood property. Also, a letter is being drafted by the lead investigator, of which will be forwarded to the World Poker Tour. Uh, they, they, what they re- really meant was the World Series, by the way. He hasn't worked for the World Poker Tour. Uh, further, this information will be processed through Griffin investigators, who will notify all casinos of these actions. The money has been returned to the poker tournament pool, as George, Angela, and Eric took care of this on Monday. Please be assured that we will keep you informed of any updates concerning this despicable behavior. Thank you. Posted by Billy. So... This guy has been around forever. Like, you know, he's not even really a poker player, but you still know who he is because he's just been around for like over ten years in the poker media. You know? Yeah, you're like, talking about. I, I, knew, talking I about, knew who he was. Yeah, you're not talking about broken. Billy. You're, you're talking about uh, <laughs> about uh, Jay here. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I know who he was right uh, right away, and I, I my eyes were like, I couldn't I couldn't believe what I was reading. I, I couldn't either. I actually knew him, believe it or not, through my ex girlfriend who befriended a number of poker players during my time in poker. And uh, I never really got to know him very well. The, my extent of knowing Jay Noonan was like seeing him somewhere and saying hi to him. But even in the last few years when we saw each other, uh, we didn't even do that. Like We, we barely know each other. It was kind of like knowing her through a friend of a friend of my ex-girlfriend. So I did know of him very well. And obviously you know, he knew who I was too. Uh, but what I did know about him was that he was very popular, very well-liked, that there was really nothing objectionable about him, that he was very well-established and well-thought-of in the poker community, even though, as, as Ryland just said, he's not really a poker player. Uh, he, he's a poker reporter. But everyone liked him. Boy, he got close to a lot of poker pros even more than I realized. Now, this Billy who posted the message... This was very mysterious at the time. People didn't know if that page may have been hacked because it's just so unlike Jay Noonan to have done. People thought maybe it was a prank on him. People thought uh, maybe someone got access to that page. Maybe it was someone who hated Jay Noonan and did this to him. For Uh, sure. It's it's like comparable to KevMath stealing, you know, just unbelievable. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, like KevMath. Like if I heard KevMath was a thief, I'd be shocked. So, or like, Christy Arnett or somebody. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, we didn't know what to think, especially because you you went to the Connecticut website for their uh, the court system there. You couldn't find anything about it there. There was no independent information you could come up with aside from what this Billy said. And this Billy, he didn't identify who he was. He just put Billy. And this this message wasn't to the public. It was to people who were reading that Facebook page, which was for the union for the dealers over there. This was not meant to be 
totally public. It wasn't hidden in any way, but you had to know to be looking for it. The reason we found it was because someone on 2 Plus 2 posted a copy of it, and then someone posted it in our chat room, and then, you know, it, of course, it spread like wildfire at that point. But nobody knew what to think. Uh, I jumped into Detective Druff mode and tried to figure it out. Initially, I was doubtful, both because of Jay's reputation, but more because of his Twitter. Because his Twitter, uh, he was a very active tweeter. It said on this press release, or not press release, but this warning to the Facebook page, that he was arrested right before Christmas. So I went and looked like the week before Christmas, and he was tweeting up a storm. He was tweeting constantly. He was tweeting about Star Wars crap. He's a big Star Wars fan. That's why he calls himself Jedi. Uh... He was tweeting about trying to get himself a job at Poker Stars and trying to get people to support him for this job at Poker Stars for the social media there. Uh, he was not acting like in his Twitter someone who had just been arrested, and there is no gap in his Twitter in that week prior to Christmas and after Christmas. From from December 17th to 24th, it looked like he was active constantly, and same with uh, the week after Christmas, so I couldn't figure it out. I said, you know, how could he have been in jail and been tweeting? It just didn't make any sense. So I thought maybe this isn't true. But on the other hand, this is appearing on a union page for Facebook dealers. Unless it was hacked, there's no way the union would have posted that and put themselves in legal risk if this wasn't true. And it's just such a weird, specific story. It's hard to imagine that uh, they could have heard it wrong. So I didn't know what to think. Well, it turned out that uh, Billy got this information third-hand. Billy turned out to be... And I didn't know this when I did last week's show because it just came out then. Billy is William Shea, who is the president of the union, Local 2121 of the poker dealers. He's an older guy, if you look up his picture. It's up on the Poker Fraudler forums. And he was given this information third-hand, he says. So uh, that's why he got a few small things wrong about you know what... Uh, Jay had worked for previously. He said the World Poker Tour turned out as World Series of Poker, and, and he misspelled Jay's name a little bit. But uh, other than that, it turned out the information that Billy relayed was correct. It all really happened that way. The reason it couldn't be found on the Connecticut court site was because of this acceler- accelerated rehabilitation program that he did, where it's kind of like a free get-out-of-jail card. It's like uh, you mess up once, in a minor crime, you're allowed to have it wiped from your record to where nothing can be found about it officially. And that's what he did. So since he only stole $700, uh, he was able to apply for that. He was granted that because he had no previous criminal record, and that's why that could not be found. But indeed, this did happen. It did happen as the way Billy described it. The only thing that was wrong there was that uh, he wasn't arrested right before Christmas... He was arrested on December 16th. Christmas was the day he was granted that accelerated rehabilitation. So that's what confused me when I was looking at his Twitter. But if you go back to his Twitter, you see that December 16th and 17th are blank. What's also blank is the period of January 5th until today, when he started tweeting again. For nine days, he went silent again. Now, this came out on January 8th, which meant... I think sometime around the 5th, he was realizing he was going to get out. I think it must have already gotten out to some people privately, but hadn't been posted publicly on 2 Plus 2 yet. And probably that's when he went silent. But uh, it is true. It has been verified by several parties. Poker Fuse, 
which is a site I'm a big fan of. They've uh, they really bring a lot of good poker news. Uh, they they seem to be unbiased. They they just do a very good job with poker news and with just everything that's going on in poker. They seem to be right on top of it and and come up with the facts. I'm a big fan of poker news, uh, not poker poker fuse, and uh, they're they're very good at what they do. Someone at Poker Fuse actually went and found the court documents. I don't know how, but they did. The Poker Fuse article said, according to court documents obtained by Poker Fuse, Noonan was subject to an on-site arrest on December 16th and had the case disposed of on December 24th by applying for accelerated pretrial rehabilitation, a program in Connecticut that allows first-time offenders accused of a crime to bypass a, uh, to bypass a term of jail time in instances where the violation is not considered of a serious nature. So they found the court documents. This is true. Poker Fuse, I trust them 100% in this reporting, and there's been so many different independent sources saying that this is true. Now, how did he do it? That's what everyone wondered. How do you steal from a tip jar? Did he unscrew the jar and steal from it? Not quite. Apparently, it's a locked tip jar. So they thought it was pretty secure, but they didn't realize that they weren't just dealing with anyone there. They weren't just dealing with any thief. They were dealing with a Jedi. Not too long ago, in a poker room not so far away, a video blogger grew envious of the fact that he worked hard, if not harder, than the poker dealers, and yet they got all the tips. And he decided to do something about it. He decided to get what was rightfully his, but was thwarted by a force of a closed tip jar with an opening even too small for Freddie Deeb's hands. Trained in the ways of the Force by renowned versions at 97 different Star Wars conventions, he combined his Jedi training with his previously unheralded MacGyver fandom to create the ultimate weapon out of seemingly harmless duct tape and chopsticks. (laughs) He set forth upon the unsuspecting planet of Foxwoods on his mission. (laughs) So, uh, that's what he did. He actually got duct tape and chopsticks and also used his coat in some way. You can't make that shit up. <laughs> and, and stole money out of the tip jar uh, using chopsticks that that were attached by duct tape. And I guess he was he was kind of like covering the whole thing up with his jacket, uh, thinking maybe the camera couldn't see it. I, this, this was his brilliant plan. So uh, I mean, if you take seven hundred dollars, I mean that's that's really noticeable. You would think that they would go back and well. And... What's unbelievable here is this guy. He's worked in poker for 10 years. He knows there's cameras everywhere. He's not some noob. Like, he, he understands there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. And he really thought it might work if he just kind of, like, saunters up to the tip jar and, and puts his jacket in the way to kind of block the view. <laughs> and then you then go to work with his chopsticks. He really thought somehow uh, this was a, a smart plan. He thought this was a, a bright way to steal $700. Yeah, maybe maybe he would have got away with it if he took, like, one or 200 but maybe he's been doing this for so long that... He's just kind of upping his, yeah, upping how much he takes. I wondered how, that too. Know. I wondered what caused them to figure this out. That I've never heard. I haven't figured out. I haven't heard from them how they figured out he was doing it. Like, uh, I know that they didn't just catch him on the video. I know that they well, thought was money was me- was missing, they, they and then went they went there to collect, and the money wasn't there. So it's like he took everything out. of Oh, it. he took everything. Well, I, I didn't know. I thought he just like took seven hundred out of it. I didn't know he no, took no, the whole thing. No, no, they said that they went. 
they went there to go back to get the tips. And oh, and they're just all gone? The, the exact <laughs> statement was, it was all gone, yeah. So, so, so he really thought, okay, they're just going to say, oh, well, we, we didn't get tipped today. Okay, no big deal. We're just not going to bother. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to bother to look into that one. I mean, what is this? He, he really thought they weren't going to look into this? That just, They're just going to say, all right, well, no. No tips in here. Uh, and we heard people tipped us that uh, we're not gonna, we're not going to bother to check the camera. Now, so. did you did you hear what uh, that one guy that one dealer uh, or the guy that there was some guy that played in the tournament earlier? And did you hear what uh, what he claimed that Jay Jay actually said to to the guys that were playing? I heard that back in October he told people make sure to drop money in the tip jar. <laughs> yeah, that day though that he stole. Yeah, I mean who knows how long this has been going on. I I don't think he was caught on his first time doing it. It's possible, but I have a feeling he's been doing this yeah, for longer than advanced, that. That's some advanced uh, stealing, right? Yeah. There. So so he he used the chopsticks and the duct tape, stole seven hundred dollars out of the tip jar. Uh, they looked on camera and found it. Uh, he was arrested on. The same day, December 16th uh, Apparently he got out pretty quickly and flew home And I'll, I'll tell you how I found that out in a second uh, And then somehow applied for that Accelerated Rehabilitation Program Which uh, wiped it from his record But uh, a lot happened in between And and this, this is just crazy uh, First of all There's a Poker Stars job that exists That uh, they're currently... Soliciting candidates for hire It's Social media executive Is what it's called So on December 19th And this is just three days Three days after He's been busted He's been arrested stealing tips He tweets the following So Poker Stars has a Social media executive position open I think I might be a good fit I applied, <laughs> and then he he does hashtag hire who Jedi. I I guess he would be a good fit because uh, you know Poker Stars has some pretty high limit tournaments. They should have some uh, pretty good tips there, so he probably would be a great fit. I think the chopsticks would be a great fit in the opening. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so he tweeted that, and he tweeted this for the purpose, you know, with the hashtag of hire who Jedi. He he tweeted that for the purpose of others. Tweeting the same thing He was hoping that all his buddies in the poker world And I'm not talking about poker media people I'm talking about big name players That they would tweet Hire Who Jedi So listen who got on the Who Jedi bandwagon And by the way Who Jedi also uh, tweeted to Stapes uh, uh, Joe Stapleton uh, Tweeted to him Hire Who Jedi Uh, But From this point forward David Williams Yes that David Williams Tweeted Heard who Jedi applied for the PokerStar social media executive job. What a great match. Hashtag hire who Jedi. Matt Glantz, a listener to this show, by the way. PokerStars, do yourself a favor and hashtag hire who Jedi for social media exec job. William Reynolds, talked about him last week on this show. Hire who Jedi. Uh, Vanessa Selbst. Oh yeah, who Jedi is a bomb reporter and tweeter. Hire who Jedi. Liv Boree. I highly recommend Who Jedi for the new Poker Stars job. Jesse Sylvia, Who Jedi? So Poker Stars has. It's a, oh, sorry, he just retweeted what uh, what Who Jedi said about hire Who Jedi. Victor Romden, who listened to this show and has donated money to this show. Poker Stars has a social media executive position open. Oh, the same thing. He just uh, retweeted it. He put Romden in, endorsed. And by the way, I'm not making fun of these people because none of these people knew what happened. So 
as far as they knew, this was a good guy that they've known for many years, and they're endorsing him for the position. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not blaming any of these people. They had well, no Druff, way to know. Well, Druff, would you, if you had hopped on that bang, bandwagon, would you have? Would you be embarrassed today? Uh, yes, I would be. But <laughs> I agree. I would. I would be very. But fortunately, I did. People posted this all over the internet. Yeah, I mean that. I would have explained to everyone that I had no idea about this, but uh, now I wouldn't have endorsed him because I don't really know him. But uh, right. um, but if I had, uh, I would feel bad at that point. But again, I, I at least would have had a good excuse. I didn't know. Uh, Mike Leah, higher who Jedi, Scott Seaver. If Stealth Monk thinks who Jedi is great, do you realize how amazing he must actually be? Hashtag higher who Jedi. Aaron Massey, hashtag higher who Jedi. Scott Baumstein, higher who Jedi, and. Jonathan Duhamel, World Series of Poker champion, the year I could have won, 2010. No-brainer that Who Jedi should get the job for star social media executive. Let's make that happen. Hashtag hire Who Jedi. Now, keep in mind the timing. December 16th, get arrested for stealing tips from dealers. December 19th, ask everyone to hashtag hire Who Jedi to get you hired from a new, a new job. I mean, that, that really takes a big brass set of balls to do. Do you think that he even thought that people would find out about what he did? No, I think he was convinced they wouldn't. I think I think so. He went silent on Twitter on the sixteenth, probably because you know he was arrested and he was traveling back home. December seventeenth, nothing. And I think when December eighteenth came and he said, "Well, it's been two days since I've been arrested and there hasn't been a peep about this," I think it's safe to go back to life as usual. But the amazing thing is, let's say. He was in a bad spot for whatever reason A gambling problem, a drug problem I'm just guessing, I'm not saying he has these problems Whatever reason that he was in a bad spot And stole this money And then he gets caught and says, oh my god, what did I do? I'm an idiot, I'm a good guy Why did I do this? Why? I was a good guy who did a dumb thing And now everyone's going to think I'm terrible Man, like if he felt guilty about this He would have vanished for a while Or at least he would have been very Low-key He wouldn't have jumped back on the horse Three days later and ask for people to endorse him for another poker media job. Like he, he would have said, "Wow, I, I, I feel so shitty. Like getting these people to endorse me, and they have no clue I was just busted for stealing tip money." Like, like, how do you do that? How do you just get busted for stealing tip money and three days later say, "Hey, everybody, help me out and get this new social media job." Like, how do you do that from the same community you stole from? Like, that just shows to me somebody who has zero remorse for what they did. I mean, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't believe that uh, he feels bad about what he did, you know? And then he comes out today with a statement that uh, I'm sure you're going to explain, you know, how it's it's almost like he didn't even admit to what he did or apologize to, to anybody. Right, the statement was terrible, and we'll get to that shortly. But... Uh... Anyway, it just that's the thing that jumps out at me the most, believe it or not. Worse than just the tip stealing, which I think is terrible. Uh, these are low-wage employees, the, the dealers. They, they're not getting rich dealing poker. and uh, So you're stealing from people who can't afford to have the money stolen from them. And I think all stealing is bad. I think it's terrible whether you steal from a rich man or a poor man. But if, if which do I think is worse? I think stealing from the poor man is worse because he's going to be affected by it the most. For the rich man, it's going to be annoying and and it's going to be frustrating and and he's going to feel like you know someone took something from him that they shouldn't have but the poor man will actually really suffer 
Especially during the holidays. Maybe he can't buy his kids the presents he wanted to buy. Maybe he can't go on a vacation he wanted to go on. You know, there's a lot of effect it can have when you're taking someone's money when they don't have very much, when you're stealing it from them. So this was really bad. And it's especially bad because this isn't just some scrub who walked into the the room where the tips were located and figured out how to use duct tape tape and uh, chopsticks to steal from there. This is a guy who's been in the poker world for 10 years, who's been close to so many in the community... Who has the and trust? Probably even some of the dealers that he stole from. Yeah, yeah, right. Could have very well been friends with them. That I, I bet. From. I bet he was. I bet he was friends with a lot of people he stole from. He was friends with all these players, you know, big names and not so big names. He was friends, as, as we'll hear very shortly, with a lot of poker media people. And and to do this when you have that position and when you were looked up to that much, to then steal to to just steal from poker dealers of all things, it's just terrible. And I don't care what possible explanation he could have from it, anything besides, I didn't do it, I'm not guilty, is very bad. And it's clear he's guilty. Now, and as I said, the fact that he just jumped right out there on the 19th, three days later, thinking nobody figured it out, thinking nobody knows and he can just go on as if nothing happened, that's a sign of someone with no remorse. Because sometimes, like, something can happen, and you'll notice there's something wrong with someone, but you can't figure out what it is. And then you'll find out later that something bad happened or they did something bad and were caught and uh, were just kind of shamed. They, they just felt ashamed that they weren't themselves because they were ashamed of themselves. And that's what someone who felt guilty would have acted like. They wouldn't have been trumpeting up support for, uh, for themselves for a poker media job at Poker Stars right after this. They would have gone quiet and they, could have, they would have come off as someone who's kind of depressed and, and withdrawn. And he was anything but that here. He was back to the self-promotion. So, uh, let me read the statement he made. Because he, he went silent. He would not answer anything. And people saw he was reading the very long 2 plus 2 thread about this. He was watching every move from everyone in relation to this. Now, before I get to his statement, I want to talk about the reaction that some people had to Billy, the union president, posting the news about this. Billy's the one who broke this to everyone. It went on for a few weeks and no one knew anything. It didn't come out till January 8th. This happened on December 16th. So we went a few weeks without anyone saying anything. So some people got on Billy's case. Some people said, Billy, where's your proof? Billy, where's the court documents? How can you drag Jay's name through the mud without any proof? How can you be posting this on Facebook? How can you be tearing down such a good guy? These, of course, were friends of Jay's and the poker media and other friend, you know, friends of his in poker that were getting on Billy's case. Some of them privately sent him very angry messages. So Billy finally came out on the Facebook page and wrote this. To all dealers and assistant supervisors. Since the story broke that there was a theft of $700 in dealer tokes in the poker room, some in the poker community have doubted the legitimacy of this posting. I have received some very disturbing personal comments and attacks for going the social media route and dispensing this story. Everything pertaining to this incident, with the exception of his affiliation, is accurate and factual. And he's talking about how he made a mistake about World Poker Tour versus World Series of Poker. Some in the poker world have asked me to take down the post because there is a lack of court documents to verify these accusations. I under no circumstance will do so because our poker dealers have every right to factual information and information in general. 
When considering this post, I made sure that the information was correct and not fiction-filled. Again, our members have every right to be informed of the incidents, and I assure you all, in the future, I would have done this. I would do the same in order to protect and keep all members well informed. I was elected to this position to not lie down and cater to anyone or any pressure placed upon me. I will never compromise the integrity of our members or union, but I will fight for what is right. And this overall issue is so wrong in so many different ways. Amen. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. I think 100% right. He was right to come out with it. He, here's the bottom line. If he knew it was true, that's all he needed. He, he didn't need court documents. He didn't need to present proof to everyone. If he knew it was true, if he was willing to put his name on the line and the union's name on the line, because he knew with 100% certainty it's true, then he should have posted it, and he did. I asked him, by the way, in the 2 plus 2 thread when he showed up there, why did you take so long? Why didn't you do this on, September, or on December 16th or 17th instead of January 8th? His answer was that he wasn't told about this until January 6th, and between the 6th and the 8th, he was working to verify it. So, fine. you know, I, There were some theories that maybe he was waiting because they had some kind of deal with Jay to keep quiet about it, but then when they realized he also probably stole on the 9th and the 14th of December, that, that kind of pushed them over the edge to talk. Who knows? But Billy's story, which may be true, is that he didn't find out himself to January 6th, and that uh, after he took two days to verify it, that's when he came out, came out with it on the 8th. But uh, he was 100% correct to post this, and it turned out he was right. It turned out that the story was correct, the story was factual. He knew it was factual by the time he posted it, and definitely everyone had a right to know. And, of course, uh, the poker dealers definitely had a right to know this, because just in case he was still being hired anywhere, they needed to know to protect themselves and, and their livelihood. So, who was the one? Who were the ones complaining? Who were the ones giving Billy a hard time? Well, he didn't name anyone specifically. Uh, I saw a woman on the page named like Marie Lizette Acosta. I don't really know who she is, but I saw her giving him a little bit of a hard time in public. Uh, apparently, the rest of them were giving him a hard time in private. But it was mostly poker media people, people who were friends with Jay and. You have to understand, a lot of these poker media people have worked together for a long time. They are at so many different tournaments, because you know how many tournaments there are around the world. They go to so many of them. They're together. They're doing the same job. They're kind of hanging out in the same area. Uh, It's easy to become friends when you're traveling the world and doing the same job with the same few people every day. So I don't blame these people for becoming close with Jay especially since he seemed like a nice guy. He seemed like a guy you could trust. But a lot of them grew close to him, including Jess Wellman, including our very own Kevin Mathers, Kev Math, including BJ Nemeth, who's been around for a long time, uh, writing poker stories. Again, these are mostly poker media people and not poker players. And they've taken various jobs over the years in the poker media in some way. Not all of them are reporters, but anyway, as you can imagine, the poker media wasn't running out to report this one once uh, they became aware of it. I don't know if they became aware by the Facebook post or if they knew beforehand and kept quiet, but whatever. Let's just assume they've learned from the Facebook post the same way we did. They were not running out to report it. They were not making this a big story. They were not making it any story. 
No tweets even. Kevin Kevin Mathers didn't even yeah, mention Ke- it. There was some criticism on Kev Math for not retweeting. A lot of cris- yeah, a lot of uh, so criticism. For a sure. lot of people were angry at the poker media because one of their own got busted that they were not retweeting, they were not writing stories about it, they were saying either nothing or coming out in his defense. Uh, in his defense, I'm saying that they would come out and either say, Jay seems like a great guy, let's let's wait till we find out what really happened, or let's wait for a statement from Jay, or let's wait till we see some court documents. They were doing everything they could, some people from the poker media, to try to advocate for Jay here. And none of them were coming out and bashing him. None of them were saying, what a scumbag. None of them were saying, wow, despicable. Some were saying, if this is true, it's pretty bad, but uh, they were very careful in their language, and they were really trying not to report on this. They were trying not to talk about this until they were kind of forced into the conversation by people on the poker forums. Now, a lot of people were very angry about this. I was not angry about this. I'll tell you why. In a perfect world, when people working in a media position find out that their one of their close friends has done something bad. In a perfect world, the people would say, well, I'm going to go report on my friend now. I'm going to go tell the world what a terrible person my friend is, what a terrible thing my friend has done, because, well, if, if it was someone I didn't know that well, I would do it to them, so I have to do it to my friend too. In a, poker, in a perfect world, that's what would happen. But we're not in a perfect world. We're in a world where people develop emotional bonds and close friendships and it's very hard to do this to a friend even if a friend has done something bad like this and you have to keep in mind there's a difference between bad like this which is very despicable very callous what Jay did here and something really 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 awful like murder or rape or terrorism or something like that now when something like that like a major major crime occurs and one of your friend is committing it then it's very easy to turn your back on your friend because they've done something so horrendous that you don't ever want to even talk to them again. But if it's a matter of theft, even if it's theft from people who can't afford to be stolen from, even if it's theft from your own community, which I have to say is very, very bad, it is hard to take a friend you've had for years, a close friend you've had for years, and just completely turn your back on him and then dance on his grave by reporting about him as you would on anyone else. It, it's hard to do it. It's it's hard to do that to someone that you're close friends with. It's hard to just forget the friendship exists because he made a huge mistake like this. Even if you find out later that he's stolen more than once. It's still it's still hard to completely turn your back and, and join the mob against him. But at the same time, you have to understand that unlike you, not everybody is Jay Noonan's friend that most people who are reading this story are not his friend. People like me. People like Eric Ryland. People like most of the listeners of this show. And we, when we hear this story, we do say, hey, what a scumbag. Hey, I I hope this guy fries for this. Wow, this is awful. Wow, this guy really had a lot of people fooled. Wow, I hope he never works in poker again. Like, that's the reaction, and it's the proper reaction from everyone that's not his friend. And the people who are his friend have to understand that. They have to put aside their bias for a second, the ones that are his friend, and say, wait a minute. We may not hate Jay for this. We may not want him to suffer for this. We may not want him to be out of the industry for this. 
We may not think he's a scumbag. We may just think he made a bad mistake. But we can understand why the rest of you think that. Because you're not close to him. And to everybody else, he's just another guy who did something really bad when he was put in a position of trust. So you, the poker media, should not be criticizing in any way, shape, or form those who are reporting this, those who are discussing this, those who are making character judgments about Jay at this point. None of these things should be happening. At this point, everybody who's been saying bad things about Jay has the right to say them. Because they're true. Because the reports about Jay of what he did are true. Now, we don't know about the additional times he was supposed to have stolen, but we know that he did steal on the 16th of December. He was arrested, he confessed, and he entered a slap-on-the-wrist rehabilitation program to get it off his record. So he did... And you you should also bring up what you mentioned about uh, checking the... uh, how he applied to uh, to be staked for those tournaments, and he... You know, we should check the records to see if he played all those tournaments, like yeah. actually played them. Right, right. And that's another thing, just a side note to this. Uh, I found when I was looking around 2 plus 2 that a year ago, he got $5,000 worth of stakes for the LA Poker Classic and uh, one other tournament. I think it was Foxwoods tournaments, believe it or not. Uh, but he, he had a staking package of $5,000. In the first L.A. Poker Classic event, and this is a year ago, this is not the current L.A. Poker Classic that's going on right now, uh, he, in the first L.A. Poker Classic event a year ago that he played, he cashed for like $820, and there is record of that. But after that, he kind of stopped posting in the thread. It was very unclear what other events he played. I mean, he posted the ones he was supposed to play and that he sold, but there was little evidence after that that he actually played any of the future events. He didn't post about them. He didn't say, hey, I'm playing today. Hey, you know, good luck to me. Uh, or, oh, man, you know, I, I busted today in, in this situation with this hand and that hand. Like, like, think, you guys who follow me in the World Series. I mean, I drive people crazy on Twitter with all my <laughs> updates. Crazy. Did you actually, you made a second account, I think. No, no, I didn't. People Twitter wanted account. me to. You no, people wanted me to, and I refused. You just told people to unfollow. <laughs> yeah, I said, unfollow me if you don't series. like it. You're right, <laughs> right. Like, during the World Series, I I give so many updates about everything that you're 100% sure I'm there unless I'm, like, the greatest level leveler ever. Uh, <laughs> so so I'm really playing my tournament. You, you definitely can see. Now, I don't expect everyone to do that, but Jay did the opposite. He was pretty actively talking about the first event he played where he really did cash, but then after that, talked very, very little about a whole list of events he was supposed to play. That doesn't mean he didn't play them. I'm not saying he cheated everyone. I'm saying at this point, given that we've learned about his character, and by the way, he was about to put together another staking package for this year until this happened. He, he was already talking about the next staking package. I'm, I'm sure he's not going to do it anymore. But uh, I, I was saying that anybody who has the power to look up who actually entered which events at the LAPC in 2013 should do it and should post I, it. I mean, that was a good find, too. I was totally like, oh, hell yeah, Like, let's look this up. And yeah. It's so funny. Like Some of his friends like chimed in, like, don't be fucking ridiculous, Todd. You yeah. Know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, yeah, there are actually people that are criticizing me for saying we should look into if he actually played those events. And I'm like, look, we have experience with that over here on Poker Fraud Alert with uh, with Jason, who did exactly <laughs> that, who took money and then didn't really play and just kept it for himself. And, you know, if, if Jay's going to steal tips, of course he might 
steal uh, stakes and pretend he entered tournaments that he didn't really Definitely. enter. I'm not saying he did. I'm saying he could have. It's now within... It's a high probability. I mean, look at all that money. I mean, yeah, he got five thousand dollars. So, like, it, it it definitely is a there. It definitely is a fair chance that that's what happened. I have no information that it did. I'm not accusing him of it. I'm saying that given the what we've learned about his character, it's something that should definitely be looked into if it can be. So, uh, yeah, that was something I brought up. But there became a big war between the poker media and the 2 Plus 2 News Views Gossip Forum, also known as NVG. A lot of fighting uh, between certain people in the media and people on NVG. A lot of bad stuff being said back and forth. And, you know, I understood the media's position to some degree. I understand why they don't want to make it worse for Jay than it already is. I I know they're looking at this and saying, look, the story's getting out now. Everybody knows the story now. No point for us to also do it and and just stab our friend in the back. Let you know, let everybody else who doesn't really know him that well and isn't close to him, let them stab him because at least those people there's no expectation that they're going to treat him well. But we don't want to do this to our friend when everybody else is reporting anyway. And I, I can understand that. But uh, that that's not what they said. They gave a lot of stupid explanations that I didn't really like very much. Uh, for example, one of the things that several different people in the poker media have said is that they're not really news reporters. That basically they report on what they're told to report by their bosses. Whoever hires them says, hey, do a story on this, and that's what they do. That they are not necessarily out there to report on all the poker news. That that's not their function. Now, of course, PokerNews.com, which is poker news, they took quite some time to release a story about this. That didn't come out till today. Or maybe yesterday or something, but not not till like a week after it happened. Uh, but um, even putting that aside, they were just insisting it's just not their role. It's just not what they do. Pretty much like saying, if this happened with anyone, even if they weren't a friend of ours, even if it wasn't one of our poker media people, we wouldn't have reported it. We wouldn't have retweeted it. Which is crap. That's not true. Uh, these people also maintain personal Twitter accounts where they do report on and retweet stories like this when it doesn't involve their friends. Yeah, this is a very notable person. Yeah. Everybody everybody knows who it is. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's super notable, but he's notable enough in the poker world to where this has been the dominant thread on the 2 plus 2 forum this week. I mean, so that's a huge forum, 2 plus 2, and this is the most active thread in 2 plus 2 for the entire week. So obviously, this is not some nobody that that, uh, hardly anyone knows. This is something pretty prominent. This is pretty newsworthy that a very well-liked, very well-trusted poker news reporter, poker media reporter, for the last 10 years or so, who's been all over the tournament scene everywhere, has stolen from a tip jar using duct tape and chopsticks. It's a, a big story. I mean, you can't... It's, it's not as big as, like, you be stealing tens of millions of dollars from us. It's only 700 bucks, but still, it's an interesting story because of who it is and how he did it. I mean, it's a, you, you can't say this isn't a big story. It is. So, believe me, if it was a poker player doing this or uh, you know some random who walked in or, or a, a dealer doing it or something like that, these same people who said this isn't our job to report it, most of them would have talked about it in some way, and those that didn't definitely would not be criticizing the coverage on this. 
They wouldn't be criticizing like, hey, uh, don't come out and say this until you have the court documents. Like they would either not be getting involved, or they, you know, or, or they would be reporting on it. So I don't believe right. that they're just not reporting on it because it's one of their friends, which is fine. Right. But at least come out and say that's the truth. At least tell us that's the reason. At least be honest. And was about it, it was it you that said that uh, Poker News actually? Um, you know how they actually usually put like a author, but they actually just put uh, Poker News. Um, Team or what? They signed it at the, bo- the bottom. Right. What did they put? Right. This just came out either today or yesterday. The Poker News article. I think it was today. And while it was a pretty uh, extensive article, it was today actually. Because it mentioned his uh, his response, which I'll get to in a second. But it was written by Poker News staff. Yeah. I, I didn't know there's a person on the Poker News staff named uh, Poker News staff. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know that person uh, reported for them. It's a very convenient name, though. You're born Poker News staff, and you go to work for Poker News. But uh, that's who wrote that article, a pretty long article. It's one thing to like have a two-line article and say it's by Poker News staff. But this was a, a pretty extensive article explaining the whole thing, just coming out today, uh, six and days after it happened. did they ever do that before? The, yes, they have, but not very often. They, I looked, and in the entire month of December, two times they've written an article by Poker News staff. All the other articles from Poker News in the month of December were written by someone. This was written by Poker News staff. I don't think that's an accident. I think it's a. I think they did that because they nobody wanted to take responsibility for reporting on Jay like this. They probably all liked him. They're like, well, we got to say something. Well, if we make it by staff, we you know he doesn't know who to blame for being a crappy friend. I, I bet that's what it was about. Uh, so so really, it's very clear that the. Poker news media people did not want to cover this because they like Jay personally. And that I understand to some degree. Once it's already come out, once the stories come out, you know, they don't have to cover it because so many others already are. I can understand that. What I can't understand is all the criticism. What I can't understand are the people who are criticizing the news views poker uh, news views gossip section on two plus two. Uh, like Jess Wellman did that. Jess Wellman uh, put a snide comment about the the idiocy on on NVG, and you know there are idiots on NVG. There are, but you don't say that because you're angry that they're talking about something your friend did that he's really guilty of. You, you keep your mouth shut. That's and that's what they should have done. If they did not want to report on this, fine, but do not defend him. Do not criticize those for bringing out the story without quote enough proof. Do not get in the way of any of the reporting of this. Do not suggest alternate theories of what might have happened. What you do is you keep your mouth shut if you believe this is probably true. And the way you find out if it's true is you contact Jay yourself, if you're his friend. And you say, Jay, did you do this? And if you either get no response, or if he says yes, or if he says yes, but uh, you you don't understand, blah, 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 any of those responses, you know he's guilty. And then you shut your mouth. You don't defend him because you look like a moron. You, when and, you def- NVG tards these days. Yeah, you, you, you don't go off on the people discussing it. You don't discredit the people discussing this. You don't get in the way or you don't say you guys don't have enough proof. If you believe he did it, if he is not denying it to you privately, or if he won't answer you privately on this, then you know he's guilty and you shut up and you let your friend deal with the hand that he dealt himself. You don't you don't let him drag you down. You don't drag yourself down with him. And what you're doing by defending him like this and by 
criticizing those for reporting this without the court documents and and uh, making excuses for him or saying you support him, blah, blah, blah. When you say stuff like that, what you're doing is you're being insensitive to the ones who are the victims of this crime because those people are in our community. Those are the dealers who deal us the cards at our tournaments, at our cash games, and they got stolen from. So when you back him or when you criticize those for trying to get this story out, you're being disrespectful to the victims. So I'm not saying you should just screw your friend here and say, I'm going to take the public side against him. But this is when you keep your mouth shut. Sometimes you're best served letting your friends deal with their own problems and not getting yourself involved and dragging yourself down with it. And that's the mistake, in my opinion, that the poker media made here. And some of them went into 2 plus 2 and tried to fight it out. You know, Jennifer Newell, uh, BJ Nemeth, who actually even came to Poker Fraud Alert. And I, I don't want to criticize BJ too much. He actually came to Poker Fraud Alert and complimented the site, saying that he, he found an unusually high signal-to-noise ratio. And I'm like, oh, wow. He, he's trying to say that we have very little crap on this site, which, uh, which means he probably hasn't looked at the, uh, the flying stupidity part of the forum. But, uh, but still... Uh, it was a nice compliment from B.J. Namath, who doesn't usually uh, read forums too much. But, you know, he made a mistake, too. He came out and said he unconditionally supports Jay. And uh, he, he was too pro-Jay there. And it, it it really made him look bad. And then same with Jennifer Newell, who, by the way, Jennifer Newell, I, I respected a lot for her aggressive reporting on the UB situation when that was happening. She was one of the few reporters who didn't let her bosses tell her to shut up about it and actively reported on everything going on on UB. She was one of the few people in the poker media who was really on UB's case. And I respected her a lot for that. But but this one she did not handle well at all and she just came on uh, on, on 2 plus 2 and fought with people and, and picked the worst of the worst to respond to and ignored the people who were who, who were bringing up the good points. So Yeah, it's, it's probably comparable if, if you stole all of us would... Uh probably stick up for you until uh, till it was uh, very obvious, you know? I mean, but the thing is, once it was obvious, I think most people on this forum wouldn't be defending me still. I think... Like, once, it, once it was... Oh, no, <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think once it was clear... It, like, if someone came out and accused me of stealing, the first reaction of a lot of people here would be, no way he did it. But then, sure. if there seemed to be pretty strong evidence, and I was refusing to answer anybody about it, I think most people <laughs> on this forum would turn on me very quickly yeah, and, and say... Yeah, that's true. If you disappeared, then, yeah, then that's probably... Yeah, like, once the forum became convinced, that, that's what that's what <laughs> bothers me about the media here, is because I think the media was pretty aware, pretty quickly, that he was guilty here. I, I think that they added this up pretty quickly, and while they were surprised by it, they knew it was true. And And instead of saying, oh boy, he probably did it, they tried to find every reason why this still shouldn't be reported and why everyone's still jumping the gun saying he did it when there's no court documents yet and and they try to find every excuse in the book why this should not be brought out and discussed the way it is and why he shouldn't be talked about the way that he is and that's where they made the mistake they should have just kept their mouths shut if they didn't want to report on it fine but they should have kept their mouths shut that that's my opinion that's where they I think they made the big mistake and and sometimes you just have to learn when not to say something so let me read his statement uh, see, he finally broke his silence today. And it's a, boy, did he make a weird statement. I, I wasn't sure. It was funny because just before today, and I hate to admit this, but I was actually thinking about Jay Noonan when I went to sleep last night. <laughs> I, I really was. like, <laughs> it's, 
but I, I was. I was thinking of Jay Nunn. I was, think, I was thinking about the story a lot, too. Like, just imagining him with the duct tape and the chopsticks, <laughs> you know, just trying to... I was trying to, like, envision, yeah. you know, what they saw on the cameras. Yeah, for so, real. I, so I went to sleep, and I thought about it, and I go, hmm, I wonder... What is his first statement going to look like? Like, is he just like going to disappear and never ever respond to this? He's just going to just go away forever, or will we get at least one statement out of him at some point? And if so, when? Like, that's those were my last thoughts before I fell asleep. Fortunately, I, <laughs> fortunately, I did not dream about Jay Noonan, but I, I did actually have a poker dream, but it wasn't about Jay or, or tip stealing or chopsticks. But uh, so here is, is his uh, response, which uh, I thought was pretty crappy. First, and by the way, he posted it on whojedi.com. First, let me say that it hasn't been easy to stay silent. The Foxwoods Mega Stack Challenge ended early in the morning on December 16th. After flying home that same day, I agreed I would not discuss anything with anyone. I have honored and will continue to honor that commitment, but in light of third-party reports and the subsequent reactions, I wanted to make this limited statement. Now, this is so weird already. First of all, he doesn't mention anything about getting in trouble. He just says, you know, it ended on the 16th and he flew home that day. <laughs> he, he left out the, <laughs> the one part about getting arrested for stealing. Somehow that wasn't uh, exactly that, that wasn't worth mentioning about the events in his life on December 16th. And, and who, who would tell him to not talk about this? That, that's, that's the weirdest a, thing. That, that could be total BS. Well, the weirdest thing is I have honored and will continue to honor that commitment not to discuss it with anyone. What commitment? <laughs> like, like, who's he committing to? This is his situation. This is his arrest. Like, like who is he making a commitment to he's not going to talk about himself? Like, like would crazy. the court really say like don't talk about this? No, of course anybody? not. Like, of course not. No, yeah. of course not. Like, like that's what's so crazy. Like, who is he committing to that he's not going to talk about this? So, who's going to get hurt if he talks about this besides him? So it's just so weird. Like he's doing us a favor to break his commitment. Yeah, commitment to himself. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so l- let me tell you what I think about that first part of the statement. Then I'll get to the rest of it. Uh, first of all, some people think that the commitment might have been to a lawyer. And I don't think so. Let me explain why. When people hear about lawyers, like people get in trouble and think about like what your lawyer advises you to do, they think back, and maybe, Ryland, you won't be able to relate to this because you're younger, but they think back to when they were watching Matlock in the 80s. Have you ever seen Matlock? I, I, don't, I have no idea what yeah, that I, is. I, I didn't think so. I just make myself sound old. But uh, Matlock was played by uh, Andy Griffith. He was a, a crafty but folksy southern lawyer who took a case every week, usually a very serious case like murder, but uh, always proved his client innocent. But uh, Matlock, uh, people picture someone like Matlock working for Jay Noonan, tirelessly spending his days working on the case. Uh, that's not really how it works. In, in reality, lawyers are very expensive, and they put very little time and effort into minor cases like these because they're not paid very much for minor cases like these. So, so basically, a lot of times a lawyer just uh, does one little thing that they're good at doing or that they're an expert in doing or they have a relationship with a court where they can make it happen easily. I'll give you a very simple example. In Clark County, if you and that's in Las Vegas, if you get pulled over, and if you're a Nevada resident, if you get pulled over like for speeding, uh, you can actually have the conviction change from a moving violation to a parking violation. So you still have to pay the ticket, but it doesn't go on your record as a moving violation, and your insurance does not go up. So in order to do this, you need to hire a lawyer. But guess how much I paid for my lawyer when I had this done? I paid $20 for my lawyer, because this is like a, a super big cut-rate law, law firm thing where they... 
they specialize in this and they do like several of them at once. Like they go before the judge and they go, okay, well, I'd like you to change, Your Honor, these following 20 people to this parking violation. And the judge says, okay, dismissed. And then they get 20 bucks for each person. Like that, like this lawyer for 20 bucks is not comp- uh, preparing a big case for me to get my uh, moving violation changed to a parking violation. Similarly, there probably are lawyers in Connecticut who specialize in this AR process, this uh, accelerated rehabilitation. So if he did get a lawyer, which he's never said he has, this is just guessing on the part of the internet, uh, it probably is some cut-rate lawyer who just works very cheaply and gets your AR plea through because he knows the Connecticut legal system very well. And that's it. He doesn't give you long advice or make you have you make commitments not to speak about it, blah, 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 blah. It's not like that. And I doubt he has an attorney and retainer that he speaks to every day about the situation. Now, people say, well, what about the additional accusations against him about the, the 9th and the 14th? What about those dates? You know, he still might be arrested for those. He could still get in trouble for those. He, might, he must have a lawyer ready for that. No, he doesn't. He has not been questioned about those dates. He has not been charged regarding those dates. He's in another state now. He's not in Connecticut anymore. He doesn't need a lawyer for that. Nothing's happened. Now, if they call him back to Connecticut and say, hey, we, we want you to come back to Connecticut to answer to these charges, then he'll probably get a lawyer. But nothing's happened yet. Nothing probably will happen because it's been quite some time. So I doubt he has a lawyer. He may have briefly had a lawyer to do this AR plea, but that's it. So I don't think he promised any lawyer anything. Furthermore, the December 16th situation, it's already done. He confessed. It's been processed to this AR thing. It's off his record officially. But it's not like admitting to the December 16th thing at this point will hurt him in any way, at least legally, because legally he has admitted to it. He has admitted to the courts in Connecticut, yes, I stole $700, yes, I am guilty, but because it's a minor crime, please wipe it from my record. Thank you. That He's testified to that. This is what he's, he's stated to the state of Connecticut. So he can't be rearrested for this. This won't hurt his case, any cases against him that might be investigated right now on the 9th and 14th, because uh, they already know he pleaded guilty to this. That's already on the record. So him saying, yes, I did it, would not hurt him one bit legally. So that's uh, any reason that he would have stayed silent is not that. Anyway, uh, moving along here. Uh, this is what he continued to say in his... Uh, statement. I would like to address the negative reaction against certain third parties, particularly Billy Shea, the union president, who originally posted the story. I want to state clearly that any negative reaction against him or attacks against his character has not been condoned by me. Yesterday I called Mr. Shea personally. We spoke at length, not about what he had posted, but instead about the reactions from the community. I hold no ill will against him, as he simply did what he felt he needed to do as a union president. It was a great conversation with Billy, and I do appreciate him taking the time to speak with me. So this is the only decent part of the statement. I thought, great. Okay, so he uh, he called Billy Shea. He said, sorry for the people you know who were bashing you on my behalf. I didn't condone it. Uh, I have no problem with you reporting this. And and you know, that's that's a good gesture because uh, you know at least he's telling Billy, I know you were just doing your job. No hard feelings for being the one that broke the story that ruined my career. He probably does have some hard feelings, but at least he went to Billy and told him this, and that yeah, that was nice, and that's good. That's the only decent part of his whole statement. But then the rest of it goes completely in the toilet. <laughs> he writes, I have spent a decade as part of the poker community, and have truly come to appreciate the game and the family of people in it. Yeah, so much that he steals from them. That, 
Yep, exactly. <laughs> he appreciates the the tip jars that uh, that are in it. Uh, That's just like the the worst thing he could have said. That being said, it seems for the best that I step away from the poker world indefinitely. I do want to say thank you to my family and my friends, both inside and out of poker, who have been incredibly supportive during this time. So isn't he being nice? As an act of contrition, he's staying away from poker. He's stepping away from the poker world because he has so many job offers on the table now. So many casinos want him to come and work for them now as, as, a, as a blogger. That he's turning it all down, and uh, and he he didn't say that, but he's implying that it's his decision to step away from the poker industry. No, it's not. He's stepping away because nobody will hire him after this has happened. So he's acting like it's his decision, and he's doing something uh, to show that he has remorse. In reality, he's being forced. To show you how bad he felt about this, three days later, he tried to get a poker star's job and tried to get other people in the community to help him get it. So that shows you how bad he feels about this. He's only stepping away because he's being forced away. Then he writes, he finishes off saying, Finally, even though I won't be part of the poker world for now, I'll still be rooting for the industry to continue to grow, expand, and improve in all the ways that we know it can. Jay Noonan. Yeah, so he can steal even uh, more money from tip jars. Yeah, he hopes it grows so the tip jars grow. But but seriously, <laughs> yeah. but, but you know, but seriously here, do you think that he's going to be watching the poker industry that he can no longer be part of after establishing himself for ten years? Do you think he's going to be watching it, going, "Wow, it's getting bigger and bigger, and I can't be part of it"? But good for them, good for them, good for poker. I'm so glad it's growing, even though I can't be part of it. Wow, this makes me feel good. No, of course not. And you know, I wouldn't anything... be surprised if he if he still is trying to get a job in the poker industry. Yeah, yeah. After or, or, saying this because right. he already has with the poker stars thing, right? You know, or, just behind behind the scenes, or or will soon after he hopes this dies down for sure. But but yeah, the thing definitely. is here, what was missing from this whole apology? This whole thing I just said it. What's missing was an apology. He did not apologize to any of the victims in that whole statement. There was not one. I'm sorry to the victims. I'm sorry for everyone who's affected by this, whose lives were affected by this. I'm really sorry for any trouble I may have caused. Nothing like that. Not even like a a generic apology that doesn't specifically admit to anything. I'm not asking him for for him to say, I'm sorry for stealing from all of you. Even just something like, I'm sorry for any trouble I may have caused anyone, uh, any inconvenience that's caused people, any lives that have been turned upside down by this. Something like that. Nothing. The only one he kind of apologizes to is the union president for the flack he has taken from others for posting the story. But he has, impo- he has not apologized to any of the people he stole from, which is really bad in that statement. That just further shows no remorse. Like, why not put an apology? If, if he's that afraid of some kind of legal consequence of the apology, why not at least put a generic apology that could mean anything that couldn't be legally used against him? I, no apology at all. But I've come up with a theory as to why he's not apologizing, as to why he's not admitting to anything, and as to why he tried to stay silent. I think that he believes that if he admits to it, then he will be going on record on the Internet, which, as you know, has a long history. You can find things people said on the Internet 10 years ago, 15 years ago. He doesn't want that up there. So this way, as the years pass by, if he wants to get other jobs, whether in poker or especially outside of poker, that he doesn't want it anywhere on the web admitting that he stole. So he's probably hoping that, like, let's say in 2018, he's out of poker and he's trying to apply to be a photographer for some 
I don't know, some news outlet not related to poker. So the person he's applying with does what anyone would do for an applicant. He Googles Jay's name. Googles Jay Noonan and finds from 2014 the thread on 2 plus 2 or one of the news stories or even the poker fraud alert thread and reads this and says to Jay, hey, what's this about? Are you stealing from tip jars? What? Chopsticks? What? Duct tape? What's all this about? Are you a thief, Jay? Jay says, no, 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 no. That was a big misunderstanding. You know, four years ago, I was leaving Connecticut early from a tournament, and I was trying to retrieve the tips that were left for me, because I was supposed to get a percentage of the tips, and they couldn't open the jar yet, so I said, I'll just fish the ones out that are for me. And, 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 uh, you know, then they caught me and, and told me I was stealing, and it was really my tips, but they, you know, they didn't see it that way. And then the police said, hey, just plead guilty to this, and you can do this AR program and not serve any jail time. It'll go away. It won't be on your record. So I said, okay, sure. Uh, that, that's what I'll do. Even though I'm not really guilty, I'll do it because it's easiest, and I'm afraid, you know, th- this could be misconstrued what I was doing. So I did that, and then I didn't realize someone was going to bring it up on the Internet a few weeks later and, and make me look terrible. So that's what happened. Sorry, and you know, since then I've never been in any trouble. I was never in any trouble before that. It was a big misunderstanding, and and that's that. Now, now it's possible that the potential employer then will say BS. I don't believe you, and kick him out. But it's also possible four years later that they'll believe him and say, well, yeah, I I, I don't see any record on this, and uh, and, and you know, it, it kind of makes sense, and. Uh, you know, they don't see anything. The thing is, what the boss won't find is Jay saying, yes, I stole. Yes, I stole money from poker dealers. Sorry about that. Like, they, they won't see that. So, as the years pass by, Jay will be able to morph his side of the story without ever having his side up there that's stuck up there forever. Because if he writes, yes, I stole the tips, I'm sorry about that, but I did, I don't know what I was thinking, blah, 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 blah. Well, when he applies for this job four years later... His boss finds that, then he can't deny that he stole. He can't deny he was a thief. If he doesn't say anything, then he kind of can. And that's why I think his family told him to be quiet. That's why I think people told him to be quiet. Let the internet say what they want. Years from now, or even months from now, you can change the story. And say it's just the internet speaking about rumors. And, and that's what I think this is about. That's why I think he won't admit to it. I don't know this for sure, but that is my theory as to what he's doing. And uh, why doesn't he just post a story like that on 2 Plus 2 or on his blog? Well, because, one, he wants to be able to change it at will. And two, uh, he doesn't want people picking apart the story. He doesn't want the employer finding that explanation and saying, well, wait a minute. And like then seeing people afterwards picking it apart and proving it to be false. So he wants to be able to say what he wants to future employers depending upon what information is out there and how long of a time has passed, how many of these sites still have stories about him, etc., etc. And and truthfully, if he wants to get past this, this is probably the smartest move on his part. So that's why I think he's doing it. That's why I think he's been advised, and that's what I think his, quote, commitment was about. I think it's, I don't think it's a commitment. I think it's like him following his parents' advice or his, his someone else in his family's advice or his close friend's advice. So, uh, unfortunately, that also means he doesn't apologize to anyone and and it means again he's still acting in self-interest. So basically, there's no remorse here, and that's uh, th- that's my belief here. And uh, I think we've talked about this whole story as much as we can here. But uh, you know, Kev Math, I know you listen to this show. I don't hold it against you. Of all the people who got criticized here, I think Kev Math deserves it the least because I haven't seen Kev Math bashing anyone for discussing this. He just hasn't been retweeting it. 
And, and he retweeted something. Uh, was it today? Did he retweet today? Okay, well, even if he retweeted today. The, the point is, Kev Math can personally decide what he wants to retweet and not retweet. That's fine. Uh, I didn't see Kev Math bashing anyone for discussing this or bashing the Facebook post or, or you know, calling into question what was posted. He just kept quiet. And that was my advice yeah. to everybody here was to keep quiet. So fine, Kev Math kept quiet. I can understand it. Yeah, I, I, don't, uh... I don't hold anything against Kev Math for keeping quiet. Uh, the other poker media people who got involved here, I think some of them made mistakes to some degree or another. I'm not going to single them out, uh, but I think a lot of them handled it wrong, and I think they have to understand that they would not have a job in the poker media if it was not for poker players and, and poker dealers, of course, and you, you have to show some sensitivity to that, and you have to understand why people are really pissed when they hear something like this and, and not lash out at them in any way and, and really think about Whatever level of proof that you have required in the past to retweet things or post things, the same should be applied here. So, that, and I guess uh, I guess a lot of the poker media uh, people don't get paid uh, that much at all because uh, he was saying that he couldn't afford to buy his son an Xbox this Christmas. Yeah, uh, he replied to uh, Dan Blitzerian's contest for yeah. the free 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 Xbox. I saw that. I saw that. He he was giving away stuff of his own. Uh, I don't think this has even been brought up anywhere. But he had like some Star Wars uh, collectibles. Yeah, I saw, or something I saw that on his blog. He wasn't. It wasn't anything of like much value. But uh, he was giving away things. But the thing is, people say about Jay, he's always been so nice. He's always been generous. He always bought me lunch. He always uh, yep. offered to do things for me. You know, unfortunately, the ones who scam the most and who steal the most tend to be the most generous. Because this throws you off their trail. If someone's a jerk, if someone comes off as greedy, uh, then it's hard for them to steal because nobody trusts them. Everyone's always watching their back around them. You, you want to, if you want to steal, you have to have people let their guard down around you. And that's why you look at Jasip. Jasip with his all his charity and all this, everything else he was doing that was so nice. Uh, he would he would donate to free rolls here. I mean, uh, uh, Peter DC, another scammer who was just constantly doing nice things for people. They love charities. They do. So so uh, you can't look at someone and say he's always been so nice and so generous. He couldn't be a thief or he couldn't be that bad because a lot of times them being that nice is is a path to being able to take advantage of people. And we don't know how deep this runs. This could have been a one-time thing. They're probably not. It could have been a few-time thing, like he just started doing it recently. Or it could be going back many years and this is the first time he's been caught. We don't know. So uh, uh, it's just something that everybody needs to keep in mind. And uh, uh, sometimes when... Sometimes when people are very nice, you have to look at this whole situation, not, not to be suspicious of everybody who's nice, but if someone is really, really, really nice, sometimes beyond the point that you think anyone normally would be, sometimes it's best to be suspicious of it. And I remember throughout my life, it was tough sometimes, but I ran into people who just seemed like they were too nice, who just seemed like they inexplicably liked me too much, who gave me too much credit for everything, who who just seemed too generous, who seemed too selfless, and I thought People, this doesn't make someone, any sense. Someone that would run a poker fraud alert uh, radio show. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I don't think. See, I don't think anybody accuses me though of being too nice. I'm not, I'm, I don't come off as like a, a sweet person and, and someone who's always like doing like you know, constantly volunteering to do favors for everyone constantly. Like a like 
you know, you get bashed for not donating to the free roll, yeah. but you donate your time. So, well, yeah. See, but at least people can kind of understand my motivation for things. You can explain me. You can explain why I do this. Makes I just, me, it I, makes me sick when people bash you for that. By the way, that's yeah. hilarious. But you know, but but you can tell you're the guy me, who you're the one who runs the site, like created the site. Yeah. Like. But, but but you can tell that you know I'm doing this because I just I, I don't like scammers. I I. I like this community that I'm part of, I don't like seeing it's being stolen from, and and I'm just generally against dishonest people and 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 thieves, and that's why I do this show and and run the site I do, and and you know, but at the same time, you were cheated by uh, Ultimate Bets. Oh so yeah, big time. Hell yeah, that's big time, that's yeah. a good reason to start this shit. Like, so somebody has to. But but I'm not someone who's who's constantly offering to do. Favors inexplicably for everybody with nothing in return. Like I'll I'll do little things like, hey, you want me to escrow money for you? Fine. Like because I, again, I'm trying to help people not get cheated. But but like I'm not going out of my way to do wonderful things for every person I come into contact with uh, and get nothing in return. Because people like that, you have to be suspicious of them. I, it it sucks, but you do. There are some genuinely really 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 nice selfless people out there, and it sucks that for those few that they have to be suspects too. That they have a larger angle to them, but uh, unfortunately most people who are like that are actually pulling something, so always watch for that. Uh, anyway, getting I to yeah, getting to the next topic, we've spent a long time on this one. Well, first topic is now over, guys. Yeah, well, actually, first, and, first, first, <laughs> first, first and second topic, actually. We had two topics oh, related yeah. to this kind of Same combined. Thing, so again, we have two combined topics next, and uh, this is about lock poker, very few shows pass by without talking about lock poker. Uh, let's talk about the first part. It's kind of a two-part lock poker thing here. First of all, they've dropped all but three <coughs> of their pros. No reason has been given. I think I know the reason. The reason is probably they can't afford to keep them anymore. And I think That's they. What I think. And I think they also realize that you know even if they pay them with lock money, which is about as valuable as monopoly money, that. Uh, I, I think it's too much pressure on them to keep all these lock pros. And do you then, know? Do you know how many they they just dropped? No, I don't. I, I, I don't know that. That's, I wish I knew that. I wouldn't keep track of how many. I, I, I kind of have an idea of some. Do you? I, I, I mean, no. Joe Hubbard yeah. and Primal. You're talking about Primordial AA. Yeah. Oh, well, he's a different story. I'll get to him in a second. But the, there are a number of them fell. There were a lot more than three before. Uh, at one point, there's a whole lot, but some were some resigned. And some were dropped slowly, but they, they dropped a whole lot at once. They didn't give any reason for it. I think they're just tired of the pressure from the pros saying, look, you're paying me with lock funds, but nobody can cash out, including me, and, uh, you know, pay me. So, like, they were giving priority cash out to the pros, I know that, and I think that's probably what made them drop the pros, because they probably are so broke now, they can't even afford the priority cash out for the pros anymore. I think they can't cash out anyone now, or very, very, oh, yeah, very few. Sure. So, the only three remaining pros are... Greg Tiller, also known as Hokey Greg, and indeed he is very hokey. Uh, this guy just looks guy's like horrible. Yeah, he'll sell out his own grandmother. It looks like exactly. I mean, yep. <laughs> this guy just, still still promoting it on Twitter. I believe still, still very the, much promoting it. Uh, Francisco Costa. I don't know much about him. No idea who that is. And then Annette Oberstadt, Annette Fifteen. I, I don't understand Annette's angle here. Is she really struggling that much for money? Is she just losing a lot of tournament money? That's just the weirdest thing ever. How she. How can she even wear a lock patch on TV? That was just like 
the most disgusting thing ever. How like, could she show her face? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I cannot believe it. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, like if you have money, she's really good at poker too. Yeah, I don't understand. If you have money, and, and if you're a good player, and you know you have confidence in your game, and you're going to keep winning. I know tournament poker is tough, and it, you can go through long drive spells. Uh, I haven't kept up with what Annette's been doing recently, but is she really? struggling for money that much to where she has to keep promoting Locke despite she knows what's happening people have told her but but she still oh, keeps promoting them they just said in the chat uh Weisner's gone too and yeah, you know she was really really good at poker i mean a lot of females in poker are are just get some hype you know but and they're not really that good but you know Annette and Weisner are incredible poker players i played with them before you know they're they're you know they're a force so well, you know, i just Wisner, Wisner, uh, she, it's a heads up, bro. She, she quit though. She she quit okay. uh, not too long ago. She she should have quit a long time ago. And in fact, in May, I still remember in May, I was in the Rio, and I remember just before the radio show, and I was rushing to do the show because I I had just driven from another secret location to Vegas. I was in the Rio. I quickly grabbed some food. I'm wolfing it down, and in the meantime, Wisner is just like furiously messaging me on Skype. Telling me that uh, I'm being so mean to her. She once respected me, you know, or not once she respected me. How can I say these bad things about her? And she's hurt her feelings so much. And so I was responding, "Look, you know, you're promoting Locke. I, I, what I'm saying here is true. Why are you doing this?" And she was insisting that she and Primordial AA and Matt Stout and a few others were were all getting together to pretty much force Jennifer Larson, the CEO, to either put up or shut up. And if that if Jennifer Larson did not go through on her promises, they were all going to leave together. Well, that didn't happen. Yeah, they were saying that for over six months. It's yeah. the same story. Yeah, so this is the beginning of that stupid story. And so, you know, since I couldn't see the future, I, I was very skeptical. and I thought this is BS, but I was like, okay, okay, Melanie, you know, fine. But I, she's like, oh, don't tell anyone. Don't repeat this conversation. Don't tell anyone. I was like, oh, fine. But, of course, you know, a few weeks came. Like, she promised that they would leave if things hadn't changed. And, of course, things didn't change at Locke. And of course, uh, Weisner didn't leave, and she stopped responding to my messages. And yeah, meanwhile, she's cashing out people with priority cash outs. Yeah, and and, and profiting off it, right? And, right. and denying it. Yeah, it's so, it's so so stupid. Yeah. So uh, anyway, to show you the character of people defending lock pros, uh, Beer and Poker said that uh, one person on two plus two now defending the lock pros is none other than uh, Hasib Qureshi. <laughs> yeah, that, that's who's in their corner. But uh, anyway, someone's saying Skype call her now. I, I I might as well not bother. She won't answer. She knows what I'm calling about. She won't answer. She won't. She won't talk to me since she made these promises. But uh, Wisner did eventually leave, though much, much, much too late. Uh, one of the few hangers-on who just wouldn't leave and yet was coming on two plus two constantly defending Locke was uh, Brian Pellegrino, also known as Primordial AA. And he was just taking a beating on 2 plus 2. But this guy deserved the beating because he just kept saying the same BS over and over. Locke is improving. I have information that I can't share with you that it, you know things are going to get better. Uh, I'll leave if they don't. Then things don't. They're like, okay, okay, Brian, leave. Well, no, no, no. Now tune, things are really going to get better soon. <laughs> like, <laughs> his tune even changed. Like He was like, okay, yeah, well, I'm just still here because I want 
I want uh, to get my money off. He basically well, yeah, yeah, admitted yeah, it. Yeah, then he started saying, well, uh, I, I think I can help people get money off, so I don't want to leave. And, and so so then he claimed he's trying to get money off for his friend. He's using his priority cash outs to get money off and give his friend money that that, that friend b- desperately needs, You know, a friend who has money on lock poker. And then I'm asking him, well, so what are you saying, that you can give your close friends priority over people who should, have been waiting a long time? But anyway, uh, and he, he lashes out at me constantly. He's always bashing did, me. Did on. you see? Did you see the collage of quotes somebody made about what I'm just Shane posted about um, the cash out timeframes and things? No. new changes. They they made a. They started. They found all of, of Shane's quotes from the past two years, and they went and they made a little timeline of of Shane saying things are going to change, and this was spanning back, you know, two fucking years. And of course, like you know, then you hear him post the the very next day. Oh yeah, Shane, Shane oh, was big super changes sh- to come. Yeah, Shane was year. Shane was was super super shady. This guy like, is just, just you as gotta, guilty. You got to be totally. Yeah, this this there's, guy. There's was, no way he didn't know that no changes were coming. No, def- definitely Shane is just as guilty in this whole thing as Jennifer. I mean, he 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 had to know with how long he was spewing this BS that. Uh, and Brian had to know all this too. Like it's just... I'm not sure how much Brian knew, but definitely he wasn't as innocent as he tries to portray himself to be. He, it was very clear to him for a long time what was going on, and he was either choosing to ignore it or was like the dumbest person ever. But but it was pretty clear with all his priority cash outs that he was he and his friends were definitely benefiting by him staying on, and he did have some kind of personal relationship with Jennifer Larson to where he was getting money and and and, and you know he he was trying to people were even theorizing that. He was staying in that two plus two thread and taking a beating constantly, so then he could show it to Jennifer and say, "Hey, look, Jennifer, I, I'm I'm the only one coming out here defending you guys." And Jennifer's like, "Yeah, you're right. Okay, well, you get the priority cash out again. Like, I, I bet it was something like that." So <laughs> yeah, looked him right in the eyes in uh, Portugal. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you right. You will get priority cash out. <laughs> so Just stay. So so anyway, uh, have you? You know, I actually have talked to Jennifer Larson's be- before on I the phone. I didn't know that. What does she sound like? Yeah, um, she she sounds just like just like you expect her to, just like a middle aged woman kind of. But uh, way back when Lock Poker first started, uh, I I uh, my my investor had like a rake back deal with her, and and she got me in on that and stuff. And you know, then one day she just stopped uh, responding to emails when. Shit hit the fan. So yeah, and uh, so Brian. Anyway, Brian Pellegrino. He announced with very little detail that he left. He left Lock Poker. He didn't say why. He just left. Uh, it just kind of buried it in the middle of a message about something else. And then we look and and we see that they only have three pros left. So I bring up, hey, I don't think you quit. I think they fired you. I think they booted everyone, and now you're claiming you quit. So he got really pissed at me and said, I don't see why anyone respects you. You're such a piece of shit, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it was so funny how, how defensive he got. But I find it hard to believe that his timing to leave was exactly corresponding to when they fired all but three of the lock pros. So I was going to say the exact same thing. In fact, I, I, I believe probably he he got wind of that. And, you know, he's he's like... Oh, I, I I emailed her about this three days ago. Well, he probably found out about it about, you know, a week or two, and just sent that email so he could screenshot it and post it and be like, "Look, you know." Yeah, look, and what's I, so funny I, about the email? He screenshotted an email about leaving Lock Poker, but he only he only shows the last line. He blacks out everything except the last line of "For that reason, I'm going to have to ask that you remove my face and that I'm leaving as a yeah, Lock Pro." Yeah, like, and we don't even know that he responded to an email saying that. 
you're fired. <laughs> and then yeah. he, he probably responded, "No, I quit." Now <laughs> yeah. Let me screen, let me screenshot this and, and post it on two plus. Yeah, two. yeah. Like, but, why not post the whole on. email? Like, why not? Post and you this? knew, you knew, he knew that the shit storm was coming, coming too, and he had to have something like this. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's, I I thought as soon as I noticed that all the pros were gone except three, that he got wind of it exactly as you said, and some someone tipped him off in some way that the lock pros are being let go or about to be let go, and he's like, "Oh shit." All right. Well, time for me to quit. I got to quit a day ahead of this so I can show two plus two. Like I, I, I can totally see this. And he thought he was so clever. So uh, anyway, I, I want to read a text. By the way, not related to this, but this is a, a text from a Minnesota phone number. MN Puck and AO are your biggest fans. Eric Rowley needs to remember where he came from growing up in the pool hall free rolls. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to AO and MN Puck. I know who they are. And then someone Minnesota, else. Minnesota is alive and well. They, you know, because it's so cold out all the time. There's a lot of uh, poker players that come out of there that are really good. You know, I, what I, I mean? always thought that might be. I was always trying to figure out what is it with all the poker players from Minnesota, which isn't a huge state population for lim- for limit, especially because there's only limit hold'em in the casino there. Yeah, that I knew. I knew. I knew it was because of the Canterbury and the the big limit scene there. But uh, but boy, there were a lot of poker players and good poker players that came out of Minnesota. And I I wonder, you know what? Maybe it is because such a high percentage of the year is cold there. That uh, there's less options of things to do, and it's uh, like every day the the wind chill is like negative forty four there. Not even kidding. <laughs> yeah, like someone asking in chat like, uh, if if Schneids was from Minnesota. Yes, he was. Yeah, so, I've met him before in yeah. in person. Yeah. Um, Druff, you have to read. Uh, do you, are you familiar with Jared Hubbard? He's actually from Minnesota, and he was that lock pro. Yeah, yeah, that that's was right. Just let go too. Yeah, he was. Uh, let go somebody too. somebody posted about him. Um, did you see that post about no. how he was harassing someone? No. Do you want me to link you to the the post? Yeah, you might sure. want to read it. It's sure. pretty good. Sure. And so, uh, this 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 might make you uh, believe that he he knew he was already um, gone from from being a lock pro quite a while ago. Yeah. Just from uh, from that. Let me see here. Uh, where's that? Okay, here we are. Here we are. Here's the link. Um, okay, this is from someone named Hoya Saxa123, posted uh, on January 6th. Uh, tonight's story coming from Jared Hubbard, not just a lock pro, but a lock pro elite. Background, we were acquaintances last year playing the same heads up sit and goes on lock. I hadn't spoken to him for months except for to return to a, a disconnected buy-in of his one time. We rarely spoke outside of the poker chats. A few hours ago, I had no action, so I sat in one of his lower stakes games. After a couple of games, I got a text from him really pissed off. He was upset that I had disrupted his grind. I should have known he was playing four games already on three other sites. I also should have known the six lobbies of his on Black Ship Poker were not to be registered by me or anyone else uh, not understanding the most, most basic po- poker fundamentals. After he stopped arguing about the unwritten rules of head-up, sit-and-go lobby behavior, he proceeded to unregister all of his lobbies, sit me in one game, and play like a jackass. Slow-rolling full-time bank for a win, timing down in the rematch window after winning. I couldn't care less about that, but these texts he sent me while doing the slow rolls and timing down. Keep up that $80 hourly noble work you're doing. Another text. I'm glad you got taken for 75k, reference to my hacking on lock last year. Now that I know what a douche you are, I'm laughing my ass off about it right now. LMAO, ouch. What would you have bought in? What would you have bought with that 75k? 
So, <laughs> so he's doing this on lockdown. <laughs> and, and this was, and this was a week ago. Yeah. So, so he's he's you know, mo- locked like the, Acting like that makes you think that, you know, he yeah. knew he was gone from locked. A, a lock know, pro uh, making fun of someone for getting hacked on the site for 75k, saying, oh, "What would you have bought with that 75k? Huh? You gonna think about that?" Like he's trying to make the guy piss. Like, <laughs> boy, that's uh, that's pretty bad. So anyway, uh, apparently he's from Minnesota, but all these guys are gone. Just those three are left: uh, Hokey, Greg, Annette, and that that third guy who I don't even know. But uh, that uh, so that that's one part of the lock. And also, I hear that they have very very few people online now. Like like forty five people online. Like the the new network has been an epic failure of of major proportions. It's uh they remember they left the Revolution Network, which wasn't exactly active either, and went over to their own network, which has been a complete disaster. So this is just even making it worse. This is just just ne- that's got to be why they're laying off their pros. They really can probably barely afford anything at this point at Lock Poker, and. Uh, it's got to be pretty close to the point where they're just going to pack up and leave. So now they are, of course, still paying Card Player because Card Player is still running all their ads. They're still the main sponsor of Card Player. Uh, Jennifer Larson, it seems like her business model was just ridiculous, just to give the regulars ridiculous rake, rake back, like a hundred percent or more, and and spend untold sums of money on marketing. And hope that somehow this loss version of spending, where you where you're just taking a loss month after month after month, will somehow grow you to the next poker stars. At which point you'll become profitable, and, and all this will pay off. It's kind of like uh, spend way too much up front to give yourself success later, but uh, but that doesn't work for the most part. And then just, so the way she got all this money to spend was the player funds. That's why the player funds aren't there, because they, they spent them all on all the extra rakeback benefits, on all the extra marketing, everything like that. They wasted all your player funds on that. And it looks like we lost our co-host. Who, are you back, Rylan? Yeah, I'm wondering if it's your internet or mine, but uh, I, you're cutting in and out, and ah. it says the, the, call, the call quality was bad. So Okay, I, it probably, uh, probably just a Skype. Probably just Skype, but uh, let me see if the chat room has a problem here. It looks like nobody's complaining about uh, the sound quality. Uh, someone saying in chat, card player would accept cash from a known drug dealer. No, they probably would. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see card player running uh, drug ads. Uh, you know, short on cocaine while you're playing? Uh, come down to such and such. I, I, I mean, they the fact that they take lock ads at this point still, not just take ads, but they're their main sponsor, is amazing. And I told Jeff Schulman about this back in May. And he doesn't care. They just card players. It's all about greed. So, other part of the story with Locke. This is completely different. This is a, totally unrelated to what we just talked about. Someone found a guy named Jim Afternoon, who's been very much on Locke's case since uh, since well, a long time. I don't know when he started, but uh, Jim Afternoon was googling around and found. Someone related to Jennifer Larson and might be related to Lock Poker. Uh, let me get to this here. There's a realtor in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada named Jamie Larson. Jamie Larson runs a company called DBM Realty. It is a two-man company. Uh, Jamie Larson and an older guy named Dave Bryan. Jamie Larson, it's hard to tell how old he is. Uh, he looks kind of, uh, 
Uh, it's hard to tell in these touched up pictures, but he looks kind of like 30s to me. Uh, Dave Bryan is clearly older. He's uh, It says he's been practicing since 1978, so obviously he's pretty old. Because uh, to give you a frame of reference, uh, I was six years old in 1978, and I'm almost 42 now. Uh, Ryland, you still there? We're missing Ryland again. Let me bring him back. It's going so well for a while. I don't think we'll ever have Ryland on for a full show. I think that, yeah, it just, it won't let me through. Huh. Well, I'll have to run this one solo for a while. Oh, Riley, you hear you? Hey, Druff? Yeah. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Uh, I'm trying to call you with my cell phone. Your internet's cutting in and out, so. They they tell me the sound is fine, so I, I think it might be on Skype's end. Yeah, this is a problem with the call. Okay, I'll have to drop Ryland for a short time here. There must be an issue with Skype or or, or uh, Ryland's internet. But uh, everybody in the chat room can hear the radio fine, so it's not my internet. If my internet was bad, then the radio would not come through. So uh, it's, it might be a Skype problem. It might be neither of our fault. I, I don't want to blame poor Eric Ryland for this. So I'll have to do this little segment by myself and try to connect on Ryland uh, later. But... Uh, Anyway, this getting over to uh, Jamie Larson. Obviously the same last name as Jennifer Larson, the CEO of Lock Poker. I don't know who this Dave Bryan is. He may or may not have something to do with Lock Poker or with this whole thing. But what was found by Jim Afternoon was the very interesting fact that DBM Realty's website was registered to JDB Services in Willemstad, Netherlands. JDB Services is the owner of Lock Poker. JDB Services is basically Jennifer Larson and whatever partner she has in Lock. They don't seem to do anything else. Uh, some of you that have gotten Lock Poker checks have seen that they were by JDB Services. So the D- the DBM Realty website was registered to JDB Services. I also found out from doing my own research that uh, JDB Services and DBM Realty also at one point shared IP addresses with JDBServicesNV.com, with uh, Conrefield.com, whatever that is, and JiraPoker.com. Remember Jira? (laughs) Jira JiraPoker.com also had that same IP address. Uh, the logos for DM, DBM Realty and Lock Poker are very similar and clearly designed by the same person. And, of course, there's that Larson last name and the Vancouver connection, because uh, I don't think Jennifer Larson lives in Vancouver anymore. Maybe she does, but at least she did at one time. Uh, looking at the picture of Jamie Larson, he does look a good deal like Jennifer Larson, leading people to believe that Jamie is Jennifer's brother. So, of course, the question is, do uh, does Jennifer Larson has she been funneling the lock poker money into Jamie's real estate business or even investing in real estate with him or is this totally unrelated except for Jamie Larson uh happening to have the bad luck of having his sister design his webpage for him and then being linked to this scam that is lock poker is he just an innocent realtor 
who has been roped into his sister's malfeasance just because she happened to, z- to design his website and was too lazy to register it in his name. She registered in her business's name. Uh, DBM Realty seems pretty busy, even though it's a two-man operation. Uh, they have this whole uh, project in a place called Qualicum Beach in Vancouver where they're trying to sell homes there. Uh, you can see this all on the dbm-realty.com, dbm-realty.com website. Now, what's interesting was that when this was brought up on 2 Plus 2 by Jim Afternoon, there was a very swift reaction. And that is, Jamie wiped his entire presence from the internet immediately. He wiped his website. There was no more dbmrealty.com. It went to a blank white page. There was no more Facebook page. There was no more web presence of any sort for DBM Realty. It was just gone. They took down all the YouTube videos. And keep in mind, this was not old stuff he took down. Jamie made a lot of promotional material, both on the website and on YouTube, in the year 2014. And we're sitting here on January 14th right now, 2014. So 2014 is less than two weeks old. And he made a lot of this stuff in 2014 and already took it down when it was posted about his link to Lock Poker and Jennifer Larson. So if he was innocent, how likely is it that he would have done that? You know, if he just didn't react, that would be more of the actions of an innocent man, right? Because, uh, He'd say, oh, oops, my sister registered this. In fact, maybe he'd even come out and make a quick statement. Uh, you know, I know some of you have a problem with my sister. Uh, I, I'm completely separate from her. Uh, you know, I run my realtor company, I, realty company. I have nothing to do with Lock Poker. Sorry about that. They designed my website. Uh, if you have any problem with them, please take it up with Jennifer. Whatever. Like, nothing. He just took it all down. In addition, he had some lawyer, we don't know who, contact 2 plus 2 and demand that they take all this information down. 2 plus 2 got scared and took down some of it. Not all of it, but took down some of it. So Jim Afternoon came over to Poker Fraud Alert and posted it here, and I said, hey, I welcome it. Post all you want. And I welcomed Jamie, and I still welcome Jamie Larson, to come out here and explain himself. To come out here and tell us that he has nothing to do with lock poker. To tell us that they designed his website and that's it, because he's related in some way to Jennifer, probably her brother, because they have a similar facial structure. But it's also possible that they are related. It's also possible that maybe DBM Realty was founded in part with money from Lock Poker. Who knows? I don't have that for a fact in any way, but it's interesting to think about especially given how quickly Jamie panicked and took down his company's website, which this is not like a company's website that's rarely used. I mean, he's definitely using his website a lot to promote his company. And to take it down that quickly was very suspicious. Now, it did go back up. They quickly changed the name of the registrant. They changed it to William Smith, which was obviously a fake name. There is no William Smith involved with, uh, with this, to my knowledge. And then they changed it again and put DBM Realty back up and register it to, to Jamie, like it should have been in the first place. What I don't understand, still, is why it went down in the first place. Why did Jamie panic and take everything down? Unless Jennifer is the one who took everything down. But it's hard for me, for me to believe that Jennifer has access to everything of Jamie's. 
I could see maybe if she's running the website, but uh, does Jennifer have access to his Facebook page and his LinkedIn page? Every single part went down. Now, I went and grabbed them from Google Cache and posted them up in uh, on Poker Fraud Alert, but uh, still. Now, since Jamie is unlikely to show up here, and by the way, I didn't get any legal threats. Just want to let you guys know that. 2 plus 2 did, but I didn't. And I actually said that if I get any legal threats, I am not taking it down unless I am sufficiently convinced that Jamie is innocent and has nothing to do with all this. And I think given... I'm not just grasping at straws here. I think given the fact that Jamie is related to Jennifer in some way, same last name, looks like her, and his website was was, uh, registered to her company, and the logo looks incredibly similar to her company, he has some kind of association... His business has some kind of association with Jennifer Larson, and that is enough to question him. I'm not just questioning him because he happens to be her brother. I'm not just questioning him because you know he happens to know her or be related to her in some way. You don't see me bothering Jennifer's father. So, since he's probably not going to come forward and speak to me and contact me, what we're going to do is we will contact him. I have no idea what we're going to get here. I don't know if anyone's tried this yet. Let me try to put Ryland on one more time before I call Jamie. I have two phone numbers for him, a home and a cell. At least I think it's a home and a cell. Ryland, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I I think Skype's having some issues. I think that's why we were unable to talk, but uh, hopefully you're on Yeah, I agree. Both our internet is, you know... Not it's it's reliable, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Skype. Anyway, I, it's probably gotten past that, and hopefully it has. I'm going to put on right now, hopefully, Jamie Larson. We're going to try to ask him. Oh, that is that is so cool because I was wondering if you were going to make that phone call. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So I was let, looking forward to this for let, sure. Let's, let's see if we can get him on the phone and ask him about this. I kind of probably should have started this earlier since it's it's 9:40 there right now. I'm sure this is still a good number. This is realty number. You've reached Jamie Larson with DBM Realty. I'm away from the phone at the moment, yeah. but if you'd like to leave your name and number, I'd be happy to get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks for calling, and have a nice day. All right, so that's uh, that's his voicemail, first ring voicemail. So he just has his phone off. Could be because it's 940 at night. It also could be that he's been getting uh, prank calls from people on 2 Plus 2 or whatever. So... Uh, let me try to call Dave Bryan. Now, Dave Bryan, I think it's less likely that he is involved in this because he didn't take any of his info down. He's the partner of Jamie. He's an older guy. He's been practicing since 1978 in real estate. Jamie Larson, by the way, according to his LinkedIn page, has only been licensed in real estate since 2011. So this is not a longtime realtor. And in fact, he's really involved in a lot of projects for someone who's only been practicing since 2011. So either he's like really, really ambitious or uh, you know, he's getting help from somewhere. That's just, I, I don't know. It just, it just looks like he's bit off a lot you know, for, to, to be working on here. And that's why it really surprised me. He took down uh, all the things he just produced for all the, uh, everything he's doing for his West, West Ridge uh, Qualicom Beach project. But uh, let's try to call Dave Bryan now. I just want to warn you guys, someone already called Dave Bryan. I'm not going to say who. No, no, no one from this site, someone from 2 Plus 2 did and told me that they called him. And the way they described Dave Bryan, they said that he said there's no relationship 
between him and Jennifer Larson or Lock Poker. He wouldn't he wouldn't elaborate. And eventually he just said he's hanging up on them and did. And the person described Dave Bryan as sounding like he's a homosexual. So these were the, the these are not my words. I have not spoken to Dave Bryan yet, but this this was told to me by someone who did call him. The problem is he may already be on guard uh, before I call him. He's already spoken to someone, and no one from this site. But we'll try. Hi, Dave Bryan. I'm not able to take your call right now. But after the tone, leave your name and number, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. Well, I don't know. He didn't. Say, he didn't sound that gay to me. I, I have to disagree with that. I mean, he didn't sound not gay, but he didn't sound gay either. It's just like, if I heard his yeah, voice... I, I, he, didn't, I, he didn't sound gay. Yeah, like if I heard his voice, I wouldn't say, oh, gay. Like, I just go, okay. Just, just, I just go, <laughs> that, like, was, that was definitely not T-M-M-L gay. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, th- that's kind of disappointing. I was I was really hoping for, like, a flaming gay guy. Like, hey there, it's Dave Ryan. <laughs> like, I was hoping for that, but I didn't get it. So, uh, okay. So, we're going to try one more phone number. And... Uh, this is uh, the phone number that was used for the registration, the new registration, you know, after the William Smith thing. Uh, this is the new registration that was just done today, or maybe yesterday. It was yesterday, actually, for Jamie. Let's see if we can reach him. This, num- this number is less publicized, so I think we have a better shot on this number. Oh, no, first ring voicemail. This might be a home phone. Pick up, pick up, come on. Big money, big money, no whammies. Damn it, I'm trying to sleep here. <laughs> the damn internet. Why did I take this Who phone? would be calling me at this hour? Why didn't I take my phone off the hook tonight? Damn it. <laughs> yeah, just like the last two douchebags. All right, it's going to be it's, it's seven rings. They're going to give up soon. <laughs> I'm not going to get up. I have to piss really badly, but I'm just going to try to fall back asleep. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my God, maybe it's, this is important. <laughs> it's like... Wait, maybe it's Jennifer. She's going to tell me she just shot, shut lockdown <laughs> to get out of the country. <laughs> maybe I better answer this. <laughs> maybe the FBI is coming. I mean, I don't know how long I got to keep. Go. You got to keep it ringing. I don't know. Keep man. it ringing a little more. Yeah, when I'm trying to reach someone I don't like or that I don't think very highly of, I I, I kind of want to let, let it ring 30 times, especially at 10 o'clock at night, because like I'm hoping they're sleeping and this is just driving them crazy. He's like, I've been there before. I've been there before when I, I don't want to answer the phone, and then someone just will not give up with a ringing. They'll just let it ring just like 25 times, and I just go nuts. Oh, jeez. Have you ever had it? I, I know you're younger than me, and I don't know if you've had a cell phone, a home phone this recently, but... Have you ever been having sex when someone like this is calling and they just will let it ring forever? I haven't been in that uh, situation before, no. Oh, it's the worst. But, you, you, uh, you just want it to end. You just, you're just trying to get through it and, and tune out the ringing and it just doesn't stop. Like, <laughs> they'll just let it ring forever and you just, you just wish it would stop and you, you don't know why they won't get the picture after 20 rings. But 
Oh yeah, we're we're really pushing it here. This is awesome. Yeah, like I I've had that before. I've had it where I've really tried not to lose what I have going there, but I like it's hard. It, it it's very tough. <laughs> Do you want to just you want to just continue radio? Yeah, with the phone <laughs> we can just do the, the show time? for the, the next two hours here, and it's, of course, <laughs> yeah. of course, the, the joke is on us if he's got like magic jack or something and his computer's off. But uh, see, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I don't know if I'm just subjecting my listeners to this annoying ringing sound, or if I'm really bothering <laughs> Jamie. I'm ca- I'm kind of getting used to it. Drop, it's growing on me. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting used to talking in between the rings. Like here it comes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, it it cut. All right, Skype gave up. All right, so I, I pushed it to the Skype limit, but that's as far as it'll go. So, all right, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we couldn't reach uh, Jamie. It doesn't surprise me, but look, uh, a lot of people have given me a hard time for posting all this info and for making these conclusions about Jamie and what if he's innocent. But look, he can come forward if he's innocent. If your sister or some other relative has scammed people out of millions of dollars and you are somehow connected to them beyond just being related to them, but actually to where you're website was designed by them and registered to them and you realize that you've got to come out and say hey please leave me out of this I have nothing to do with it thank you like he he doesn't need to come out and and give up where Jennifer is or give up information about Jennifer just come out explain it let us know he has nothing to do with it provide a little bit of proof about that like you know post some email that Jennifer wrote him you know last year saying okay your website's done or whatever like just something that's convincing that he has nothing to do with this. And at least, if I believe it, I, I probably back off here. But you can't just ignore it. and Because he could yeah. be involved. He could easily be involved with the same family. So, Druff, Druff, if you had a guess, would you would you think that Lock Poker is still going to be up and running in, in 2015? No, I think it's going to be gone. No, I, I, I have to agree. I just can't. It's just, it's kind of like the... The downfall is just continuing, and I don't, I don't see it. Uh, yeah, not only does just, it have no way back, but the, the the traffic is so low there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I where's the money going to come that, from? But, like, they I, eventually they're going to just realize. Like, it. I, I'm almost surprised they they're keeping it going right now. To be honest, yeah, I am too. I am too. And uh, it's like the the sooner they uh, the sooner they cut ties with and just shut it down the the sooner that people will forget about it in a couple of years, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it's really, uh, it just gets, they're just in worse and worse shape with every passing day. Uh, I, I think it'd be really interesting if someone like Shane, just like, he stops getting paid and he turns on them, but I don't see that because I think Shane com- <laughs> Shane committed so many crimes himself and all the lies and everything he told. Like, Shane has done so much himself, I don't see himself ever revealing the secrets of Lock Poker because... You know, he was guilty too. Because he's part of it. Yeah, he's he, part of it. He, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he he is lock poker. He's their only presence. Yeah, presence. You know, he always has been the only outlet for. I think um, that's also why the pros are keeping quiet. A lot of them because they had their priority cash outs. They had all the benefits they got, and I think they don't want to rat out what was going on and what they knew because they're afraid that it'll get back out about them. Or maybe what they knew has to do with them, like their priority cash outs, and they're going to look really bad. They're going to look greedy. Yeah, it, it almost makes me want to ask, like someone like Jared Hubbard, um, when he knew he was going to be let go. Yeah, because um, that would uh, that would uh, shed light on if uh, primordial AA is lying or not. Yeah. Well. Anyway, so that's the current story with Lock Poker. I'm sure, we'll have more in the future. Uh, moving on to our our next topic here. 
Lee Jones of Poker Stars has dropped some bad news. And uh, there's a lot of big topics this week. I can't believe this topic is, is coming in at this point of the show. But uh, Lee Jones of Poker Stars has confirmed that Poker Stars will return to the Barcelona Arts Hotel for the EPT Barcelona in 2014, despite the thefts and tampering and installation of spyware onto laptops at the Arts Hotel in 2013 and the subsequent security cover-up. This is a very, very serious situation. Imagine you take your laptop to the European Poker Tour. You leave it in your room, obviously, when you go out to play poker or whatever you do. And you come back and you find your laptop's missing. You go down to report it being missing. You come back and your laptop has returned somehow, as if it's walked back to the table and sat down there. And then you find that your laptop has been tampered with and stuff has been installed on there. And then you bring it to an expert and and they find that, uh, indeed, software has been installed to look at your whole cards. And when you try to complain to security, it's clear that they're trying to cover it up and tell you contradicting stories. And Star's security, Poker Star's security, who's supposed to be on your side, does nothing but hinder the entire investigation and lie to you. And try to cover up that the hotel is full of crap and that the hotel was probably in on it, that Stars is just trying to make this go away and, and tell you whatever you need to hear for you to drop it, but is trying to hinder the whole thing. So after all that, and after a terrible PR situation for Stars regarding this, and everybody, even the biggest Stars fanboys, admitting that they handled this terribly, imagine after all that, that and, and keep in mind the one thing that they would never address on Poker Stars is whether or not they would be returning to the Barcelona Arts in 2014. They just they wouldn't answer it. They would not even make a statement like we're evaluating it. They mentioned absolutely nothing about returning to the Barcelona Arts in 2014. It was just something they would not discuss in any way whatsoever until now. Now they have discussed it. And here, from Lee Jones himself, is what was said. As we watch the action at this table, Lee, just before we round up this edition of the lowdown, I do just want to ask you to recap something from the start of this session. Obviously, a lot of people coming in late or maybe misheard what you said. People saying, did PokerStars really confirm they're going back to the Arts Hotel? Yes, we did. So just reassure people, anyone who has concerns based on what happened in 2013, that things will be different in 2014. Sure. Look, the Hotel Arts is a... We've got an all-in and a call here. I'll get right right back. But that's Lee Jones speaking. You know, the, the, the announcer, I don't know who that is, but he's asking Lee Jones about, are you coming back to the arts in 2014? And uh, you will hear some interruptions here from the hand being played, because this is during the, uh, the PCA main event day five. So just bear with me with that stuff, but uh, listen to what Lee has to say about this. It's disgusting. Back to you. Fabio Freitas looks like he's the player at risk. He's the player who moved all in. Lee, don't try to deflect that question by having an all-in and a call at the secondary table. And he gets it in with kings, but... Whoops. Ace, three of hearts is looking mighty tasty on that flop. It's not not mighty tasty. He'd still rather have the kings, but... I'm a sicko. I'll take the ace three. (laughs) Okay, I'll take the kings and we'll we'll race. Daniel Gamas is the player with the ace three of hearts. And the river... 
Here's an ace. He gets him with the ace on the river. Fabio Freitas busts in 12. Too busy. Sweating the non-heart. Yeah. Forgot to eliminate the ace. So sorry for interrupting you there, Lee. Obviously, we have big action at the secondary feature table. But let's just talk about the notorious hotel arts. I mean, it is it is a four-star luxury hotel. It, it's been consistently, I mean, for the last ten seasons, you know, or nine seasons, if, if you will, it's been delivering an excellent service to our players. And we believe that last year was an aberration. We are working with them to improve the player experience. We have, we have had meetings with them about the security situation. What really matters is not what happens at the Hotel Arts last year, but what is going to happen at the Hotel Arts this coming year. What? Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. It doesn't matter what happened last year. It matters what will happen next year. That's an absolutely ridiculous statement. Uh, of course it matters what happened last year. First of all, last year was only a few months ago when, when this occurred. But uh, why does it not matter that your own players who trusted you and trusted the Arts Hotel, had their rooms broken into with the assistance of hotel security. It was proven that this was an inside job. It's not proven who in security helped with this, but it was definitely an inside job. They didn't uh, force their way into rooms. They didn't trick the maid to get in. They were reprogramming keys and getting in. This was definitely an inside job by security at Barcelona Arts. This wasn't the Barcelona Arts just not having good security. Their security was in on it. Their security let the thieves in to tamper with these laptops, probably because they were paid by the thieves who wanted to install the spyware on the, on the laptops of these high-stakes players. How could stars in good conscience return to this place when this happened? How can meetings with the Barcelona Arts make anyone feel better about returning there. How, how, how I mean, can... I don't understand. How can it not matter what happened last year? We, we <laughs> can't... I mean, the only barometer about how much you can trust them is last year. We, we can't see this year. We can't look into the future and see everything's going to be fine in 2014. But yeah, even if it the, is... And the only people that are going to bring their laptops are people that have not heard about this story, obviously. Yeah, and, 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 and also, why reward the arts with another chance after their security did this and after they never made it right for the victims. How, how is it just you forget about this and say, well, uh, we're going to worry about next year. So so what does Lee Jones say? So if uh, if someone's on trial for murder, do you say, well, <laughs> let him back out on the street. It doesn't matter if he killed someone last year as long as he doesn't kill anyone this year. Like, what the uh, hell? That's a terrible answer. That's so callous. And, and to say this uh, you know, to the victims who never got any kind of resolution... Unbelievable, and we're, we're given the runaround by both Star Security and the Barcelona Art Security, who was uh, the Barcelona Art Security was in on this. So let, let's hear more of what Lee has to say. In August of 2014, and we believe it's going to be a great experience. And finally, there are half a dozen really nice hotels within walking distance of the Casino Barcelona. If you don't want to stay at the Hotel Arts, you don't got to. Oh, that's that's very nice of you to say, Lee. So you're saying we're going to hold the PCA in a or not the PCA, we're going to hold the EPT Barcelona again in the hotel where their own staff broke in and stole laptops and tampered with laptops and put spyware on laptops of our own players but if you're not very happy about that um, you have no reason to complain but you can stay at another hotel walking distance and just walk over here, you can, you can walk yeah. over to the corrupt hotel and play here 
Yeah, and again, this is only going to protect the people that know of this story. Right, exactly. That, that uh, I don't think Stars is going to put out notices. Attention, uh, we don't suggest you stay at the Barcelona Arts because they break in your room and, and mess with your laptop. Uh, stay at one <laughs> did, of the other they, hotels. Did they say they were going to hand out flyers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were claiming they're going to hand out flyers about uh, better computer security. Well, that's what's so ridiculous <laughs> is that what, what's so ridiculous is that when Lee was talking about this before, he was saying that the way they're going to stop this problem in the future is by giving out flyers to people about how to secure their computers better and and explain to people how to uh, secure their laptops better instead of actually getting away from the hotel where their own staff enabled thieves to break in and steal from people they're going back to the same hotel and saying oh here's how to protect yourself from the thieves that we're going back to it's, it's crazy like, a, like how can he say this in good conscience thank you Lee two and a half minutes left on the level okay so I think that was it there but uh, I mean boy boy, was that uh, callous to say that and uh, really bad stuff and this has Lee been obvious. should have retired a long time ago. Yeah, this has been obvious the whole time. This has been obvious the whole time where this was going. Because I was looking at Star's behavior from the very second this began. From the very second that this was reported to the head of security at Stars, while everybody was still at the arts. And they were already interfering in the investigation. They were already playing dumb. They were already trying to blame the victim's roommate. They were already trying they were already very uh, uninterested in the details that could be implicating the security at the arts. They seemed to be pushing away from that as much as they could while the uh, the players were still there. They were encouraging the players to leave Barcelona and go back home, and Stars said they'll take care of this, and then in reality did nothing. They lied about having called the police, saying we've called the police, and then in reality they hadn't. I mean, how, how can you forget you didn't call the police? Uh, all these shady things they did. Uh, I thought about it and said, why would stars be doing this? This couldn't make them look good. This couldn't be good PR for them. This makes them look like they don't give a crap about their players. Why on earth would they be handling it this way? And I came up to one and only one possible conclusion, and that was that they planned to return to the arts in 2014. Maybe they have a contract with them. Maybe they make too much money from it and don't want to give it up. Maybe both. But I realized that they wanted to come back to the arts and that they had to find a way to do it to where it looked like the players were in the least amount of danger. And the only way that they could do this was by trying to minimize what happened, trying to cover it up, trying to make it look like security wasn't involved. And even when they realized security had to be involved, send the players home, tell them we'll take care of it, do everything possible to run interference on this investigation to where it gets muddled up and to where it's not clear what happened and to where it doesn't look like security was involved, which of course it does, and of course it was exposed anyway. But they, they've been trying the whole time to distance themselves, to distance Barcelona art security from these crimes, to try to point it toward the criminals who commissioned this in the first place, the Swedish criminals who did it. They've been more focusing upon that. They keep trying to say, forget about the uh, what allowed this to happen. We're trying to focus on the perpetrators. We're trying to focus on the, the, the Swedish criminals who are doing this. Well, great, but why aren't you focusing upon the hotel security that allowed it to happen, that, that were the accomplices? Why don't you care about the accomplices at the hotel where you're going to be 
going to next year and we're at last year. Like, how can you not care about that part? And the reason they don't care about that part is because they don't want to care. They want to return there, and if they admit that security at the arts is dirty, then they look terrible holding the event there again. So instead, they try to sweep this under the rug as much as they can, and then make this announcement that they're returning there, but they've had meetings with the arts, and everything will be fine this year. So what did they say at the meeting? What were these meetings about? Uh, Hey, arts... uh, you know, last year your security guys were bribed by those Swedish criminals to break into hotel rooms. Uh, could you not do that next year, please? Uh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do, we won't this year. This year we promise no hotel, no hotel room break-ins. Okay. I'm satisfied. Like, is that the way the conversation went? <laughs> I, I, it's crazy. It's, Stars is not stupid. They're a very smart company. They're a very well-run company. And they knew exactly what they were doing with this the whole time. The whole time, they were preparing to return to the arts and trying to cover this up as much as possible. And if you go back to the beginning of that thread on 2 Plus 2 about these break-ins, you will realize that. Now that you know the end of the story, go back to the beginning, and you will see the beginning of the story corresponds to the end. It's kind of like watching that movie The Sixth Sense, where you don't know what's going on. And I'm not going to spoil it for the few of you that haven't seen it. But you don't know what's going on until you get to the end And then the big reveal happens at the end And then you go back and watch the whole movie again And realize everything, how it connects to what is revealed at the end It's just like this The end has been revealed The end is that they're returning to the arts And they were always planning to And you'll go back to the beginning and see That every action they've taken Corresponds with that So, really, really bad And despicable on the part of stars And you know what this has proven? This has shed some light upon the fact that stars only cares about their bottom line. They don't give a shit about you. They don't give a shit about the security and safety of their players, only as much as it makes them look bad. And so many fanboys were putting them up on a pedestal for years and years and years, assuming, insisting that they were so great for poker, so responsible, so good, so moral, and at least this has shed some light upon stars of what they really are. That they may not be outright thieves like Full Tilt and AP, but they're very greedy and they don't give a crap about the security of their players and that they value profit over everything else. So, there you go. Uh, next topic here. Get to that here. Uh, let's talk about another high limit player being a scammer. Um, this is a player named Brandon Barnes. And uh, you know, before I get to this, someone wants to talk to us, and against my better judgment, I'm going to put them on. They haven't been on here in a little while. Uh-oh. I guess I can't add... I guess I have to add them to Skype. What a pain. There's someone with a Skype account, and they want me to add them to the conversation, so... Let me do that. Okay. You see who it is here. <laughs> so, uh, oh, God. Let, let's see if he answers. He told Something me he really, concerning he, me, probably. Huh? He, he, I don't know. He didn't tell me the subject. He just La- said, last time he said he was going to kill me, so. No. Okay, I, I can't get him on, but. Uh, just someone that's been death threatening. Okay, threatening I, I didn't know he's been threatening. Past. I didn't know that. Okay, well, that's probably why he wants to come on. Yeah, for sure. 
Now, everyone in the chat room figured it out. Yes, it's one step I'm trying to put on here. <laughs> and uh, it can't reach him for some reason. He can't reach me. I can't reach him. So that's the way it goes. Okay, so uh, let's get back to Brandon Barnes. Brandon yeah, Barnes. Yeah, uh, this is a, another person that just like, uh, in my opinion, just like a, a Who Jedi, like a really well-known if you play online poker. Um, I didn't know that much about him. How good was his reputation prior to this? Uh, oh, incredible! Like he's he's been around forever, it seems. And well, you know, so how always, old is he? Always in deals and stuff. And how old is he? Um, first of all, really young. Uh, let me because he's been around since '07, but I heard that he's been playing since he was 14 and just uh, using some account that showed he was 18. You know, back before he actually was, so he could play online. I see a picture of him. He looks very young. But, of course, you know, everybody looks very young to me now who's in that 20s age group because now I'm over 40. But, uh... Yeah, uh, really active on on the, the forums and stuff. Yeah, so like, he... I, I definitely knew who he was. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. So he's known as uh, Complete Donk and Matador CC, real name Brandon Barnes. The young player has apparently been playing since he was 14. Uh, his Pocket Fives profile, if you Google Complete Donk Brandon Barnes... Exactly as it sounds, you'll see it goes back to 2007. He's been playing at least seven years. Uh, apparently he scammed people, according to a thread on 2 Plus 2. But this actually goes beyond a typical poker player borrows money and doesn't pay it back sort of thing. Uh, he did something that, in my opinion, was very scummy and very premeditated. Uh, just keep in mind, a lot of times these scam stories go like this. Uh, some guy's playing on stars, bus now is broke, but doesn't want to admit it to anyone. Uh, is a did, did, Bar- did Barnes use chopsticks, right? He <laughs> did as well, too, right? <laughs> so typically they, they'll you know message someone that they see online and says, hey, send me 10K on stars, I'll give it back to you in a few days. The person does, and then of course they lose again and they don't have the money to give it, and then they disappear. That's the typical story, but that's not what happened here. In late December, he was soliciting trades from 2 plus 2 regulars that had been known to have made successful trades before on the forum. What I mean by trades is uh, on 2 plus 2 there's a marketplace there's it's a place where you can trade money for say like, you know, give me 10,000 black chip poker for uh, uh, 9,500 on stars and they make that trade. Like That's just an example. So of course, people have to trust each other, and after you've made a number of successful trades, you, you get a good reputation there of someone people can trust. And uh, sometimes they trade money for cash, sometimes they trade, uh, I would say money, I mean online money. Sometimes they trade online money for cash, sometimes online, online money for online money, whatever. Um, usually they have VIG on these trades when it's about you know, trading things that don't ha- are not considered to have equal value. Cash is considered the most valuable for obvious reasons. Uh, for example, lock poker money is considered not very valuable for obvious reasons. And uh, then like Poker Stars is considered the most valuable of online money because they've been around forever and they survived Black Friday and they're the most stable site, uh, even though they send you over to hotels which steal from you. Uh, and, and so like if you're trading with a, a medium trusted site for stars, usually you're going to give up a little bit of money. Or if you're trading any online money for cash, you're going to give some kind of money up if you're the one receiving the cash. So you'll get like uh, 9,500 cash instead of uh, for 10,000 of some online money. I'm just giving examples. So anyway, he found people that were known to make a lot of successful 
high dollar trades before. Not people he knew, not people he traded with before, but just people that he had seen on their making trades successfully for a lot of money. And sent them the following type of solicitation. Now, for example, on December 30th, he sent this message to a 2 plus 2 user named Mr. Tim Calm, wrote the following. Keep in mind, he had never communicated with Mr. Tim Calm before this, nor traded with him. Subject, swap. Hey, this is Complete Donk, a.k.a. the Matador CC. I have been looking for a Poker Stars or Full Tilt swap for wire or cash at the PCA or Aussie Millions, and have so far had no luck finding anyone. A friend mentioned you had a score and may be interested, and we have quite a few mutual friends. I am looking for anywhere for, from a few K to 10 or 15 K. 10K is probably optimal since Stars Bank at the PCA is 10K limit and can get it to you right away assuming you're going. So what he's saying is uh, at the PCA, uh, he can get 10K cash in exchange for Stars money from Stars itself and then just hand it to this guy. I have a ton of references and have been around for a long time with no problems, done a lot of swaps, sold action, and have seven figures in caches, etc. I will do zero VIG as I'd really like to get some funds online ASAP and play. Let me know. Thanks a lot, Brandon. So he, he's offering to this Mr. Tim Com guy, who's done a lot of big trades, but he doesn't know otherwise. He's offering to him, send me 10K on stars, and provided you're going to the PCA, which is in a few days, uh, I'll hand you 10K cash over there. So he's hoping Mr. Tim Com's going to say, oh, wow. I'll get 10k cash for 10k online. This is great. I don't have to worry about cash out hassles. Don't have to worry about taxes. I can just, you know, get cash for online money, and and it'll be as if this never happened. Except I have 10k in my pocket. No vig. I have to pay for it like I usually have to. Wow, what a deal. He was hoping Mr. Tim Com was going to think that and agree to this and ship him 10k. The problem was, complete donk had no intention of sending him back 10k. I mean, maybe he did if he took that 10k and ran it up big on stars, but otherwise, this was just a scam to get money. Now, Mr. Tim Com did not fall for it, but it turned out that Complete Donk, a.k.a. Brandon Barnes, sent similar messages to a lot of people soliciting these trades. Even on his Facebook. Yeah, even on his Facebook, apparently. He just went to as many as he could think of and asked for trades. Now, there's some talk on 2 Plus 2 that uh, Brandon has a drug problem, but even if it's true, it doesn't excuse it. Now, a guy named Rip AA on 2 Plus 2 has known him since he was 14. He wrote the following about Brandon Barnes. Have known him since he was 14 and would participate in chats and always thought he was a nice guy, albeit cocky. I haven't kept up with him at all besides investing in a package in 2012 that took a while to be paid in full, and that was kind of my own red flag. So he was saying as far back as 2012 that... uh, that uh, Brandon was already slow-paying him when uh, you know they did some kind of staking package. I knew nothing about drugs, as no one ever informed me that this was a situ- situation in his life. I knew he had a rough route during his teen years, with the loss of close family and nothing more besides that. I know barely little about the drug he was addicted to, but imagine the recovery will be the hardest thing he ever experiences. There are tons of people to be paid back by his wrongdoings, and I don't know he's going to go about that, as he seems to have issues with paying... Uh, with playing lower than he believes his skill level mandates. I hope he's able to either grind low and mid-stakes or find a job that will take on a non-high school graduate. Yeah, good luck. Uh, it's going to be a rough road ahead of him for him to clear his name and restore any integrity, as well as trying to keep clean in a world of enticing factors. 
He has the skill set to be a great poker player, but I'm not too sure it has the mental aspect, and that it won't eat him alive knowing the composure he usually lacks. And then uh, Barnes apparently also asked Rip AA on December 24th, uh, do you know NE1 selling stars for wire? So that seemed to be the keeps asking anyone selling stars in exchange for a wire. And of course the wire was never going to come. So he used his reputation to try to get as many wires and stars transfers as he could. Or not wires, as many stars transfers as he could in exchange for these phony wires. It's kind of like a scam I knew would happen on eBay sometimes. Where uh, somebody would accumulate a really good reputation selling legitimate goods and have like a reputation of a 100% positive feedback for 600 transactions and then one day would just scam everyone and that was the plan the whole way to build up a good reputation there and then take a whole lot of orders like make prices really low in your eBay store take a ton of orders get payments, stall everyone, and like just steal 100000 or $200,000 and run off. Like, like That was a common scam on eBay. So that's kind of what he did here, where he used his good reputation to just simultaneously scam and attempt to scam a lot of people. And uh, so this was uh, sent to me uh, from uh, about uh, his Facebook. Um says, uh, this is from, uh, well, I won't say name him, but someone 21 minutes ago from when this was sent to me, I think today sometime. Uh, Brandon, get a hold of me. Let's figure out a flight back to Michigan. Love you, brother. And then someone says, ditto to this. Please tell me someone is in touch with him. Someone else says, his phone is shut off. I'm worried about him. If he doesn't get back to me, I will go to Vancouver myself. I guess where he lives right now. Another person saying, I know I've been trying to. My Facebook message to him earlier today is still unread. He did read one yesterday, though. So, it's possible. I mean, he's totally off the grid now. He won't talk to anyone, even people in his family. So, people are worried that maybe he he had an overdose or or something bad happened to him. And that the scamming of people was the final act before... The end, but who knows? I I just think uh, he's hiding out. I, yeah, I mean, if he read a message yesterday, that's kind of yeah too too soon to panic. Yeah, I think he's just hiding out. Uh, it does say on his Facebook page he's originally from Dearborn Heights, Michigan, which is why someone's saying to figure out a flight back to Michigan. That someone's trying to get him to come back so they can try to uh, help him out. Uh, he lives in Vancouver, presumably, so he can keep playing poker. Says he went to Annapolis High School class of 2011, which makes him only 19, probably. 19 or 20 uh, So Interesting So I've been playing for 7 years Despite being like 19 or 20 Wow That means he was playing even, what, Like 12 or 13 Amazing <laughs> Wow So uh, no, I could, no sorry It would be 20 or 21 19, 19 or 20 Yeah he's, pro- he's probably uh, 20 now So he's been playing since he was like 13 Pretty amazing uh, so, this is a problem. I mean, uh, a lot of young kids, and I think you can even attest this, I know you started very young, they, they, yeah. they lack the maturity to handle a professional poker lifestyle. Would you say that? I mean, you started very early. I know you, you Every, should... Everybody knows that how immature I was. Uh, I mean, I I was in the poker world, but I I was horrible at poker, so... 
Well, it's not just took about me, being. It took me a while, but it's not just about being horrible, though. It's that you can be a good player and just not have the maturity to deal with the lifestyle associated with professional poker and with uh, bankroll management and, and everything else, and, and even about hundred percent, hundred percent agree. You, even about you, not, you make very immature and dumb decisions. Yeah, and even about not scamming people and all that. Now, I can't even. I I I like to think that if I had started at a very young age, that uh, I could have handled it uh, just because of my personality, but maybe not. I didn't get started in poker till I was almost 29. So for me, it was a different story. I don't have the uh, experience of, uh, of even playing poker at all until I was deep into adulthood. So I can't even comment on that. But I know a lot of, a lot of young players. There's a lot yeah, of really... it's, 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 it's a thing where most of us that were teenagers at the time had to find investors and stuff. Because we weren't able to deposit ourselves, you know? Yeah, that's another thing I never had to deal with, and that's a, you know, and I've thought about that before too. Is I had an advantage in that I, I had a good job for a number of years, and, and I was established when I started playing poker. So even though I started playing at low limits and kind of only moved up as I was winning, I was never in a panic that that I was playing with my entire bankroll because I, I always knew if I went on a bad streak that I had the money that I had before I started playing poker as a backup. Uh, right. where, whereas if I was 18 years old, I wouldn't have had that money. If a I, lot of us uh, just um, accumulated and sold play chips, too, which <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised. No, you know? I know. I mean, I, I mean, even Annette 15, she she won a free roll to start her bankroll. Yeah, so. well, and we talked about Tommy Boy last week, and Tommy Boy, uh, he started with 50 bucks. He put 50 bucks on Doyle's room and ran it up from there. So there's a lot of people who, who began from nothing. And, and ran it way up, and uh, uh, but yeah, starting at that age, like thirteen. I mean, imagine that. I mean, I, I know if I was a thirteen-year-old, no matter how good I was, <laughs> I, 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 there's no way I would have been able to handle it. I would have had a real hard time with that. You, you just, I mean, no thirteen-year-old is going to lack, going to have the maturity to be a professional poker player. It's just a, it's yeah, I, I would run up just a couple of dollars from selling play chips into thousands of dollars, and then, and then just sit with the whole roll after. I I even had like t- tilt issues back when I was that young. Yeah. So, and uh, so, I I don't think he's coming back from this. I don't think he's dead right now. But I, I don't think he's coming back from this. As someone said, what what's a high school dropout gonna do? And so his only chance is to keep playing poker. But uh, then he's got to find someone to stake him. Then he's got to he's gonna have people on his ass to pay them back. And who knows how much money he scammed, uh, and how much he owes right now. Isn't that you? You have to imagine he messaged like every single po- poker-related person on his Facebook. That's what I think. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. He did because because you look at how many people chimed in on that thread. It's just like every other page. Yeah. So so I mean, he he could have stolen a very large sum of money, and to to get anyone to even trust him to stake him again is going to be tough. And, and even if he does, uh, and, and you know, people aren't going to want to stake someone who's a drug addict. So if he is on drugs or whatever. Then he's going to have to get clean there. Then he's got to prove he's clean. Then he's got to prove he can be trusted. And then he's going to have to, you know, ha- have a payment schedule to people, which is very hard for these players because they they hate feeling like they're playing for nothing when it isn't really for nothing, but to them it is because they don't get to keep the money. So I, I think uh, either he's just going to disappear or he'll just be like a Chino Ream who just perpetually owes people money and promises he'll pay. So uh, bad situation with that, but you just. I think the takeaway from all this is that when someone approaches you to send them money in exchange for a wire, 
unless you really, really, really know them well, and I say really know them well, you shouldn't do it because it, it, it you have to wonder why they need it. And they always say, oh, I just busted my role on stars. I, you know, it's an easy way to deposit. But you, you've got to try to f- think about here. Is this really true? Is there any chance I'm being rolled here? And um, sometimes you can do it just by saying, hey, look, you know, I trust you, but there's been so many people who are trusted to do things. You know, can you show me your bank account right now? Like, and if they start getting mad yeah. and defensive, then don't. Because, or, or just if you don't want to get into this whole confrontation, just just say, tell them I can't or right. I don't ever send anyone and money. Or... Also, if it's like just out of the blue, too. Like I had someone that I did transfers with uh, many times for a couple hundred dollars to a couple thousand dollars. And then a lot of time went by, and then just out of the blue one day, um, a guy named Jackstrap uh, asked me for 3K on lock before lock was scummy. And I didn't do it because it just felt sketchy. And it turned out he scammed a whole bunch of people over the course of that next week on 2 Plus 2 and, and got banned and everything. So Yeah, and, and I'll say that uh, I actually have – I shouldn't say fallen victim because I, I somehow – got out of being scammed in all these cases, but I had people who, who were scamming people in this way, who I knew in the past, nothing that recent, but who actually asked me for money, and I gave it to them, thinking, again, oh, they've been around for a long time, they're not scamming anyone, and they, then they actually paid me back. I actually got <laughs> paid by, believe it or not, I got paid by Chino. Chino actually t- got uh, did a stars trade from me. Before I knew about him, I just knew of him, and, and I knew that he was uh, had just... You know, made the final table of the World Series, so I'm thinking, how much risk could this be? And right. I, I was an idiot. I gave him $8,000, which he promised to give me in cash, and then, like, a day or two later, I, I found out that that was a very bad move, and I actually got him to send me the money. I, he sent it back on stars. It wasn't the cash I was promised, but believe me, I was thrilled to get it. I wasn't going to nitpick at that point. But I found that a lot of these people didn't scam me because they knew that I was going to be the guy just, like, making a huge deal over this. Like, they... they they figured like they've got to pay me back first, and I think that's why I didn't get ripped <laughs> off. I'm serious. Like I, just, I had uh, there was this guy with Spider. Most people don't remember him, but he was around like ten years ago. He's a good friend and never wins. Uh, he had a big drug problem, and I had no idea that he owed people money or anything. So I gave him like five thousand dollars to play on Paradise, I think it was, and uh, he actually paid me back as his last thing before just running off to Chicago and hiding, and never returned. So, so I, like his last act was to pay me because he he figured he wanted to keep his last shot at getting loans from anyone because he was afraid if he didn't pay me that I would make it public and then no one would loan him anything. So he figured that yeah yeah don't scam someone that runs a site called Poker Fraud Alert. Yeah. That's uh... <laughs> so so I've gotten lucky in that way in that I had a reputation of of someone who's who's not going to put up with this and that uh, people want to pay me back first. But I, even I've fallen victim to the trap of oh this person. It's been around forever. I've never heard them scamming anyone. They seem to always be in high limit action, and here's money. And then you know, I'm like, oh shit! Like, like I've had to realize it a few times. Uh, one of the few people who got away with scamming me, though, and one I'll never get the money back from, was a guy who played on Stars named The uh, Beast Two Three Three Seven. His name is Scott Dove. Uh, he's dead. He died of a drug overdose. So uh, wow. uh, he only owed me five hundred dollars. Thankfully, he, he, I gave him fifteen hundred. I had I'd made a few trades with him prior to that, and they were, he always paid me back very quickly. So I was sure it was fine. And then uh, then he wasn't paying me, and I kept hassling him, and he paid me like five hundred, and then months later another five hundred, and then I found out he was dead. So 
uh, wasn't going to get back the other 500. But uh, anyway, just don't, try not to loan people money from poker or do trades unless you totally know that they're good for it. I mean, totally, totally know. Not just someone you think has been around or you think is good or you think is winning. You have to know that they really would absolutely never do it. Well, let's go to a little bit of a different type of topic here. Uh, a lobbyist has taken to Twitter recently. This is not anyone that uh, is part of the poker community. Oh, look at this. I just see a post. Uh... That's funny. I'll have to read the... <laughs> the the engineer of the PPA responded to my post on Poker Fraud Alert here. He must he must really browse this site a lot because I, I didn't promote this post at all and it's in the uh, lesser used part of the forum. But the engineer is right there to respond, so he must he must read this site a lot. But anyway, uh, a woman named Sherry Jacobus, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She looks like she's in her 40s. She's a lobbyist. She typically works for the Republicans. I'm ashamed to admit that because I'm a Republican, as I've said before. But I, I don't agree with everything the Republicans do. And, uh, and and by the way, the anti-online poker stance is not just a Republican thing. It's it kind of bridges across both parties. There's people on the Republican side who are for the legalization of online poker. And there's people on the Democratic side who are against it. I will say that more Republicans are against it than Democrats, but uh, it really does reach across both aisles on both sides of this argument. Uh, For example, Newt Gingrich, by the way, was one of the original supporters of online poker legalization. So that just shows you. But anyway, she was typically a Republican lobbyist, but uh, she'll work for whoever hires her. Just she kind of specializes in Republican lobbying. She was hired by an unknown party, maybe Sheldon Adelson, to discredit the currently legalized online poker rooms and legalized online poker in general. So someone hired her to really influence the political process of legalized online poker, which, as you've seen, has been gaining traction in the last year or so. Uh, We have legalized poker now in New Jersey, in Nevada, Delaware, even though there's really no rooms, uh, Washington, D.C., really with no rooms, but uh, as you see, it's it's starting to come up in places, and if it ever gets going in California, that'll be really huge, given that they have... Yeah, a, that's 38 million people there. That's game over yeah. for all the other states. Yeah, so... I mean, De- I mean Delaware has like a... Has like a they're like running a, a lock poker uh, traffic. <laughs> they got lock poker traffic right now, like 40 people. Yeah, yeah, they actually have a room, but yeah, it's pretty much not a factor at all. But, but uh, so there are some forces that are trying to get in the way of this, and, and the ultimate prize will be federal legalization of online poker. And that's that's some ways away. But uh, Sheldon Adelson will, has said he'll spend whatever it takes to fight the legalization of online poker. I don't think because of business interests. I think he just hates it. I think he's just very anti-online gaming. It's just something he, he feels passionately about. Uh, she, he may have hired her. If he didn't, somebody who thinks like him has hired her. But someone has hired her. She's not doing this on her own. And she started the attack on online poker with some tweets. Here are some things she tweeted today. PPA, referring to the Poker Players Alliance, uh, was offered a demo and briefing, same as the FBI got, and open open to press and live stream to PPA members plus a Q&A, question and answer session. They refused. 
It's almost as if PPA wants to protect online poker cheaters among us rather than honest players. What about innocent first-timers? PPA refused the demonstration, then insisted we break the law, tape ourselves, and present it to them as proof that the FBI letters are correct. Now, what she's referring to here is her claim that you can cheat and money launder very easily on the existing legalized online poker rooms. She's saying that uh, the FBI put out a, uh, a memo about this. Now, I read what she put out that the FBI put, and that was from 2009, way before Black Friday. So that's, a, you know, that's not really relevant to today's legal online rooms, which weren't even a, a thought back then in 2009. But putting that aside... Uh, she's saying that the FBI is verifying that there is no real protection. There's no... Uh, the, the current online sites have offered no proof that they can protect you from cheating or money laundering. That this can easily go on in online poker. That her group offered to demonstrate this to the PPA. That they did demonstrate this to the FBI and that they were going to live stream it for the PPA to watch as they're doing it and then have Please a Q- do. and then that have a Q&A session. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought if, if if someone wanted me to see this, it's sure show me. Now I have a feeling it wasn't going to be anything that exciting. It would probably be just like me, okay, well, look, I can sit in seat 1 and I could be on the phone with my friend in, in seat 3 and and I could tell them I'm holding this and I'm going to raise this and you're going to raise that and then and, and watch. Right, oh, look, yeah. we just forced them out of the hand with collusion. Well, great. You know that's that's been known in poker. Yeah. Poker's a- anyone been. referencing some memo from 2009 it just makes me yeah. Sick. So was, I mean, they have no idea, no clue. Like and, and just, as far as, just, as as far as money laundering, yes. Uh, you know, if somebody wants to launder money, like uh, let's say let's give a very simple example. Uh, I buy uh, drugs from from someone uh, down the street. Ten thousand. Okay, from you, from you, Ryland. I buy <laughs> I buy ten thousand dollars of, of of cocaine from Ryland, and, uh, and but I don't want to. Uh, but Ryland says, "Look, I, I've got to show I got this money in some way legally. I can't just come up with ten thousand dollars cash." So I go, "Oh, Ryland, how about this? How about we go on to uh, wsop.com?" And we'll play heads up, and we'll be on the phone, and I'll explain. I'll get, I'll tell you my hands, and when I flop top pair, and you flop a set, we'll both go all in, and and uh, you'll beat me for sure, and and then uh, we'll do this a few times, and, and you'll get ten thousand dollars this way. Then you can cash well, it out. You want to you want to play limit hold'em, Todd? Let's go. <laughs> and I'll say, uh, you know, we we can. Uh, then you can cash out, Ryland. You'll have my ten thousand dollars, and I'll have my cocaine, and and you can legally declare the ten. Th- <laughs> you can legally declare the ten thousand dollars as if you want it, and and so that's what I, I haven't seen their briefing to the FBI, but I, I presume this is what Sherry Jacobus and her group are are trying to show the PPA, and they showed the FBI, and and they said that the PPA refused the demonstration. And so, while I don't think they were going to show anything groundbreaking, you know, it's very standard stuff like what I just described uh, of chip dumping and collusion. Uh, shouldn't the PPA want to see what the other side is going to use for ammunition against online poker being legalized? Shouldn't they want to see what the other side is going to present? And and so, what about the existing sites? A lot of people are saying, well, the existing sites would never let this happen. They'll catch collusion. They'll catch this type of chip dumping. I say they probably won't. Uh, Ryland just explained his situation today with uh, 
the lost wire where they wire he wires money to WSOP.com. Yeah. They receive it. They give him the money, and then they then they uh, tell him they're sending him to collections. I mean, I, I had my situation. Did. Yeah, I had my situation with WSOP.com where it took an eternity to get status matched properly and a bunch of LOL emails back and forth. Uh, I. Ultimate Poker can't fix their button bug, the simplest thing in the world to fix. They can't fix it after months. I mean, this is who is running the show here, and I don't believe that companies that are struggling with these simple tasks, like deposits, like getting the button properly assigned to the right player, I don't think sites that are struggling in these simple areas that a lot of sites got correct in the year 2001, I don't think those sites today are ready to deal with more complex issues like catching collusion and especially chip dumping on their own unless players reported to them. And uh, I think that if they bring this up to the powers that be as far as uh, the ones that would be in charge of legalizing online poker in the various states and maybe eventually federally, I, I think this is something that could be a very powerful argument against is that this can easily be done and and this is what will happen. They'll say, look, this can be done. Here's how. The sites will be asked, how are you fighting this? Well, uh, uh, we we have a security team in place to to look for these things. Yeah, but what what have you caught? Uh, What is your exact process? Uh... When people cash out, we look if they won the money legitimately. Yeah, but what is your exact process? Uh, uh, we, we're just good at being able to tell collusion. Like they're going to sound like idiots because they don't have a process. Because because there, there's so many different little departments and all these online sites. There there's so much incompetence. There's a lot of the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing sort of situation with these existing sites. There's too much on their plate, and I have a feeling these things, especially the chip dumping, which could be used to money launder. Uh, can occur very easily. I'm sure an opponent of theirs can easily do uh, this with the money laundering, show an example of it, record it, get it done, get it cashed out properly, and then make online poker look terrible. And I'm afraid that if the PPA and if the existing sites don't take this seriously, they don't take people like Sherry Jacobus seriously, and they just think she's an idiot who's, who's telling them things they already know, uh, they're going to end up with egg on their face when it comes to future legalization efforts. Now, here is a response on Poker Fraud Alert from the engineer, the PPA vice president, who's been on the show once. Uh, he said, she didn't want to stream an event. She obviously doesn't need PPA's permission to do that, and obviously we'd watch it, which I told her. So he's, he's saying she's full of shit, which is popular, possible. I'm not saying that uh, she's necessarily telling the truth. Rather, she wanted PPA to host it, publicize it, and stream it. When I said that it had to be on a U.S. regulated site, she replied that though it's a demonstration of collusion and money laundering, it has to be on a free money site like Yahoo. Well, I mean, if this is <laughs> if, if, if this if this is true, I have to say I'm on the PPA side on this one. I mean, uh, yeah, let me show money laundering on uh, Play Money Yahoo. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's. Uh, you I, ever I, play that draw? <laughs> I mean, that's. Uh, <laughs> 
that, that, I that, did way back in the day. I remember. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's crazy. So uh, he says essentially they want PPA to help publicize and legitimize their effort, and they are not seeking to improve the game or its security. Rather, they say flat out they have irrefutable proof that online poker cannot be offered safely, and that it must be banned by Congress. Okay, look, uh, if she really wanted to demonstrate this on a play money site. Uh, that's ridiculous because uh, you know nobody cares about chip dumping on play money sites. That's not even against the law, so uh, that that's ridiculous to show it can be done, and, uh, and and collusion too. I mean, I know what what she's trying to say of look, this could be applied to real money too, but but no, it can't. You know, if if it can be done, show how it can be done on existing U.S. regulated sites. The the, the engineer raises a good point there, and as you guys know, I I often don't agree with him, and I I often don't like the PPAs actions on this. I do think that they really need to focus very, very closely upon people like her and what their arguments are going to be. And while it may be laughable that she wants to uh, do this on on a Play Money Yahoo site, <laughs> uh, the, the people she brings this to, the lawmakers she brings this to, are not going to be laughing so hard when, when words like uh, cheating and money laundering are brought up, and, and when she claims the existing sites don't have a real way to combat it. The re- existing sites need to come up with a very, very specific security plan, such as when they are asked, how do you stop money laundering, they respond, uh, if anybody ever asks for a cash out over this amount, then we review their, their play. If their play occurred at you know, mostly heads up, then we review all their opponents and review all the hands to make sure there was not chip dumping. If they lost a whole lot to one player, even if it was in a ring game, then we investigate all the players before we release the money. Like like some kind of like very specific pointed plan that will impress the lawmakers that they really have a handle on it. But I have a feeling they don't have a handle on anything. I can't yeah, say Rich, for sure. Rich Mooney is listening, by the way. He just hit me up on Skype. Oh, so. okay. Well, all right. Well, so uh, Rich Mooney should be should be happy then that I'm actually uh, for once agreeing with him. I'm actually saying. Yeah, that, uh, he, he mentioned that too. He said it's not too bad for once. <laughs> I, I have to, I have to say that that she's being ridiculous here. I have, if, you know, if I was if I was running the PPA here, I was the vice president, like Rich Mooney is, and 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 this woman came to me and and said that. She wants me to publicize this the stupid event on Yahoo and prove how terrible online poker is. I, yeah. I'd also say forget it. Jeff, I can't I can't even not laugh whenever you say Yahoo play money. <laughs> 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 so I mean, some of these lobbyists are, are ridiculous, and you have to understand uh, these lobbyists are pretty much like salesmen. Uh, they they say whatever they need to say in order to sell their point. Instead of selling merchandise, they're selling a point, and you have to watch out for them because they will. Uh, that's why I'm not doubting Rich Muni's story at all, because uh, this is typically this is typical of, of lobbyists and out of their playbook, where you're saying you know, the PPA doesn't want to watch our demo of cheating, and they're refusing to watch, and then it turns out that they want the PPA to to promote it and and show how terrible online poker is because you can cheat on Yahoo. So, I mean, that, that's that's pretty ridiculous. I'm glad I got that clarification uh, before I went too far criticizing the PPA here. And and as but I did before I read the second part. I didn't read that until I read it to all of you because he posted it during the show. He just posted it 40 minutes ago. But uh I, I did say she could be full of crap or twisting the story. I wrote that in my post today at 12:17 p.m. Just to, just to show I'm not backtracking because of what he posted. Anyway, uh so we have to watch out, though. The lobbyists are at it, and they're going to try to prevent online poker from being legalized. And, and that, you know, it has to be. The, 
you look at Lock Poker, all the time I spent on this show talking about Lock Poker and everything they've done. This is this was enabled because online poker is not legalized and not regulated. We have it legalized and regulated. This can't happen anymore. Uh, now, will there be plenty of fail? Yes. Look at WSOP.com. Uh, tons of fail. Look at uh, Ultimate Poker. Tons of fail. Uh, there's tons of incompetence and stupidity, but at least you know they're not going to steal from you. Uh, Ryland, you'll eventually get your wire money back. You know, you're eventually going to get this solved. It's going to be a huge headache for you. And oh, yeah. it's a, and and, uh, and it's a joke. But uh, and by the way, WSOP.com never made right my, uh, my my poker points on there that I was supposed to have gotten at the seven star level instead of the the bottom level. But I mean, your problem is much yeah, worse. Yeah, than- it's it's really sad because uh, these people in Nevada really don't have any control over it either because they've outsourced everything to the offshore company that, oh, yeah. that runs the. So yeah, I mean, I mean we we made that call to them. I had that prank call where. Uh, where Colonel Fabersham called up and talked to you know the guy in uh, where was he uh, Aruba or something or Antigua I think it was Antigua and, and played the whole song of Henry the Eighth and the guy stayed on the phone the whole time I mean it was, <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you know it's it's really sad but even if even if they just had you and I as support on like two plus two we could we could do a very good job just that, you and yeah I. I don't get it that's what I don't get I, this is what I don't understand is that there are people that know the industry very well, that, that they could put as not the support reps who answer the phone, but, but like head of support or assistant head of support who could take the fail situations, the, the, the stupid situations that occur, and, and quickly take over and solve them very quickly and communicate well and say, hey, I'm a, I was a former player, I, I am a player like you. I, I understand. Let me help you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure this is right. Like, I, I if they appointed me as the head of customer service there, or as the assistant poker room manager with a visibility into customer service, I could clean up the whole thing so fast. Even if we still had those third world people people answering the phone there, I mean, I, I could clean that up so fast. But but for some reason they don't want to hire anyone like that. They they don't want to empower anyone like that. I just don't get it. I I tried to offer the same thing to Ultimate Poker, and and then they all they were interested in. What was uh, the fact that I was a programmer? I said, "Oh, good. We need a programmer." I go, "No, I'm not offering to be a programmer. I, I'm offering to, to like you know, correct all the fail here." And the funny thing was, I talked to a guy at Ultimate Poker who seemed to know what was going on. A, a guy who seemed to have some intelligence, uh, and, but but for some reason, just getting it implemented just seems to elude them. And uh, yeah, and you see the results now. They're a total ghost town. It's yeah. really in Nevada. You know, it's really yeah. It's so really I, I, and I, I even visited the. Uh, the headquarters there, and Matt Scotty, P Star Scotty, and all those guys. Yeah, I don't get, I don't and, get why they uh, can't make it happen. It just seems you know, like. And, and, and I mean, I went in there, and you know what Terrence Chan was doing? He was in the gym. <laughs> the, the ultimate poker office has a gym connected to well, it. Well, at least at least Terrence going to become a better fighter there, uh, thanks to Ultimate Poker. So, uh, you know, I, I don't get it. I I just don't get it. Uh, why they can't just make some of these things happen. And I know these are regulated sites. I know changing the software, they can't just go change it at will. They have to get regulatory approval. And I, I, I know it's a lot tougher than running an offshore site, but there's a lot of things that are inexcusable that they can easily correct, especially from totally a customer agree. service standpoint, and don't. And I, I just can't figure it out. And, and WSOP.com is, is even worse than Ultimate Poker with this stuff. So uh, yeah. I, I don't have any faith in these current sites to police cheating or, or uh, chip dumping, unless it's brought to their attention by players, unless the players want For to sure. act as, as a security, as, as pretty much we've always been. So, all right, so, quick note about something else. 
don't have much information on this, but uh, I had mentioned before about Cantor Gaming, and uh, there was a, a big bust. You guys, I, I've talked a lot about the bust that happened on the East Coast, the the, the trencher ring involving uh, Bill Edler and uh, Peter Norberg Feldman and and Justin Boosted J Smith and all that. This is a different bust. This is more of a a West Coast bust, even though it also did include some East Coast people. But it, w- it was basically a, a sports betting ring. Pe- uh, poker players were basically taking sports bets uh, in the poker rooms, especially on the East Coast where you can't do sports betting, and it, but but also in Las Vegas, taking a lot of sports bets pretty much as bookies and then passing it on to Cantor Gaming, as, as someone who worked at Cantor Gaming who, who placed the bets on Pinnacle. Uh, there was a bust involving this a number of months ago. And uh, Cantor Gaming has just agreed, according to a tweet from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, they've agreed to pay out $5.5 million to settle these allegations. I I think it's a fine they're paying. I don't think they're paying it to any uh, victims. uh, To settle the allegations of uh, the illegal sports betting. So uh, I don't know what's happened to the people who were charged. There was even a 42-year-old children's photographer who was charged, a female. It was very weird. Like, uh, she was a bookie for this, this, this ring operating through a Cantor Gaming. And uh, talk about an unlikely person. I mean, the poker players, I understand, running these rings, but uh, a 42-year-old female children's photographer was doing it, too. So, I, I haven't heard what's happened to all of them. One of the people who was busted, there were some people in Vegas who were busted, uh, including uh, Paul Sexton, including... Uh, a guy named Steve Diano, who's been seen around in uh, Las Vegas poker rooms. Uh, someone who was busted that I knew was the husband of Q Duong. He, this is uh, they were based out of Atlantic City, but she played on Poker Stars as I Get Paid, E Y E Get Paid, and she finished third to me when I won my bracelet in 2005. And her husband, who was apparently a big degenerate himself, uh, was involved in that ring. But uh, Cantor Gaming itself has paid out $5.5 million to settle that. Resorts World Casino in New York City has laid off 175 employees after a pay raise that was negotiated by the union. And it sounds like, at first glance, that the casino was pretty dirty, but I'm not sure about that. Let me uh, tell you the story here. Now, I want to disclaim this, that despite my pro-union stance in the Jay Noonan situation, I'm generally not pro-union with anything. I think unions served a very useful purpose back in the, in the early part of the 20th century, when uh, working conditions were horrendous. But uh, I, I think that unions now have swung it too far the other way, where they are abusing the employers. And where uh, employee, you know, low-skilled employees are getting overpaid, and you say, "Well, what's wrong with people getting overpaid?" Well, the problem is uh, the business suffers, and the business uh, sometimes can't stay afloat if they're paying everyone too much. I mean, it'd be great if we could all make a million dollars a year, but uh, then the places would go out of business. So, uh, I've always felt that uh, unions not only uh, seem to bully their employers, but they also don't even seem to be so much about employees' rights, they seem to be more about favoring the long-time employees, the ones with seniority, and screwing everybody else, including the employees without much seniority. So what you end up having, what you end up having are terrible employees who've been there for 30 years, 
who know they can never get fired and, and just not trying at all at work and uh, all the other employees getting laid off so the terrible employees who've been there for 30 years can get all their benefits and everything. So uh, I'm just, uh, I mean, this is simplifying it, but I'm just generally anti-labor union. And uh, I'm not every anti-everything they do, but in general I'm anti-labor union. I'm just going to throw that out there before I tell you this story. Uh, let me see what the chat, I bet the chat room is angry about that. Some of them are. <laughs> no, actually, they're not. I, I, I thought it'd be getting some people in the chat room. They're just talking about Justin Bieber. Yeah, they, they're talking about Justin Bieber. Okay, so I'm glad I'm not watching the chat room. It's a, so okay. Anyway, <laughs> here, here's the here's the story. Uh, this is written. Uh, this is a, sun, a story from Sunday, January 12th, two days ago. Around 175 employees at Resorts World Casino in New York City have been laid off. The firings come just three months after a union representing the employees negotiated a big pay raise. The casino is owned by a Malaysian conglomerate known as the Genting Group. By the way, they're the ones that are um, suing Phil Ivey. Or or Phil Ivey, they won't pay Phil Ivey, the one he's suing. By the way, Phil Ivey's right in the situation. Uh, A spokesman from the group says the firings are not due to the pay increase given to the employees, but rather because the buffet simply had stopped being uh, being a profitable part of the business. Here's a quote from the spokesman of the Resort World Casino. If we allowed it to remain open, it would have ultimately had a negative impact. If if that's consistently losing money, then it becomes a drain on other parts of the business, and then it becomes harder to sustain a business that you certainly want and the community wants to survive. The buffet was one of several restaurants at the casino. While Genting says they needed to close the buffet because it was draining money from the rest of the business, union representatives and a number of politicians are criticizing the group's decision. They note the casino made $696.5 million in revenues last year and is the nation's highest-grossing slot parlor. They believe the business easily could have afforded to keep the buffet open, thereby keeping the 175 laid-off workers employed. Uh, So... uh, and then here's a quote from one of the uh, employees. Everything is done, said Mariano Cano, 45, a former server at the buffet. They just threw us out like dogs. They just gave us a couple dollars <laughs> to shut up, and that's it. Well, That's a nice statement. Well, okay. Here's my problem with this whole thing from, from the worker's standpoint. So, okay, I don't blame them for negotiating a pay raise, though they have to understand when you negotiate a pay raise that you are taking the risk that the pay raise is going to sink the business to some degree. That that your pay raise is going to make the business suffer to where people are going to get laid off. To even if the place doesn't go out of business, that they won't be able to keep that many employees and stay profitable. And that's what you're always risking when you pressure your employer to give a universal pay raise. I'm not talking about non-union employees. You know, your boss calls you in at the end of the year for your performance review, and you say, hey, boss... Uh, can you give me a 3% raise? And your boss says, Duh, okay, you did a pretty good job. He's 3%. Like, you don't have to feel guilty about that. You don't have to worry about the company going under. But unions are negotiating these raises for large numbers of people, for sometimes the entire workforce. And that can have a major impact on the company's bottom line. So what the Resorts World Casino is saying here is that the buffet was profitable before but now that the raise... Well, they're not even saying this, but I'm, I'm, gaining, I'm getting this from what they're saying. They're claiming that it's not because of the raises, but the buffet is just not profitable anymore. I think what they're trying to say, without looking bad, 
is that the buffet was probably just barely profitable before, and now that the pay raises came through, now that they had to give 175 people raises, now the buffet went from barely profitable to a money loser. And they realized, crap, because of these pay raises, the buffet will absolutely never make money. There's no way to make it make money. If we raise the prices, not enough people will come in. If we leave the prices the same, it'll keep losing money. We're, we're stuck. The buffet now cannot make money anymore with the wages we have to pay people because we have 175 workers there and it can't support itself. So Resorts World says, well, we have no choice. We either have to close the buffet and just let everybody go who's working there uh, or, or just let us stay here and lose money. We can't just let us stay here and lose money. It's, it's not fair to ourselves. Uh, so they closed it and they had to fire everybody, but... They did say that the now jobless workers will be given priority when applying for any open positions at the casino. So, I don't know if that's true or not. That could just be a PR thing they're saying. But look, I see how it happened. The the union pushed for the highest pay possible for everybody, and then this made certain departments unprofitable. And they realized there's no way to keep that buffet open. And, you know, I don't like the statement they made so much money they could have afforded to keep the buffet open. I don't think that's right. I, I don't think you can say your business makes so much you can afford to keep one part open that loses money. No, you can't. I mean, uh, no business should ever be forced to keep open a department that loses money. Unless it's an essential department. Like you can say, um, we, we can't keep our customer service department open because it loses money. Well, well. Yeah, it may not directly make money, but it has to support the part of the business that makes money. The buffet is is a separate entity. It doesn't have to be there. The buffet doesn't support anything. The buffet should only be there if it's profitable, or if it brings people into the casino to make it profitable in other areas. But they've decided that the buffet is a drain on the business. I don't think they would close the buffet if they felt it was good for the business. It just wouldn't make sense. I don't think they're that bitter at the union for the raised salaries that they're going to close something that's profitable just to screw with people. I I think they're closing it because it's losing money. I think they're closing it because the workers are getting paid so much now that there's no way to keep the buffet profitable. So sorry, workers. That's what you get for the union pushing your pay too high to where then they had to lay people off. This is the danger of getting mass raises. This is what can happen. And it sucks. I'm sure you'd, it sucks to be thrown out like dogs, when, especially when it's <laughs> the, the income you're, you're, you're counting on here. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, that, that's the risk you're taking. And uh, I'll never expect a business to keep something open as charity to the workers. It, it's just something you can't expect of a business. So... Uh, you know that that's how I feel about that, and, and you know, uh, now to give an alternate point of view, when I posted this, uh, someone is saying that uh, in the thread that I'm giving too much credit to casino management for being good businessmen, and uh, that that maybe they're just uh, stupidly closing it down. And uh, it's just a battle between management and labor, and they're not even thinking. And the buffet really is profitable. They just uh, are mad about this and closing it down and not really thinking. It's possible, but uh, I I really think that that this is probably the fault of the union for pushing for too much money. And 
they took a risk and the risk fell the wrong way for them. So uh, I hope these people get jobs again, but that's the way it, it fell for them. It looks like, and I, I can't blame any business for keeping for closing a department that's losing money. Uh, New Jersey has released the numbers. This will be an interesting story for Ryland. For sure. For their online gaming for 2013. Now, of course, 2013 in New Jersey uh, was not a very long year for online gaming because it started on November 21st. So we're only talking about 41 days. We're not talking about uh, January 1st through December 31st. But nevertheless... That's interesting. They put all the different casinos, too. Yeah. We do have some interesting numbers. And we don't have these same numbers for Nevada. I'd be curious to see those, but Nevada didn't release them. But here are the numbers for New Jersey only and all the different sites, some of which don't offer online poker. Keep in mind, New Jersey, unlike Nevada, offers full casino gaming on their online sites, which means you can play blackjack and other games. I tried it out. It's really really crazy that uh, they mimic things as exactly as they would be in the casino, like all the the popular slot machines you're familiar oh, with. Oh, really? Um, it's it's the exact same thing, wow. just on your computer, though. Wow. Exact same. No wonder they're making they can make money because people are like, oh, I love that slot machine. Oh, wow, it's at home. I don't have to go there. Cool. I didn't know that. All right, so uh, Borgata, which is run by Party Poker, was the leader. Uh, Great they, site. They made three point seven five million dollars total. Of this, about half of it, one point nine oh four million was from online poker. Fifty point eight percent came from online poker. Just about half. Slightly more than half. So they did pretty well in online poker, but they were the biggest site by far. Well Caesars was a strong number two. WSOP.com in New Jersey only, not Nevada, made two point three million. Again, about half was from online poker, 1.203 million. 50.6% was online poker. That's, the rest was uh, the casino games. And when I say revenue, I, I'm talking about what they actually made. So the online poker revenue was rake. The, uh, the casino revenue was just what they made by beating players in the casino games. I don't know if they're subtracting their expenses from it, if this is profit or if this is just... Uh, gross uh, revenue. I think it's just revenue. Ultimate Gaming. You'll see how they're already falling behind. They made 883,000 total. Of this, 104,000 was from online poker, meaning only 11.8% came from online poker. So the, so that's not very good. In the 41 that's days... That's their horrible software. Yeah, who, who in their right mind would play there? In the 41 days that Ultimate Poker has been in New Jersey... They only made one hundred four thousand dollars. I mean, that's that's very little money. If you think that's uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that that's just all the different people they have running this thing and uh, working on this, uh, one hundred four thousand yeah. is not going to pay those expenses in forty one days. It, it's what they deserve, though. But they did make they, they did make uh, almost a million total, you know, eight hundred eighty three thousand in forty one days. So they they did still make some money from the degenerates playing uh, the casino games. Tropic- and you know, I think a, a huge component is that as they have a different way of getting money online, which is you can walk into any Seven Eleven gas station in New Jersey, and you can deposit up to five hundred bucks cash, okay. and they'll they'll do that right in the gas station. Wow. Ultimate uh, other sites don't have that. You're saying Ultimate Poker has that? 
All game poker has that. Okay. Tropicana. They don't have a poker room. So this all came from the online gaming, just the non-poker gaming casino games. 748589 Trump Plaza. This is weird. I don't even understand this. Uh, Betfair. They run by... Yeah, that's the Betfair software. They made $427,739. How much was for online poker? The online poker part of that 400 whatever thousand was... Ninety dollars, <laughs> not nine ninety thousand, but ninety dollars. Yeah, man, I I downloaded the client. I mean, how's that? Po- how do you make ninety dollars in poker in forty one days? You you log on, there's nobody on. I mean, that's, I'm talking about a failure. I mean, ninety dollars yeah, in forty one days. I checked it. I checked it out. Zero point zero players online at I mean, all times. I I think that uh, I, I think the no fraud online poker rooms made more money than that in 2013. <laughs> You gotta get you gotta get set up in New Jersey. I'm telling you. How can they have no players? I mean, no players is crazy, especially since the other rooms are doing okay. You know, with the Borgata. I, I, I swear, I heard there was advertising. You know, I I know there was. There are billboards and stuff for it. Yeah, how but, does that happen? Ninety. I know you need players to play against, but I uh, hire some props or something. Ninety dollars, embarrassing. Uh, Golden Nugget does not have online poker. Uh, they did go live later than the others, so they weren't up for 41 days. But uh, I don't know when they went up, but it wasn't November 21st. They made $179,000 on the casino. Overall, about uh, $8.7 million was made. About $3.2 million came from poker. About $5.5 million came from casino games. Now, $3.2 million sounds like a lot in 41 days, but it's a total for all the New Jersey providers in online poker over 41 days. Nevada's numbers are likely to be a lot less because it's a lot smaller of a state. So, uh, I I just don't think there's a whole lot of money in this. Uh, It's just, they need a big state. Even New Jersey, which is a medium-sized state, just... They gotta, for for starts, they gotta combine with Nevada and Delaware. I mean, it's just... Yeah, they got. Uh, they have to start with cooperation and uh, and try to get some. Although, big otherwise, California is just going to own all of everybody. Well, if they're all separated, it it's, it it doesn't really affect it that much. But but I will. Say, uh, I, I mean, you know, you know that I'm going to be in California. I'm not going to be starting games and all these other other posts <laughs> that that are very vital to starting these games are they're all going to be in California. So is that is this what you were doing? Were you in New Jersey actually like sitting? In a table alone, waiting for fish to sit with you. Is that basically what you? Were oh doing? yeah, yeah. I I was I was I wake up in the early in the early in the morning and I sit there into the into the dead of night. So are, are you back in uh, Las Vegas right now, or are you in New Jersey? Back right in now? Vegas now. Okay. Yeah. So and and so, where did you stay in New Jersey when you did? Did you rent a place or you stayed in a hotel? Or I did? I went. I was in an extended stay in. Uh, it was uh, Cherry uh, Cherry Hill. New Cherry Jersey? Hill, yeah, I know what that is. Okay, so so you went to an extended stay in Cherry Hill and just kind of hung out there and uh, and and just yep. sat on party poker and WSOP.com and uh, so you you went there just for the online poker. Yeah, and it was mostly just party poker because even it wasn't worth the hassle of getting money online because it's still a hassle if you if you bank at like Bank of America or the big you know the Wells Fargo or those because they still have their their gambling restrictions. On on deposits because they they refuse to uh, accept these new regulated uh, gambling uh, methods. They they say no way. 
So you have to bank at select banks that work, or you have to do different methods to get money online, which is really annoying. I, I noticed with Ultimate <laughs> Poker that um, my Citibank check card, I could just deposit unlimited amounts, but, but other things were not working for me. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the bank's restrictions that's where you bank at. Um, yeah. So I know that uh, they, they actually, on Party Poker, they will list banks that work, though. So you would have to just deposit on there and get a debit card and use it that way. Or you can use uh, Skrill or Moneybookers. Um, they, they have that legally now, which is kind of cool. So Yeah, well... Uh, uh, then I went up to New York and and did the New Year's there and stuff. So, right, so, so were you with the whole crowd with, uh, at at uh, Times Square? Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's uh, incredible how much of a clusterfuck it is, though. I mean, so, so what is this like? I've got to ask you because okay, uh, let me tell you a story from way before you were born. In, in 1977, I. Stayed up till midnight to see the New Year's uh, for the first time. I guess it was to the seventy-seven. To, yeah, it was, it was it was seventy-six to seventy-seven. So I was almost five. Uh, it was now uh, wow, thirty-seven years ago. Crazy. So uh, thirty-seven years ago, as New Year's seventy-seven came, I stayed up and, and watched the ball drop on TV, which was actually delayed three hours because in, I was in California, and um, you know my mom was explaining it to me, and. I, I thought it looked so cool. I, I said, oh, I want to go there. I, I want to be in Times Square. And, and my mom told me all the problems with going to Times Square. It's full of... Oh, problems. yeah, it's so, horrible. So, I mean... so, well, it was worse then. She said it was full of... Back in the 70s, it was really, really, really full of crime. There was terrible crime there in the 70s all the way through, like, around 1990, around then. Still is, man. My friend got mugged. Yeah, you said mention something about that, but they actually... I was in Times Square, not at New Year's, but I was there several times since then, and it was... It, it was totally cleaned up from what it used to be. Before it used oh, yeah. to be a joke to where if you go there... Yeah, you, you go to there mugged. even before Times Square, or even before the ball drops, um, there are people, there are guys standing there, SWAT teams. Uh, it, it's like something out of the movies. Like yeah. they're they're expecting a terrorist attack. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that's another problem. But uh, so, so in '77, um, you know, my mom was saying there's that. There's it's it's so cold there at night. Uh, you know, in January, people wear diapers. There's no bathrooms. <laughs> you have to get there. At, it's that's a true story. Oh, Isn't that, that that's, incredible? That's true. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Those people, those people you see on TV, um, in the front there where the performances are and stuff, right where the ball drops, they get there before three o'clock in the afternoon, and they're there at. Um, you know, whatever time the performances start till midnight, and they wear diapers. <laughs> they wear diapers. There's, there's, no, that's serious. There's no other way around it. Wow. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I think uh, I should have taken Benjamin there this year. He would have, he would have uh, fit right in there with the crowd. <laughs> well, yeah. <I> mean. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, you know, I, I still really wanted to go, and I, I said to my mom, you know, when I'm older, I, and I said, you know what? I'm going to do it for the year 2000. I go, how old am I going to be in 2000? And and, uh, and and I actually was able to do this when I was uh, almost five, believe it or not. I was able to uh, figure out in the year 2000, I'll be almost 28. And uh, so I, I said, yeah, I'll go there with my wife and kids when I'm 28 in 2000. That's what I said when I was uh, you know, about five years old. Uh, well, there was no wife and kids when I was 28. And uh, there, there was no kid for me until 2010 when I was 38. 
But uh, I, I still, over the years, would watch this and, and kind of wish I was there. But at the same time, as I was an adult, would would see the things that I didn't want to be there for, for the, the, the being cold, you know, watching everybody all bundled up, uh, the huge crowds, wondering, you know, what a disaster would be getting out of there you once it was over. Did? We did a cruise on the Hudson River, and we saw the fireworks by the Statue of Liberty and everything. Much better choice. Oh, so you weren't you weren't in the crowd then. Well, I was there when the ball was raised. It's the same thing, pretty much. I mean, everyone's just it's 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 horrible. So, like, so wait, when is the you ball don't raised? want to do it, man? Don't do it. When, when is it raised? Ah, <laughs> uh, geez, I don't even remember the the time. But we just got out of the subway system when it was being raised. Is it, so. is it like December thirty first? At some point, they raise it, and oh yeah, well, it's right there on the same on on New Year's Eve. Yeah, okay. when they raise that, and, I've never seen and, it being raised even on TV. And you would be so shocked at the actual size of the ball. It's no, like the size of a basketball. No, I wouldn't be it's shocked. So small. I saw it uh, in a non-New Year's setting. I, last time I was in New York, it was only for one night, but it was in October of, la- of 2012. And uh, I stayed in a hotel that was directly across from the ball, and we stayed on the highest floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we were able to we had a direct view of the ball, so I saw it. I saw wow. what the whole scene looks like just without the whole crowds and without the actual New Year's. And uh, so I, I kind of was trying to picture it. But I said, you know, if really I ever small, yeah, if I said if I ever do come here for New Year's, uh, I'm going to do what I've done the last two years in different cities, in Vegas and in New Orleans, and that is be in a hotel with a view of the fireworks. And the the cruise in the Hudson sounds like a good idea too. But somewhere where you're like away from all the crowds. And, exactly. and just watch the fireworks from a distance. It's, it's much better, like much much better. You just. And have you heard of uh, the knockout game? Have you heard yes, of that yes. crime recently? Yes. Yeah, that's really popular and right there in Times Square, and that's what uh, happened to my buddy. Oh, so he got hit with the knockout game. Wow, that's bad. Yeah. So and and then the guy tried to take his watch on top of that. <laughs> so it's the knockout so, and steal game. So but he didn't exactly knock him out, but. Because um, he kind of tried to fight back, you know, so he he wasn't totally knocked out, but it was one punch, you know, and um, then then some dude got arrested, and then then that then Woody from from Toy Story, <laughs> the guy, did you did you read that? No. Uh, uh, the my post. For some reason, I don't remember about Woody from Toy Story. I I I, I took me and my buddy took a picture with one of the, these people dress up as characters from movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, the the guy, the only Woody that, uh, that it was for sure a Mexican, too, and and a couple days later he got arrested for uh, um, touching um, girls inappropriately. So... You know, you know who I saw? And I had a, I got a picture with the dude. <laughs> you know who I saw when I was in New York that one night? In, in uh, you know October 2012, uh, Snoop Dogg was walking around there, and, and he was actually you know, he was actually stopping and talking to people. And and what I was considering doing, I was walking with Benjamin there, and Benjamin was uh, just two years old at the time. I, I was considering stopping and having him just take a picture with Snoop Dogg. I thought it would be really funny to have Benjamin, be awesome. Benjamin in a picture with Snoop Dogg. But I, I by the time I. I Got the balls up to go up to Snoop Dogg and ask him. By then, like a whole crowd of people was around him, and it was too late. So uh, I think he would have done it too because he was like taking pictures of people and signing autographs. He was he was in a friendly mood at the time. I think especially for for a baby, he would have done it. But a- oh, yeah. anyway, uh, getting to uh, our next topic here, and it was interesting though hearing about the uh, the Times Square thing. Uh, 
Let's talk about David Williams. This is the gossip section of the show. Two little uh, gossip elements. Last week we talked about genocide. This week we have uh, David Williams and Steve Daneman we're going to talk about. Uh, David Williams has joined Choice Center. Choice Center is a cult-like group in Las Vegas that uh, masquerades as a life-changing seminar. And Daniel Negreanu and Antonio Esfandiari are very big parts of it. And the fact that they've both been doing so well in poker recently uh, has to be boosting this as well. I don't think it's because of Choice Center, but... uh, Yeah, I love how they... they, uh... Praise everything that's happened to Daniel this year on the Choice Center. It's just yeah. Well, I mean, th- this is great for them. Just like Tom Cruise being in Scientology was great for them. Uh, oh yeah, is Daniel Negreanu on the on the front page of their website? Or uh, last time I, I looked, think... he was. But uh, so this. Oh really? This was um, uh, March in, in, in March of. Uh, wow, I didn't realize I posted this so long ago. It seems like just yesterday, March of 2013. I posted about this uh, Choice Center and. Uh, it's basically it, it has some similarities to Scientology. It's, it's much uh, smaller in scale, and it it has less uh, mythology around it, shall I say? There's there's not. Uh, uh, it, it's more about like what they call personal development and leadership, rather than anything uh, supernatural at all that is involved in uh, in in Choice Center. But that doesn't make it any less of a cult. And basically, what I determined. Uh, what it is here. First of all, it's very expensive. Uh, it's twenty-seven hundred dollars for this uh, this course you take with them, and the way they do it, it's pretty smart actually. The way they go about this. Uh, first of all, they have you fill out the this intrusive questionnaire about your life. Uh, let me let me read from the questionnaire. I've done this before on the show, but I have to set this up for the David Williams thing. Um, here's uh, like they ask you. Uh, are you pregnant? How many hours of sleep do you get? Have you ever been in therapy or psychological counseling? Are you currently in therapy? Have you ever been hospitalized for uh, psychiatric care? Have you ever had a nervous breakdown? Are you on any kind of this psychiatric medication? Do you have any kind of physical limitations? Um, then, uh, let, let's see what else they... Uh, uh, briefly describe your marital history and present marital status. List the names and ages of children you have. List the names and people with whom you live and their relationship to you. Describe your past and current religious views and practices. Describe any past and current military service, including any uh, wars or conflicts in which you've been engaged. Uh, briefly describe your present career status, occupation, work, or job. List your educational background. List the social career, lit- religious, political, and community organizations to which you belong. So they're really finding out everything about you. Um, what's the current status of your health? Uh, have you ever been addicted to alcohol, marijuana, or other, other drugs? Describe your f- physical appearance. Uh, describe the three key elements, uh, preferably from your childhood, that have most influenced who you are. I- include your beliefs about yourself and others, as well as the world around you. Uh, list the names of three people who, if asked, would give honest, straightforward feedback about who, uh, about how you show up in the world. Uh, next to their names, describe the feedback they would have for you. So you're supposed, supposed to guess three people what they would say about you. What is your vision for life that would inspire and motivate you to give yourself fully to see it realized? Describe that vision in detail. What commitments do you need to declare? What are the ways of being you that that you need to access and what actions do you need to take to manifest your vision? Be specific. 
What do you want to have accomplished by the end of your life? What do you want to have been to family, friends, and community? Describe in detail what accomplishes and experiences would include. So you have to answer all this before you even start the course. So you're basically you're giving up everything uh, about yourself, and we, your hopes and dreams and, and, and challenges in your life. And uh, then you, you take these two courses called Discovery and Breakthrough. Uh, these are not very cult-like. They're more encouraging psychobabble to help make people supposedly discover things about themselves and change their lives. It's, it's kind of you, you just sat, sit there and, and you know participate in these in these group sessions and and discover yourself sessions. What were you going to say, Rylan? You you want to go with me? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you'll pay the twenty seven hundred dollars for me, but <laughs> would you do it if it was free? I would. If, if someone did, if, if someone gave me the money, I, I don't know because I I don't know if I could sit there and like BS my way through it uh, <laughs> with a straight face. Like I don't know if if I would want to do that. It may be you know, I will say it would definitely be interesting if, to see if you would come out of that a a changed man. I can and, tell you, I would. Say, like, Oh, guys, it's so great! I I, I gotta sign all you guys up. No, I, like. I can tell you, I, I never would. I'm like the, the I, I very hard to turn around and things like I, choice I just, choice center banners on poker fraud alert. I can see it all now. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the the problem they wouldn't want someone like me because number one, I, I'm skeptical of a lot of things, and and number two. Uh, I, I don't change very easily. It, it, the, the change that comes to me kind of happens very gradually over time, and and more occurs as a result of uh, bad experiences where I look and say, oh, "What could I have done better? What could I what could I have done differently?" Or just as I age and, and mature, Th- those are the changes. I, I usually don't have like abrupt changes. I've never had any abrupt changes in my life where I just abruptly become a different person. It's just not me. But but anyway, the. The, the first two parts, I, I think, are not harmful. I, I don't think they'd be helpful to someone like me or, or anybody who doesn't fall for like encouraging psychobabble. But I don't think it harms anything. They're not very cult-like. It's just kind of... It's almost like watching an old episode of Mr. Rogers. They're telling you how special you are and how, how great you can <laughs> how great you can be and, 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 and uh, what you can do to make yourself better and BS like that. Uh, the scam and cult aspect seems to be more in the third part uh, called Leadership Legacy. And this is where they're smart. Uh, basically, a certain percentage of the graduates of the first two parts move on to leadership legacy, and that course extends over three months. The other ones are very quick. They're like over a few weekends. And the leadership legacy puts high pressure on its participants to recruit friends and family. So they're basically, the first two parts, they're providing an overpriced self-improvement course to suckers in the first two parts. And they know that some people will walk away feeling like it was great and changed their lives. And other people will walk away going, ah, this is kind of BS. So what they're looking for is this is like a weeder. They're trying to figure out who's going to be dumb enough to fall for this completely and who isn't. The people who aren't, they go, okay, thank you for your $2,700, goodbye. The people who totally fell for it, then they say, well, guess what? We have a third course for you for our most dedicated people who really get it. And those people, only the ones that they've figured out are very into this, move on to leadership legacy, and only they are asked to recruit people, and they figure these people are already drunk on the Choice Center Kool-Aid, and therefore they're easy to use to recruit to people, to recruit people. So uh, this is actually a very common scam tactic, which is testing potential victims for susceptibility before investing the time and effort into conning them. Even, even the Nigerian scammers do this. Nigerian scammers, when they ask you for your banking info, 
You may think they want your banking info so they can steal from your bank account, but that's not what they're doing. They're doing this because they figure if you're dumb enough to give your banking info to them, that you're dumb enough to fall for the rest of the scam. Whereas if you say, no, 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 I don't trust you, I don't even know you, then you're never going to fall for the, you know, give me $10,000 now so I can get $100 million later. So they, they know that they use this as a way to test how much of a sucker you are. And that's pretty much what Choice Center is doing with their first two parts, except they're also making money at the same time with, you know, $2,700 a person. Uh, now, I don't think they're directly scamming anyone. They're not Nigerian scammers. They're, I think they're just convincing depressed and lonely people that their lives have been changed. And then in like turn, Daniel. Yes. And the then product. in turn, <laughs> these people use their, their what they think has been this life-changing experience to recruit others. They've basically got free recruiters here. And they love public figures like Negranu because uh, their word carries a lot more weight than the unknown average Joe. Now... Negranu, why was he susceptible? My, my guess is because Negranu probably felt that there was no one in the world who really loved him. There were people who admired him. There's people who look up to him. There's people who think he's cool, think he's a great poker player. He has all that going for him. He has popularity. But I think Negranu felt that he didn't have anyone who loved him. He wasn't in any kind of serious relationship. The ones he had been in did not work out. Uh, his uh, his mom, who he was super close to, died. I, I think his father is dead as well. I, I think I know he was. Uh, he actually posted in his Choice Center stuff that Choice Center helped him get over his issues with his brother. So he wasn't close to his brother at all. They weren't even talking apparently. And you know, Choice Center helped him make up with his brother. But I doubt he and his brother are really close. So Daniel entered the whole thing with a brother he didn't talk to, parents who were dead including his mom, who he was super close to, that had died recently. And he's like, crap, I have so many people who look up to me and admire me, but nobody who loves me. And and I, that's why he, and he probably was depressed because of this. And I, I, can, I can understand. You know, how popular you are, if you feel there's nobody who truly cares about you and truly loves you, it, it can be depressing. So that makes you susceptible to things like choice. And I think this is what happened to Daniel. So anyway... Uh, I talked about the same stuff back in March. Uh, getting to uh, the current story with Choice Center. Uh, and by the way, a lot of people were recruited to Choice Center by Daniel and by Antonio. Uh, some of them went through with it all the way and became convinced it was wonderful. Others, including Crazy Mike of all people, uh, actually, actually went through it and came out saying, "Yeah, this seems like BS." Like I even talked to Crazy Mike about it when, when I saw him in Bellagio, and he didn't have very good things to say about it. I talked to Crazy Mike, and I trust his opinion. So, <laughs> so yeah, ask him about it sometime. I know Nick Binger was uh, was into it. Um, uh, Gavin Smith got into it. Uh, oh, here, here's the list I had at the time. Theo Tran, and by the way, I'll give you the the issues with each of these people. This was as of uh, March 2013. There's many more, I'm sure Daniel's gotten into it since then, but this is who I kept track of in uh, March 2013. Theo Tran, who was known to have a bad gambling problem, and obviously susceptible to this magic bullet sort of uh, life change therapy. Sorrel Mizzy, who's had all kinds of problems, willing to blow money, uh, been shady for a lot of things. Yeah, he's, he's just had a lot of bad things he's done in his past. Uh, Gavin Smith, now he was a big customer of a life coach named Sam Chuan, so it's not a stretch to believe that Gavin Smith would uh, then want to be part of this. Uh, Eric Lindgren, obviously you know about his problems. Uh, Nick Helmuth, 
Phil, Phil Hellmuth's son uh, I don't know much about him But uh, Daniel and Phil are good friends Mike Binger, who's Nick's brother uh, Nick Binger, of course uh, Def, Jeff Gross, who's a good friend of Michael Phelps So I bet Daniel was thinking Hmm, wow, what if we get Phelps into this? If we can get Jeff Gross on board Maybe he could convince uh, Michael Phelps to get on That would be a huge score for them uh, Matthew Waxman Who was raving about it on Twitter And uh, Adam Junglin He wrote about being involved in it In his blog So uh, the newest Choice Center uh, High profile poker player to have joined Is uh, David Williams The same David Williams Who was in a foot and ass porn In uh, 2004 For those of you that don't know about this uh, Before David Williams was famous Before he Made that final table and finished runner-up to Greg Raymer. Uh, David Williams was a big fan of a middle-aged woman who did foot fetish porn, and I guess he contacted her in some way and said he would like to be in her video. So he came over. It was really him. It was really him. Yeah, it was definitely oh, wow. him. It was definitely him. In fact, his agent actually talked to me at one point. And I'll get to that in a second But uh, his agent admitted to me it was him uh, David was in the porn In the porn what he did is uh, Sucked on this girl's feet or She was actually an older woman He was like 20 or something at the time 20 or 21, something like that uh, he, he did the foot fetish type of stuff And then he was actually eating her ass for long periods of time I actually was very uncomfortable <laughs> I was very uncomfortable watching the whole thing to be honest Like I was actually fast forwarding Especially the ass eating parts I just couldn't watch it I was like fast forwarding it but uh, he almost slid under the radar Now at the time he was on the video Nobody knew him But then someone found it Someone posted it to like Rec Gambling Poker, that news group Before forums were really popular And it got dismissed People were going, oh it's just one who looks like him You know, Don't be stupid, it's not him And it got dismissed and everybody believed it wasn't him uh, It was then brought to Neverwin Poker Which was uh, the site that fed a lot of the current Poker Fraud Alert members we have Someone reposted it on Everyone Poker a while later And on Everyone Poker it was taken more seriously And uh, the smart people of Everyone Poker the, the users on Everyone Poker Actually were analyzing the voice With the voice prints of uh, David in the video And David on TV playing poker And matched them uh, They matched the facial structure they, they, I mean, they did a lot of work and proved That it had to be David uh, David would not comment on this A lot of different sites picked this up uh, It was funny I don't know if it's still there But on Wikipedia for a long time If you looked up foot fetish It would, it would list famous people with foot fetishes And one of those was David, <laughs> David, David Williams <laughs> But uh, uh, This stayed up for a long time uh, and, and David would not admit to it And in fact he was very mad at everybody involved with Neverwin Poker In fact, David Williams liked me We were never close friends But we were uh, David, whenever he saw me around uh, uh, Was always very friendly to me Always very nice uh, Once this happened, he was just ignoring me he, he never confronted me But he was just ignoring me Just because of my high-profile status in Neverwin Poker um, Years later He was dating Aubrey O'Day And of all things, Aubrey O'Day was over at her parents' house And she happened to be just googling David And found on Neverwin Poker The video from a few years back of, of him <laughs> uh, you know, uh, eating ass and sucking feet 
and she she actually called her parents over and said, "Oh my God, look at what my boyfriend's doing here!" And and she and her family <laughs> sat and watched this video. This was reported on TMZ. This is how I know about it. So Aubrey O'Day, you know, the, the, the Aubrey O'Day that's been on TV all over the place, uh, she. She and her parents sat on Everyone Poker and watched David Williams uh, in his porn video and then called him and broke up with him. And this was reported on TMZ. Well, uh, or not TMZ. It was reported on, uh, I think, uh, Perez Hilton, which is similar to TMZ. Well, David Williams and his agent realized that this story was not going to go away. And David Williams was about to come out and admit this was him finally. And finally put put the, an end to this. So his agent contacted me and said, David wants to come out and admit it's true. But we're going to need your cooperation. And uh, we're going to need to correspond. Like they wanted to arrange for him to do this, but uh, uh, restrict the type of questions we could ask him. And he was going to come on our radio show and admit that it was him. And we were thrilled to have him come on. You know, we were We were willing to agree to whatever terms they wanted. Well, then the story died super quickly. They were sure this was going to become a huge story. Somehow it just died super quickly, and then they realized they don't have to do this, and David never did. So that, that's the history with David Williams and, and, and the, the porn. Now, uh, David Williams in general was living his life very irresponsibly. Uh, and he was young. You know, he was 23 years old when he was the second-place finisher at the 2004 World Series. Uh, he, he really... He was just running around going to clubs all the time, dating all kinds of different women, cheating on girlfriends. Um, do you remember the show Tilt, Rylan? I do, man. I I love that TV series. It, it only went for one season, right? Yeah. Now, do you remember the Matador's daughter? Oh, she, let's she was, see. She dated the main um, character, Eddie, in the show. I I I... I it's been too long, man. Okay, well, she was she was a hot young girl, and she was the the daughter of the the matador, who's the main bad guy. And uh, so, anyway, one day I was playing hundred two hundred at Bellagio, and I got seated next to David Williams, and the matador's daughter is then sitting next to me, not in the game, <laughs> but 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 with David, and she's like whispering in his ear and kissing him, and they're they're definitely dating. She even bragged to him that the jeans she was wearing she stole from the set of Tilt. Oh, wow. uh, so, I'm sitting here listening to all this, and I'm, I'm like pretending not to, but I'm like trying to memorize everything they're saying so I could run back and report it on the internet. And, I, and, <laughs> and, and, and so I did. I went and reported it on the internet, and then it turned out David had a girlfriend back at home in Texas and was cheating on her with the Matador's daughter. So, uh, some one of David's friends PM'd me on Everyone Poker, and, and, and asked me to please, please take this down. Because it's going to really mess up David's personal life, and I actually agreed to. So I took it down, and I took it down so fast, almost no one saw it, because I posted it in the middle of the night. And uh, and then the person says, "Oh, it's okay. Well, David, thanks you. You know, he appreciates this." So I never talked to David about that, but that was typical of David. He was he was uh, pretty much running around, you know, womanizing. Uh, Drinking all the time, gambling crazily. I don't know how his finances were. I, I know he was doing pretty well in poker, but I, I don't know what was happening as far as you know. Was he, was he ever in money problems? I, I never really heard about that. But here we are, ten years after he finished second at that final table, the main event, and there's this article about him. 
on bluff. David Williams, Finding Balance Between Poker and His Family Almost 10 years ago, David Williams was thrust in the poker spotlight when he finished runner-up at the World Series of Poker main event. He was 23 years old without a care in the world and has seen his life change incredibly in the past decade. Williams has a three-year-old daughter, recently was married, and is practically a different person from the guy that won $3.5 million in 2004. Wow, my life is complete 180, to be honest, he said. I was young and stupid, to be honest. I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing and didn't have a care in the world. I kind of gallivanted around the world and did what I wanted to do, Williams continued. I partied all the time and was a carefree spirit. I still have that in me, but I've learned what's important and what really matters in life, and that's family. So, so basically, he's he, he's kind of confirming the way I just described him, but saying he uh, grew up. By, by the way, the, the photo of him in this article was taken by Seriously Serious, but the article was not written by him. Uh, my little girl is everything to me, and my wife is amazing. I'm glad I was able to experience it, all those things at a young age, including being in a porn, but he doesn't, he doesn't make any mention of the porn in the whole article. Uh, but I'm glad I've matured, and I don't think I would have lasted that long if I stayed that way. It was fun, but eventually you have to get grounded to focus and succeed. Even though poker and the lifestyle is fun, it's still a job. You have to use your brain to make good decisions. It's hard to do that when you're doing your own thing and traveling around. Having a family really grounded me and make me focus that I have to give it 100% so I can provide for my family. So, so far, so good. He's saying you know, he was young and immature, but that he's grown up and he's a family man. And uh, he... He basically is different than he used to be, especially since he's gotten married and have a th- has a three-year-old now. Providing for a family as a poker player comes with its challenges, one of which is extended time away from home. I haven't played a whole lot lately because my daughter is about to turn three and I really don't like leaving her, William said. She's at a point in her life where it really interrupts her schedule. She just started preschool, has gymnastics once a week. It's hard to believe gymnastics at that age. I can't picture. I can't picture Benjamin's even slightly older than that. I can't picture him doing that. Uh, has swimming lessons once a week. That's also hard to believe. Uh, so if I were to take her on the road for two weeks, she wouldn't see her friends for play dates and miss school. So it's not really fair to her. I can't picture Benjamin swimming at this age either. I, I guess some can at three. He just, I don't know. He, I, I can tell he's not ready for that. Uh, I, I think it would be cool to bring her to the PCA, but taking her to Prague in December or Deauville in January, there'd really be for nothing to do it, for her to do except sit in a room. Because I don't like to bring her and don't like to leave her, I've really cut my schedule back just to go into high-priority events with big buy-ins and big player pools. Now, I, I can relate to all that, because I, I feel the same way about leaving Benjamin. I don't like leaving him for long periods of time. And... Uh, I, I can understand that part. Williams finds the perfect balance of buy-ins and events come mostly at PokerStars events. They put on the best tournaments, and they always take care of players, and then steal their laptops too, apparently. Uh, you get a different feeling there. Your voice is always heard. It's a feeling like no other. I always try to go to all their events on the EPT, the PCA, and play to UK IPT this year, and I've looked into going to some LAPT events. Those are the events I put a lot of priority on, along with the WSOP, which is in my backyard in Vegas. And he's, of course, he's wearing a Poker Stars hat in this picture. And he's, he's definitely trying to promote Poker Stars here, which I'm sure they paid him for. I, I don't even know if he's still a pro there, but he probably is. These random $3,500 WPTs on the East Coast don't have quite the value for me to leave my family behind. It's just not really worth it for me anymore. I like the events where there's a lot of side events to play. Having a tour with a good side events makes me want to go to play. Here's the good part. 
Williams recently enrolled in the Choice Center and has used their teachings to help focus his life on and off the felt. I'm in Choice Center and just completed a vision board, which is something a lot of people have done. A vision board. I'm thankful that the Choice Program actually gives you homework to do something like this, he said. It made me want to figure out what I really wanted to accomplish this year. Some of the poker things I put on there, I wanted to complete the Triple Crown. All I have left is an EPT title, Williams continued. It's difficult because there's not a lot of EPT events where there's something like 30 WPTs and 60-some WSOP bracelet events, and there's just 8 EPTs. Getting that last leg is not easy. I really want a second bracelet. It's been long, too long since I've won one, Williams continued. A lot of my friends have two bracelets, and it seems like you have to have two now. That makes me feel bad. I feel like I've had a lot of opportunities and come close, but I haven't closed the deal. That makes me feel bad, bad, bad too. <laughs> this year, I've, I'm going to focus a lot. I'm going to sleep better. I'm not going to burn myself out and play 35 events. I might take a few hours and not just jump right in the na- next event. I'm going to focus hard to win a second bracelet. Winning another WBT is, is not a huge focus of mine right now. I feel like I won the one I wanted to win. I'm all about titles and accomplishments. I'd also like to finish the year in the Global Poker Index Top 10. That's something I haven't done since it premiered. I haven't been the great success I was earlier in the decade. I'd like to turn it up and string together some top results. Starting the year off strong is the key to getting in the top. It will give you the momentum to consistently do well throughout the year. Playing big buy-in events presents their own set of challenges that William struggles to balance as a family man. It's tougher in the sense that you have that pressure now. It's easy to gamble when you don't have any pressure. You can just make decisions, and whatever happens, happens. You live with the results. I try to be that way, but when you have a child and want to make sure she goes to college, and you have a wife and you want to make sure she, you can give her everything, it's a lot of pressure to succeed. If I go two years without cashing, what are they going to think, and how am I going to provide for them? That's really scary and something I've had to deal with. It makes you scale back your gambling, which, which makes you more averse to risk, and you don't want to be too overly cautious. So I'm still trying to find that balance. So, uh, I, I'll stop here. The rest isn't about Choice Center, but that's why you play cash games instead of tournaments. Yeah, I, to that's what I was thinking. Cashing. That's what I was thinking when I read this. I was thinking instead of worrying so much about tournament dry spells, which are a very real thing, uh, why not just play cash games where all you have to do is win more than you lose, and, and you know there, there you there you have it. You play in good cash games. You play enough, you're going to win. Uh, so provided you know you're a better player than most of the people there, so I, I don't know. He's never really been a cash guy, but uh, putting that aside, uh, it's funny what he says. Choice Center did for him, and that is they basically told him, "These are your goals. You know, what are your goals?" And he tells them, "Okay, well you've got to focus on that." And then they listen to him. What do you think is getting in the way? Well, sometimes I bust out of an event and I, and I go register for another one right away. Ah, David, you're probably not very focused. You need to take some time in between. Oh, I need to take some time in between. Yeah, I need to rest in between. Yeah, David, you'll be fresher. You'll be fresh and you'll play your best. You can focus on every event you play instead of just trying to enter a mass number of events and hope you get lucky. Yeah, why didn't I think of that before? I mean, it's definitely imagine. worth twenty seven hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, I can I can imagine these these <laughs> sessions here and and, uh, and and the bracelet. He's like, I want to have a triple crown. They're like, well, David, let's think about what you need to get a triple crown. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have you won a WPT event? Well, yes. Have you won a World Series bracelet? Uh, yes. What about an EPT? No, I haven't done that. Well, then, 
Why don't you forget about the WPT for the most part and focus on the EPT, especially only being eight of them? You can probably fit those in since, uh, you know, with your, with your busy schedule with your kid. Yeah. An EPT, that's what I need to be a Triple Crown winner. Like, I, this is just such basic stuff. I don't know why people can't figure this out for themselves. I think some people may need to hear this from what they believe to be credible life coaches. Credible people who work in personal development. And by the way, none of these people have any kind of real credentials. These are not psychologists. They're not experts in any way. They just call themselves experts. They're, they're no more experts on this stuff than I am or you are. But, uh, you know, they have people like Daniel Bamboozle, and then they tell people like David what they want to hear. They just, they, they find out everything about your life, and it's not hard looking as a third party to point out mistakes, obvious mistakes people are making. So, you know, they put on the questionnaire, what do you want to accomplish? I, I want to be a triple crown winner. What do you think's getting in your way? Well, sometimes I play too many events and I'm not focused. Okay, David, play fewer events. Wow. Deep stuff. Like, like that's what they do. And you'll see he's not saying anything here that's groundbreaking that makes you stop and go, wow, Choice Center, really they really know what they're talking about. This is like obvious stuff. And, and I've always wondered this. I've always watched people at the World Series who get to the final table bust out, and then register for another event that's already like three hours in. And I go, how the hell can you focus at the beginning of another tournament that you're entering late after you just made the final table and busted at a different tournament? It just doesn't seem, especially something like the World Series, like that doesn't seem like something many people could do successfully. Because I know when, I, when I'm done with these events that I run really deep in, I feel exhausted. I, I feel like I need a break. So, uh, anyway, it sounds like they just told David to stop doing things like that. And it sounds like they told him to focus on his family and to, you know, make sure he can always provide for them. It's really obvious stuff. But but he feels it's groundbreaking things for him. So, I think this is who they cater to. I think they really have hit on something big there, targeting these poker players. Because... They look for people with no direction in life. They look for people with a lot of challenges in life that are related to their lack of direction, with their lack of discipline. And then they make super obvious suggestions to them. And then these people make these changes, at least temporarily, and go, wow, I feel so much better now. But but the answers have been in front of them the whole time. So... Uh, I think they have a, a good thing going over there at Choice Center as far as making money and as far as uh, recruiting influential people. Especially I mean, poker players. Just like the poker players are easy to scam, they're also easy to uh, get into things like this. They're very susceptible to uh, a lot of these things. A lot of these poker players are, are very good players on the felt, but not very wise with anything else. And uh, Choice Center is the result of that. They they found a perfect market to harvest from. So I, I see the chat room froze on me a long time ago. That's not good. Oh well. Well, that was the last topic. I think there's two more. If uh, 
You see that Jay, Jay Farber just got robbed? Uh, yeah, well, not just, but recently, yeah. And then there's that one guy that... Uh, I got an email from Stars about uh, taking too many, too much time. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to mention that second one. I thought it was stupid. Yeah, I mean, some yeah. guy was complaining that Stars warned him that he, that he can't take too much time when he acts and thinks Stars is uh, uh, doing something out of line. I don't understand. I'm the first to criticize poker stars when they do things wrong, but it's so tilting when you're at a table and there's some guy just taking an eternity to fold seven deuce offsuit. And not because he's trying to screw with you, but because he's playing 25 tables and he just can't get to the table you're at with him until a long time has passed. And you just dread every time the, it comes to him. Right. And uh, I hate playing with those people. So Stars is saying, look, even if you can take this long every hand, according to our software, that doesn't mean we want you to and you're, you're disrupting the game. So I, I, I don't see why... And by the way, I'm looking at the chat again. Uh, I don't see why this guy thinks that uh, he's being reasonable. Uh, Jay Farber, yeah, I, I guess he got robbed, or his house got robbed. And, uh, of course, he was the second-place finisher at this year's uh, main event of the World Series. Uh, I didn't get much information on that. By the way, someone, uh, here's some text we got. Someone, eight, <laughs> 815 area code, tells me at 8.02 p.m., I got a boner. And then, it, <laughs> and then, hold on, at 9.37 p.m., an hour and a half later, I don't have a boner anymore, thanks. <laughs> these, are, these are the type of uh, texts I'm getting. Another one, uh, will you admit you were not, will you admit on air you were a fool not to buy Bitcoin at 5 to $7 each? Uh, I admit now I wish I did. I don't think anybody predicted Bitcoin would be $900, even the greatest Bitcoin proponents were not saying that. That was a surprise to everyone. Uh, this was sent earlier today. Keep doing your thing, Dref. Can't wait for the show tonight. I hope, I hope this person was satisfied with the show. Uh, there's one other story I, I didn't put on the agenda, but I'll, I'll mention. This is really weird, but I uh, let me just make sure I cover out every, every other topic. We you got Steve Daneman too. Oh yeah, I got to I got to talk about Steve Daneman. Then I'll get to this last thing. Let's get to Steve Daneman first. These shows are getting so long. Almost midnight. How long? Oh, we've been going for oh wow. Over four hours. Over four hours. But uh, Bitcoin currently at nine hundred and thirty-six dollars. Yeah, it's been around there for days. That's why I, I'm not going to really talk about Bitcoin on the show. It's pretty much the same as last week. Yep. But uh, let, let's let's go to the Daniman thing. This is. Steve Daneman claims that he's a house flipper. A house flipper is someone who buys a house at, in. at a low price and then resells it immediately and makes money. Sometimes they'll do a little bit of cosmetic work to improve its appearance so it can get more money on the open market, but someone who buys and quickly sells for a quick profit. Uh, house flipping would work for anyone for a long time in fact, a very long time, pretty much any time between 1968 and 2008. I'm not even kidding. Aside from a short period of time, uh, maybe about five years, four or five years in the early 90s. Aside from that one period, from 1968 to 2008, 
you could house flip without any kind of skill and make money because the market was consistently going up, especially between 1996 and 2008. It was just going up, 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 up. So if you bought, waited a little bit, sold, you made money, guaranteed. Uh, It all fell apart in 2008 when there was a major real estate crash, as most of you know about. Some areas worse than others. Las Vegas was one of the worst hit. Well, uh, Steve Daneman, he finished second to Joe Hatcham at the World Series of Poker in 2005. Uh, I haven't heard much about him in the last seven, eight years. I was reading a post on Facebook from Eric Froelich, who is lamenting a big PCA pot he lost. He was all in with ace-king versus ace-king and lost instead of chopped to a one-card flush, obviously. And so he was complaining about it. And Steve Dannenman, who is a Facebook friend of Froelich, responded with this. I think you are ready to get a real job. Seriously, it's fun to go to work every day. LOL. Then he said, back, then he said let me coach you to a different career, kid. Pay me 100 k <laughs> And you'll be making over a million dollars by the third year. No luck involved. So he's saying, give me 100 k and I'll keep, coach you to a new career where by the end of the third year, you will be absolutely guaranteed to win. One million dollars. Or make a million dollars, at least. With no luck involved, you're going to make it. So I thought this was a, already a humorous conversation that was getting involved. Uh... So then it continued. Uh, David Williams, the one we just talked about, said, Steve, doing what? I'm interested. <laughs> so I then piped up. Steve, if you're so sure that you'll be making a million, that he'll be making a million dollars by the third year, why not just coach him for free in exchange for 10% of his income on year three? So, of course, uh, Dan Emmett had an answer for me. Because it's true, if it's guaranteed you're going to make a million by the third year, why not just uh, take 10% of what he makes the third year and do it for free? He writes, can't do that. Most people aren't coachable. They try to invest. They try to invent the wheel again or don't listen or are just lazy. Upfront money, baby. I could do a smaller coaching session for 25 k And then he answers David Williams about what he's been doing. David Williams, flipping homes, been doing it for the last five years part-time. Flipped over 65 homes in the last five years. Fun, exciting, and of course profitable. No luck involved, and doing in one of the worst markets we've had since the 1970s. A lot of opportunity in Vegas coming up the next few years. Why? Because of demographics. Check out Harry Dent's books. Amazing guy. Baby boomer, boomer generation, which is the generation of people born from 1946 through 1965, uh, means they will be selling their big homes to buy smaller homes and vacation homes. Where? Warm weather states. Vegas, Arizona, Florida, Texas. Lots of opportunities in those states. I, I buy and sell no more than 15 minutes from my home in Severn, uh, Maryland. I hate to drive and like to keep it fun so much more than poker. Uh... Imagine this for a moment. What would it be like if every time you bought into a poker tournament, you knew where you were going to make final table money? How much fun would that be? Well, every time I make a house, uh, every time I buy a house, I'm going to the final table. I may make fifth or third or second sometimes, and occasionally first place money. Now that, my friend, is exciting. No luck involved in that. No bad beats. No guesswork. <laughs> so, so Eric Froelich said. How would someone have time to coach someone or find it worthwhile for 25k when making final table money repeatedly? <laughs> That's a good point. So, 
So then I said, Steve Dannemann picking up where Tom Vu left off. Now, for those of you that don't know who Tom Vu is, he actually played poker for a while. I actually almost made a final table with him. Uh, but Tom Vu is not known as much for his poker. He's been on TV in the ESPN broadcast. Yeah, but he's known for this. This is, this is Tom Vu. The knowledge you will learn at my seminar will make you financially independent for the rest of your life. One of my recent transactions, I walked away with a check for $15,010.50. I took the Tom Vu Profit Seminar. It has worked for me. It has made me financially secure. You can do it, too. You don't have to ask your boss for a raise anymore. You can give yourself the best raise of your life. Come to my seminar. Using the Tom Vu techniques, I bought this house, made $33,000. If I can apply the Tom Vu techniques and make $33,000 on this house, you can do it, too. The money-making strategy taught at my seminar is a solution for those of you who work hard but are underpaid. By the way, on, in all these... Uh segments where Tom Vu appears uh, he's surrounded by really pretty white girls, not Asian girls uh, on a boat <laughs> here they're playing backgammon while he talks for some reason using the Tom Vu technique one of the homes I recently bought made me $12,000 you don't need to be a genius to learn how to make a lot of money with my system a lot of my students who are average people make a lot of money, why not you? this is the house we just bought it appraised for $98,000, and we were able to get it for fifty-five. What this has done has given me confidence in myself that I know I have the ability to be able to do this, and he has confidence in me, too. At first, I didn't feel that deals like this were possible, but we have the house, and we have our $30,000 profit, and I certainly believe now. Do you see yourself a millionaire someday? Have some guts. Make a decision. Come to my seminar. <laughs> so, these were little uh, commercials he would run, uh, usually late at night, on independent stations in the 80s. Pretty convincing. <laughs> the funny thing with these people who were giving the testimonials, uh, they, they seem like they had to be actors, or or at least regular people that are given scripts. They're like, I have confidence in myself now, and <laughs> and he has confidence too. The Tom Vu seminar helped me make $33,000. Nobody speaks like that. Even if you're not a professional actor, you don't speak like that. You just say, like, yeah, oh, I bought this house. It was $33,000 profit for me. It was great. That, like, that's what you'd say in a conversational tone. You don't say, I have confidence in myself now, and he has confidence too. Like, but anyway, uh, that was Tom Vu. Uh, he played poker for a while. As I said, uh, I came in 10th place in what was going to be a TV final table. At a, he, he doesn't play anymore? I haven't seen him. Okay. But uh, that's Tom Vu. As you can see, uh, we're getting a lot of the same rhetoric about basically the same thing from Steve Dannemann. And, uh, yeah, this whole thing about, you know, Tom Vu was saying... Were there any updates on that Facebook status? Did you check before radio? No, but... uh, So, so what what I'm saying here is that uh, Tom Vu, he was trying to say if you're an ordinary person who works hard and doesn't make much money, you, you should do this to make yourself financially secure. And and uh, Daneman is posting on frustrated poker players' pages. So, you know, he he waits for someone like Eric Froelich to say, "Oh, 
get in an ace king versus ace king and and I lose a whole lot of chips there instead of chopping. Man, this sucks. I'm so tired of luck being like this. And he goes, "Well, how would a profession where you don't need luck? Let me tell you. How do you like to make the final table every time?" <laughs> so, uh I do this all from home from uh Severn, Maryland. So I I found this whole thing to be really sales pitchy and Eric Froelich brought up a good point. How can you find it worthwhile to take students for 25k if you're making so much money every time so easily? Uh, I have to think that he's making most of his money selling these courses uh, where he teaches people. Uh, maybe he took this course from somebody else and paid a lot of money, and, and then you know is now doing it himself. And maybe he is home flipping, but the truth is, much like he needed a lot of luck to make second place at the final table of the World Series main event, uh, you need luck to succeed these days in home flipping. It's not like it was from uh, 1968 to 2008, where just about every year it goes up. Uh, Now you have to really be careful that you're investing in a market that is going to appreciate and not uh, lose money or lie flat. A lot of them are lying flat these days. Uh, Some of them are appreciating, but then going down again. Vegas actually had a good two years after... Really slumping big time. Vegas lost a, a ton. You know what's you know what's sick is uh, David Williams. If he's doing Troy Center and all that, he might be a big enough sucker to actually uh, reply to reply to this. Shit. Yeah, right. Steve Dannemann. Can't you can't you see David doing yes, that? Yes, yeah, I, I could. Can. You're right. So uh, I, I wonder who else Dannemann has posted. It's hard for me to believe he's only done this to Eric Froelich. He's probably done this to a whole lot of people. Now uh, um, you think after all this that Dannemann would be pissed at me for. Uh, because I, I pointed out after this that uh, oh let me tell you what I what I pointed out after this that, that wasn't the end of the conversation uh, I, I said in all seriousness much like Steve needed luck to get where he did in the World Series so did he with a home flipping strategy Vegas home prices went up during a lot a lot during the past two years but a downturn has already begun so anyone trying to flip now in Vegas well good luck to you so I thought he'd get pissed and and start arguing with me. But, of course, a good salesman doesn't get pissed. So what did he do? Uh, he f- tried to friend me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't accept, by the way. I, I don't need that crap on my wall. But uh, Steve Dannemann, hoping he can convince me of that. And uh, let me tell you some other stuff about what he said there. He said this year is the worst market since the 1970s. Now, first of all, that's not true. This was some of of a a recovery year where a lot of markets did fairly well. It wasn't a huge rise for most markets, but it was somewhat of a rise this year, a a good rise for a lot of markets. Uh, The terrible year was, of course, 2008, and then the following two years were also pretty bad in most markets, and then it was flat for a while. And then the last two years have seen an uptick. Uh, but putting that aside, he said it's the worst year since the 1970s. This just shows he knows very little about the history of the real estate market. The 1970s were the start of a boom that saw no downturns until the 1990s. Uh, starting around 1968, the prices started going up in houses compared to inflation. And went up, 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 up without any kind of decrease until around 1991. So if you invested in real estate starting from the late 60s, uh, unless you were a complete idiot and bought something that was like way, way, way overpriced, but even then, you were going to make money because it just went up, 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 without stop 
I, I watched it happen as I was growing up. I wasn't alive in the early six in the late sixties, but but I was alive throughout the seventies and the eighties, and I watched housing prices bolt upwards. And finally, there's a little bit of a crash, not a very big one, a little bit of a crash in the early 90s, but then it uh, really shot up starting from the mid-90s. So he's saying since the 70s. What do you mean since the 70s? The 70s were a great time. You want the 70s again if you're going to invest in housing. So what's he talking about? Sounds like he's trying to repeat other people's rhetoric and and, and is getting it wrong. Uh, Now... What caused the crash in 2008, without getting too much of a political discussion of it, a lot of it was the banks assuming that because real estate had consistently gone up so much compared to inflation over the last 40 years, uh, they were always a safe investment. It was like a guaranteed moneymaker to buy real estate. So they would just give these really flimsy loans that they knew people probably couldn't pay, figuring, well, we're going to win either way. Either people pay off their loans and we make all the interest off them, or they default on the loan and we get the house instead and we made money on the house anyway. So we win either way. The only way they lose is if the house goes down in value, and that's exactly what happened, and the whole thing crashed. Uh, so the bottom line is that I think he's making most of his money selling these courses rather than flipping himself. And uh, if he was really doing this well flipping himself, he would just do it and not, and not try to solicit students so uh, um, he's trying <laughs> he's trying he's trying yeah you know, like I was actually looking recently at Vanessa Selbst was trying to sell her house and not Vanessa Vanessa Russo was trying to sell her house and she actually made a lot of money on her house from her original sale price she bought it at, like the low point after the big crash. And I don't think she did it because of the crash. She just happened to buy in then. And it went way up since then. But then it, w- it had already come down. By the time she put it on the market, it had already come down from the peak. The peak was sometime in like January of last year. So it actually went down some since the peak. And uh, uh, Anyway, bottom line is this is a dangerous time to invest in real estate. And it really has nothing to do with the baby boomers buying vacation homes in warm weather. That's a bunch of BS rhetoric. They, uh, what's dictating the market is, is it's much more complicated than that. Much more complicated. I, I'm not even going to get into it, but it's not just something simple like uh, baby boomers want to sell their big houses and move into smaller houses in warm markets. It's, it's not like that. So, uh, let me get to the last topic. Uh, this is about a guy who had his house broken into. Very weird story while he was there. It was a home invasion robbery. It's a poker player who... Uh, let me get to this story. Have you heard of uh, negative things about Jay? I have, definitely. Uh, about Jay? I wasn't talking about Jay, but what have you heard about him? Um, I have friends that uh, he's like he slow play he slow pays people like gets loans and like doesn't tr- it tries to weasel a lot of paying and shit. Yeah, but, after, uh, even after winning all this money. No, the, before this. No, though. before that. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say even he couldn't have blown through it that fast. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, there a guy 
had this occur. A, uh, I think he was like 30 years old, a poker player in Cleveland. Uh, he was robbed for 150k in his home. Uh, he heard two car doors close in his driveway. He looked down and saw a black car. So he got scared and grabbed a baseball bat. At this point, nobody's in his house. Now, you would think at this point, when you're already scared and you're holding a baseball bat, that when somebody knocks in your door, you don't just open them, welcome them in. But, but that's what he did. There was a knock on the door, and he said, hmm, I did hear two, car, two cars in my driveway. I am scared right now, but I, I think it's probably just one of my neighbors. I'm going to open the door anyway. <laughs> so he opens the door. Uh, two black males storm in with guns, and they rob him. And in fact, they tell him, we know you have a safe here. Open the safe, or we're going to shoot you. He keeps saying he doesn't have a safe. He doesn't really have a safe. But he does have a whole lot of cash in the home, which uh, they say he knows he has a lot of cash there. He, he leads them to that, and they take it all. Uh, about half of, They take $150,000. About half of it was chips. I think like 90 k was uh, cash and 60 k was chips. Uh, a few things came out since then. Uh, some people were accusing him of making it up, but he did report it to the police. It appears like it's probably a true story. Uh, he's not a known poker player. Uh, I'd have to dig to get his name. But, uh, let's see if I can find it. Let's see. But, uh, so people are, of course, asking, why would you ever open the door when, when you think this is, something suspicious is happening outside, especially if you have a lot of cash in the house? So the guy came to 2 plus 2 and actually answered to all this. He said, first of all, he has neighbors that just drop by all the time. He just thought he was being paranoid for no reason and opened the door, and it turned out he, you know, there was a reason to be paranoid. Uh, he claims that uh, his daughter was sleeping upstairs. He's a young kid sleeping upstairs, so he was especially afraid to cause any problems that he just wanted to hand over the money. Um, and... He said that uh, you know, as soon as these people stormed in, he dropped the bat and gave up because they had guns. Uh, he said he didn't call the cops because he felt he was being stupid. You know, before it happened, he didn't call the cops because he felt he was being stupid just by hearing cars in his driveway slamming doors. He thought he was just imagining it or just outside somewhere else, even though he thought he saw the cars. Uh, anyway, the thing that kind of came out was that where he plays in Cleveland, there just aren't big games where he'd have 150k on him. And he apparently won that money recently. He won a lot of money recently. So it became clear this must have been a tip-off of some sort. And he plays at, at Caesars, actually, there. Or, or whatever Caesars property there is in Cleveland. Harris or whatever it is. Uh, they... So... He probably won this in the pits. He claims he's a professional poker player and wins most of his money playing poker, but they, they don't spread anything higher than 2-5 over there or anywhere in the area. So uh, it's pretty much clear that provided this really happened as said, and he had, he had his money laying out on the coffee table, by the way. This was crazy. He actually let them in. Whoever, you know, he didn't know who it was yet, but someone knocks on the door after he's already scared that something suspicious is happening. He has $150,000 of cash and chips laying on his coffee table that he said he was out there because he was counting it. 
<laughs> and he lets them in. I mean, how stupid is that? I, it's it's crazy. I, I think I believe it happened, but it's just uh, ridiculous. What, how much money was the most you said you ever had on you? You you had to transfer it somewhere. You had to bring it somewhere. How much was that again? What happened was they closed my box at the win because yeah. I wasn't using it enough, and they just abruptly told me. I have to come down now and get the money. And I had $137,000 in there, and it was in the summer. And I wow. said, crap, crap. So I, I, I wore a jacket there <laughs> in the summer, which I hoped wouldn't look bad because you know people wear it inside. They, they over-air condition it. So I wore a jacket there. I stuffed it all in my jacket, and I walked out. And fortunately, the poker room was pretty close to the garage there at the wind. But boy, was I scared. I'm looking in every direction, but trying not to look like I'm looking in every direction. And I'm thinking, God, if somebody mugs me, they're going to be getting the surprise of their life. And I got in my car, and uh, once I got in my car and had the doors locked, I had a uh, sigh of relief and just said, you know, if anyone tries to approach this car and tries to bust in here, I'm just going to run them over. (laughs) I'm in here now. Now, at this point, I'm just, like, not stopping for anyone, so... Then I, like I, you gotta be. It's like I would be so paranoid. Like, oh my god, are, are the the people that that know about this and the that work at the casino tip someone yeah, off? Yeah, I was afraid anything, of that too. You know? That's like, what I was afraid of too. That they're gonna tip. Yeah, someone like yes. I, you have to be that paranoid. Yeah, I was, and and I was like, I was like, crap, I better not get rubbed. I was like, I was so worried about this, and I was just like, also what I did was, uh, I took the elevator to floor two. But then walk the stairs up to floor three, hoping that if anyone's trying to follow me, we'll see the elevator stop at two and try to intercept me there. You really did that? Yeah. <laughs> it was like out of a TV show. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe you did. Maybe you did avoid yeah, being maybe, that maybe, way. Maybe they were waiting there for me. They're like, what the hell? Where is this guy? <laughs> yeah. God damn it. And so, so, you, so you went to the bank with that? and just like No, no. I, I, went, I took it to a different box I had. So oh, I had, wow. But, so I actually had to do a second walk with it <laughs> over to another box. But, uh, Jesus. But at least over there, there couldn't be anyone expecting me. Right, yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, anyway, uh, he... Uh, so some people don't believe this guy. He, he posts as uh, JK, JK, JK on 2 plus 2. His name's... His initials are JK. I, I I forget the guy's name. Maybe somebody in the chat knows it. But who knows? Uh, he, he was obviously a degenerate who won a bunch of money gambling in the pits or something in Cleveland. They all like to say they're professional poker players. Everybody loves to say that because it sounds better. Uh, I mean, even Jennifer Tilly likes to say she is. Even uh, Beth Shack says she is. So many people say they're professional poker players just because they play poker and don't work. So, uh, yeah, someone's saying in chat uh, of how much 130000 is, how much, how, how bulky that is, and it is. And at, at that time, I was really wishing that they had $1,000 bills still, or $10,000 bills. That'd be so much easier. I wish they had those. It's just a, it's such a pain in the ass to carry around like large sums of money uh, without being obvious you have it on you. Especially in the summer, where you're looking weird wearing a thick jacket around. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I I I don't usually walk with a lot of cash around for that reason. I I have it in boxes, and uh, this way, 
I, I don't leave the casino with large sums of money, so if someone tries to mug me, they're not going to get very much. Uh, now, what I typically see, by the way, when the, when these muggings occur, obviously not in this guy's case, but mostly, usually they go for the low-hanging fruit. They like to, these muggers that wait outside casinos, I've noticed in these stories, and some of them have very bad endings where people get murdered, but I've seen these uh, typically happen to either old people or, like, Asian women. Like, they go for what they seem, what seem to be the weakest opponents physically. So, I th- for that reason, I think I'm less likely to be mugged in these situations anyway. Not that they'd be afraid to mug me, you know, they've, they've got a gun here and they just, you know, pull it on me when I'm in the parking lot. Yeah, we're so it. tall, man. Yeah, well, I'm not as tall as you, but the truth is, you know, they see a guy who's 40 years old, is six foot two. They're, you know, they much rather go after the the five foot Asian woman or the the guy who's 75 years old. Is the truth. So, uh, that, I, I think that probably helps me a little bit. But, uh, yeah, but still, I mean, this guy, whoever he was, they actually came and did a home invasion robbery. And I mean, this guy opening the door like that. And so, some people are idiotically saying in the thread, "Oh, you know, it would have happened anyway, whether you opened the door or not. You know, they would have broken in." No, they wouldn't have. They 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 knocked, hoping he opens. They're not gonna. Especially this guy described his neighborhood as like all the neighbors re- live really close. That's why he thought they were knocking on the door. Uh, people hear everything, so there's no way they're gonna just bust windows or bust doors down in the middle of the night and uh, attract the attention of the whole neighborhood. They, they they got in the quiet way where they knock, he opens it, and they pull a gun on him. So I, I don't blame him for giving up the money at that point, but I, I blame him for opening the door, especially with 150K sitting on the table of all things. So uh, Crazy. And, and, you know, I, I even have worried before about keeping a lot of money at home that uh, for that reason. I, I don't want to have to make the decision if someone came in to rob me. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have a baseball event either. I would have a gun out. But but, but still, even without that, if, if someone uh, was robbing me here in a Hove invasion robbery and, and pointing guns at me and saying, you know, get all the money out and give it to me and we know you have it here, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say, oh, no, you know, try to lie to them, oh, I have nothing. You know, the, if, if, if they know differently, you don't know what they're going to do. So I, I don't blame him so much for giving up the money, especially with the city. Yeah, like no, no amount of money is worth risking uh, yeah. your life. So, so for that reason, I just like I don't like to keep a lot of money around. So this way, you know, if I tell the truth and give them the money, they're not going to make off with that much. So, uh, so the, the few times I have had money around the house, I'm like, you know, I better get to a box and get rid of it. So, anyway, that's that was kind of a weird story. The guy went on the radio and told it, and I, I still will never understand why he opened the door. But even if he thinks it's his neighbor, I mean, here, here he's already used, nervous about something's going on and still opens it. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was just thinking, oh, well, they're knocking at the door, then they must not be trying to break in. <laughs> so maybe it's just, you know, exactly that. Just someone, I, I don't know, you know, like. Yeah. I, it, it kind of reminds me of some old dreams I used to have, some old nightmares where, like, uh, you know the, the the monster or whatever was in the nightmare with me. Uh, sometimes I would know something's going to happen, like he's going to come out and chase me and try to get me and kill me or whatever he's going to do. And sometimes I would actually do it anyway for unknown reasons of the dream. Like I know if I if I say a certain thing or open a certain door, he's going to be there. But I'm like, oh, I'm just going to open that door anyway. <laughs> like, like, but but that's like like a, a kid in a nightmare. This, this is a guy in real life. This is an adult in real life, and it's just opening. And he has a kid sleeping upstairs too. It's unbelievable. Like. 
you think you, you worry about your kid and don't just open the door and say, oh, it's my neighbor screwing around. Uh, at least say, who is it? Uh, yeah. So that's... Uh, I wonder what these guys would have said knocking on the door if he, he says, who is it? Uh, yeah, black guy's here to rob you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on. Let me open this up and drop the baseball bat. Uh, let me go put my... Uh... 150k in a nice little bag for you, <laughs> okay. grocery bag. So, so uh, now that we're at the end of all our topics, uh, this girlfriend—I don't know if she's still listening. This girlfriend of yours—is uh, she? Uh, she lives in Vegas, right? Yes. Is it someone you've been with a while? Yep, and it's not the married. Tr- it's not check. the married. Check. That's, <laughs> that's over. So, so this is a, a an actual serious girlfriend. And ha- how long have you been with her? <sighs> A month and a half, maybe. Okay. You know, I'll tell you about the month. Maybe a little, maybe a little more than that. I haven't been keeping track. I I always like to. I keep track for one reason, and that is, I I talk about the two month thing. And and uh, two months is basically the point where you always have in any kind of good beginning of a relationship where, where there's a lot of excitement and uh, a lot of times it's hard to picture for two months how the whole thing's ever going to fall apart. It, it oh seems yeah, like it's, definitely. It, I know what you're saying. It seems like it's great and it seems like uh, this has a great future to it. And then it's amazing after about two months how quickly it can collapse. And, for sure. And uh, there's the two-month point, kind of like the six-month point if it makes it past that where there's a kind of a second wave of that. But uh, I remember when I was with... Uh, Benjamin's mom uh, way before she was pregnant with Benjamin uh, we were talking about the two month thing we, we both acknowledged it we both were it was off to a very 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 good start this relationship mm-hmm. uh, so good that like after three weeks I was saying to people that I thought this had a good future this relationship and they were saying you're crazy it's three weeks I said I, I just I just have a really good feeling about this one that it it seems like it's it's very very strong and it seems like it have a very good future, and I said, but still, I want to wait two months before I I, I really think that because uh, I think you need to wait at least that. So the two month point is kind of what I you gotta found. wait that long before you say I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least that, and and you've got to wait that at least that long before you really take it seriously to where you you really believe it will go somewhere. And uh, I've had so many of them that looked great for two months or six weeks or whatever and then collapsed super fast to where when it's over, I wonder, like, in the final stages, how it could be that same person at the end as it was at the beginning. She just seems like completely different by that point. So, anyway, uh, is she around your age? Uh, She's 20. 21, actually. I know know you had that one experience. You had that one experience with the older woman. But yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. I never, I never. Man, quite... you, you, you never let. You would always make fun of me for that. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I was just so surprised. That's to hear how. About whenever it. I would call into radio after I'd hang up, I'd I'd listen in the archives to the parts I missed, and then you'd say, "By the way, Eric Ryland dated this old old chick." <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, this the the one you dated, the older one. Uh, I, I guess the reason it was so fascinating to me was I remember seeing her on Boris, and I, I remember seeing her picture, and I, I go, oh, she oh looks yeah, t- horrible picture. Well, well, I, I just uh, thought well, what I thought when I saw her wasn't so much the picture was horrible. I just thought eh, she's around my age, like, uh, and she was. It turned out, 
So I, I was so surprised to hear that of all people dating her, it was someone who's so much younger than me. That here's a woman who's my age that's, that's dating Ryland of all people, who I remember right. being 16 when I was on Everyone Poker. So that's what I'm so telling you. It was so awesome to get away from the fucking Minnesota winter, though. That was awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I cannot, I can't even like. New York was fucking hell because of the snow, like the cold. Like I can't do it anymore. Like it's, I don't know, man. Don't you agree? Like you just can't stand the cold after you're used to like you know what the weather I'll, out here. I'll tell you, my only extended period of time, other than when I was a baby living in the East Coast, which I don't remember. My only extended period of time living in cold weather was not even real cold weather. It was in Las Vegas during an unusually cold month, and it was in 2008. It was in December, and that was the month where it snowed that one day six inches, and there was all this snow. I remember. Yeah, so that whole month was cold. It wasn't just that one day. The whole month was, was, was cold. Uh, a lot of days didn't break 40. Uh, the whole month pretty much didn't break 50. Uh, you kept having, like, 40s in the day, 20s at night, windy, Day after day after day after day after day, and it was it was driving me by like three weeks of this, I was going crazy. Like I, I and I and I've been you know I go skiing where it's a lot colder than that, but I'm I'm there for a few days or at most a week, and I go home, and I know I'm going home. Like here here I'm in Vegas, and it's just like just week after week after week after week. We're not even seeing fifty, and it's windy and it's cold, and it's even snows. The snow was kind of interesting, but you know like this this I wasn't used to that, and it was really depressing after a while, and. Um, and I really just wanted to leave. And, and finally I did leave and, and went to L.A. And boy, was it nice, just just for the difference in L.A., which L.A. is not like Florida in the winter, but L.A. like, like kind of ha- goes between warm and cold in the winter, where it's uh, not really cold, but, you know, L.A. some days can be like 80. Like, I think tomorrow's going to be like 80 in L.A. But, but other days can be 60 or 50s, but uh, it was still a lot different than Vegas was. And yeah, can not, can you imagine negative twenty in Minnesota? Like, no, it's awful. It's just just the like wind chill feels like negative fifty. It's just it's unbelievable. No, I know uh, Minnesota is, is extremely cold. I was only in cold weather like that once in my life. That was in, in like I, I can't even drive in the in the, those conditions anymore. It's so it's so sickening. Like, do you know how many cars and semis I saw in the ditch around New Jersey and New York over the snow, when it snowed and the, the freezing rain? It was disgusting. I uh, I took a picture. There's one. There's one picture where there was uh, four semis that went in the ditch all together. Yeah, and yeah. and and two cars. I, I wouldn't want to go somewhere. And people say, "Oh, you just stay in the house and keep the heat on." But it's it's just different. It's it's kind of like, uh, and I'll tell you, like Vegas in the summer. Um, that. The reverse, where it, it's it's also unpleasant after a while. Just you yeah, walk I'm, out. Fi- I'm fine. I'd rather have that than okay. But it's it's still unpleasant. You walk out and the wall of heat just hits you. Yeah, you actually touch something with your arm, you burn yourself. Yeah, <laughs> so like that's that, that that gets to me after a while too. Like like right when the World Series over, I I always leave. I always leave because I I've been there so long in in the 110 every day. I'm just tired of it. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean that's why California's real estate is is worth so much because of the weather there. It's just because the, right. it, it has the best weather in the country. Yeah, it makes sense. So uh, to make some decisions when they launch online poker there, and you don't think that's going to be anytime soon, I guess. I, right? I, I so. don't. I, it's such a mess in California with the government and uh, 
the high cost there. of living and the the more that's like you have to pay so many so much more taxes. Oh, the there taxes are and, uh, the taxes are insane. But but just the online poker, I just can see that there's going to be such a fight about this in the legislature, and it, it's going to be such a huge mess. I think it's easier to fast track these things in a state like Nevada or New Jersey. I think in California they're going to have a real hard time with this. And uh, you know, it's one thing to allow Indian casinos, which are all pretty much way out of the way. Uh, Mm-hmm. Some some closer to civilization than others, but if you look at the ones even like in Southern California, like in L.A., there, there's no Indian casinos in L.A. Like Commerce is not that's a poker room, that's not a casino. Uh, L.A. area, the you, you have to go all the way out to the Palm Springs area or Riverside County. It's it's, it's always a good drive to get to them. It's totally out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, to bring online poker to where anyone anywhere in the state can just turn on their computer. And go and play poker for real money, even if they don't have other casino games, even if it's just poker. I don't know what California is going to try to do if they're going to go the New Jersey way or uh, the way. You better pray they have better customer support than WSOP.com, <laughs> where it's going to be it's going to be a massacre over there. Oh, dude. I'm sure it'll be WSOP. I'm sure the Harris Rincon will be that'll oh, be WSOP.com. I can only imagine. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that getting this approved in California is going to be a major difficulty, and, and already they have to get, before they can even start, they have to get the tribes all on one page, which I know you said was starting to happen more. But mm-hmm. you've got to get them all on one page, and you've got to get enough tribes to where yeah, they want this enough to where they they use whatever influence they have to make this happen. It's got to be more than just, eh, we're okay with it. And if it does, it, it, I think it'll be really good. You have 38 million people. You have a lot of them which like to gamble. You uh, have, There's a lot of money in the state. Uh, then you will have a lot of fish sitting in the games. And Oh, you know, it's going to be insane. Like, yeah. there, we won't have, we, we will literally have no choice other than to be over there, you included. Yeah, and, and, obviously. You, and, you, and you won't have, you know, you won't have the problem with uh, having to worry about being, uh, you know, the site not paying you and, and super users. Yeah, and, and, and you won't stuff. have to really think about where to be and, and uh, other states opening up and that being more, more pro- like profitable to be there. Like, I had to go all the way over to New Jersey and shit and play. Yeah, but, yeah, that'll and, be the big thing. I, I think, and I yeah, think the population is big enough to support even the influx of pros that will come in to want to play in California, as well as the existing pros who live there, which is a lot of. Them. And the, and there's a lot of young guys that make a lot of money in on online poker and stuff. And they 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 can't buy a house. They can't do a mortgage or buy a house because they don't know where they're going to end up with all this shit <laughs> because it's always changing. And um, it makes me want to be a live pro just so I can finally. Know where I'm going to be. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know, actually, if if you're Steve Dannemann, you don't have to worry about where you're going to be. You can just, you can just buy a house and and, uh, yes. and and do the house flipping then, and do wherever you want to go. You know what? <laughs> he might try. He might try to get in touch with me now after <laughs> listens. You may say, "Hey, Ryland, uh, you said you want to <laughs> yeah. buy you want to buy a house. I, I I can help you there." Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So. Anyway, this has been uh, another five-hour show. Back-to-back five-hour shows here on uh, to start 2014. And for those of you that like the long radio shows, is your girlfriend still listening? Yes, she's texting wow. me saying she's still listening, Drop. She, she actually 
was here for all five. That's a dedicated girlfriend. You know, I'll, I'll say this. You know what? She she saw me play online poker for the first time this morning, and she she's been playing a uh, play money app on her phone, not Yahoo uh, <laughs> poker, but. She's uh, her landlord is actually a poker player too, isn't that crazy? Wow, you a know, poker pro, uh, and so she's really hooked. She's trying to get good, but you know uh, Benjamin's mom. She used to listen to this show when it first started. She actually listened to the previous show I was on before before Poker Fraud Alert, and she liked that one. And she listened every week. And then when Poker Fraud Alert Radio started, and it was me and Drexel and Vowels, she loved that show and said that was the best incarnation of any shows. That, that I was part of, and she loved that show. Uh, but uh, then she started to listen less and less, and and I, by the time Vowels left, she already started to lose interest. And then uh, and right. now, she, now she never listens anymore. But she she used to listen like every time without fail, even if she couldn't listen live, she would listen uh, on the way to work and on the way home from work, and and while she was at home, like I, and it actually made me feel good. She listened to every show. Now she doesn't listen at all. So. Uh, I, yeah, I she it, says she texts me. She says this this has so much drama. She can't believe it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like how can there be this, this this many scandals over the week? And well, stuff? Yeah, what's amazing but, is like I talk about all this stuff, and it takes five hours, and I say, okay, there's no way next week's going to provide enough material. But then it does. Then the next week is another three hours or four hours, and once in a while we come up with a week where there's nothing happening, and then I have to struggle for things to talk about. But but for the most yeah. part, there, there's at least three hours of stuff, and it's crazy. Like I I, I can't. Can't believe that someone could put on these shows and drive from LA to Vegas and and not even listen to the whole thing, but, but, but they <laughs> yeah. can. So so anyway, I think uh, since we're at the five hour mark here or so, it's time to put on the famous. I finally I finally get to do the shalom. Oh, you, you do. Yeah, you never made it through a whole show, and this is the first time. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll, I'll say Ryland did a good job on this one. You, you were very aware of all the subjects we talk about. You you had a, a lot of good commentary. And uh, I, I thought it's it's just like I love listening so much, you know, that uh, it's hard to call in and, and not be a listener because you know what I mean? Yeah, look, it's it's uh, I, I thought you did a very good job here and you're welcome to come back in the future. You know, this is the Druff and Friend show and we have a revolving door of uh, co-hosts. So I, I always want a co-host over no co-host. And, uh, you know, you now join the rotation. You, you can come in and... Uh, we gotta get China Maniac and me on in the we same time. We can do time, that too. We? we we can have three. You know, this show started off with three originally, and uh, I, I always like to have co-hosts and have other points of view, and it even gives me a moment to read the chat room sometimes and all that. So, I'd like to thank everybody for listening live, for listening in the archives, and uh, even for putting up with me last week when I was really too sick to be doing a show, and. You and I both recovering from the, the cold. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope. It well, I had the flu, but yeah, I hope it doesn't happen again. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, my my maid actually, she has the flu, and I'm going to live dangerously and have her come clean on Thursday anyway. So I <laughs> I, I hope I'm not back on Tuesday with the flu. That'd be uh, it's right around this time too. Like if I catch the flu from her cleaning the house on Thursday, I'll probably be back on Tuesday with the flu. But uh, hopefully not. I haven't had the flu in a few years, so hopefully I'll dodge it. I haven't had the flu shot either. So, five hours of goodness here. Hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you to Ryland. Thanks to all the people who donated to our free roll and all of our loyal listeners and everything else. We'll be back next week, one week from today, 7 p.m., January 22nd, as this show plods on 
and continues to explore. Ex- Forget it. it. It continues next <laughs> week on PokerFraudAlert.com. Good night and shalom. Shalom.